Hello, Legionnaires, and welcome to episode 156 of RPG Digest. In segment one, we read through a tabletop RPG to introduce it to you. Factions today, we're going to be doing all about factions, and oftentimes ourselves as well. In segment two, we provide higher level overviews and fundamentals, even the occasional how-to. Got a bunch of how-to questions this week. Can you show us how to do this? Can you show us how to do that? Guess what? Next year will, will be your favorite year ever. <laughs> I am John Maxliauslo, your favorite curmudgeon, critic, and judge. Along with me, as usual, this giant can of raid to kill those huge bugs in the system. It's Brett Heathen Dog Grissomer. How are you today, right. sir? Starship Troopers had it right. The only good bug is <laughs> bug what? Is a dead bug. That's right. Exactly right. And it's no joke there, and it's no joke here. So, there you go. Up, up front, one of the things I do want to say is, like, for anybody who's expecting Kevin and Sean to be here today and didn't get the message somehow, uh, there was an emergency. We'll just say uh, it's up to them to, to you know talk about their personal business. But uh, some people might know what happened, but uh, they could not be here today. We hope to have them on again sometime soon, but uh, they've got to get through a situation here first. But uh, thoughts, prayers, hugs, whatever you guys want to do out to them. So if I seem unprepared, blame (laughs) Kevin. Blame Kevin, because I wasn't. (laughs) I wasn't. I I thought I had two weeks to to read this book at my leisure. So I didn't start right away. So it's a, he crammed for this exam. Yes, I did. <laughs> so uh, anything interesting going on with you this week? Well, let's see. Um, hmm. That does not sound interesting. It, it's not. I mean, not a whole lot. Like I, yeah, I said last week I was sick and my, my son, you know, brought home a cold that, that sucked, but you know, it was just a cold, whatever. Um, started some estate planning. By what do you mean by that? Oh, okay. Thank you. De- for asking, de- you got death on your mind. <laughs> yeah, death on my mind. Uh, I call. I contacted uh, the uh, our prepaid legal to uh, to write up a, a living trust for me and my wife. Uh, so you know, Alexander said if we both you know get blowed up in something or crashed up in something or whatever. Damn it! I had my chance. Exactly. You had your shot. But uh, yeah, so you know, started that ball rolling. And uh, talk to some of my family members that I would trust with raising my son, and think I, I think think I found one. That would take Maybe have you quizzed time. a person yet? Throw throw them <laughs> through, through some yeah. real life scenarios. <laughs> Scenario. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but uh, yeah, my mom would be perfect, but she's just too old. She can't, she can't do it. And and she she lives in Meth Central, so no. No. Not doing that. <laughs> Not doing that at all. She has enough money. My 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 father, while a horrible person, uh, was an excellent provider, and you know didn't have any vices to throw money away on. So my mom's set. I don't have to worry about that. But uh, and Alexander will be set too because you know if if we were to die today, he would be, you know, on paper, uh, possibly a multimillionaire just right off the bat because of all the all the stuff we already have and the million dollars of insurance he'll get if we both die at the same time. So yeah, he'll be set. It's just that he's 11 and you don't give an 11 year old, you know, a couple million dollars and say, here, figure it out. You need a regent for the kingdom first. Exactly. Yes. You need a regent. And I've, I've chosen my regent and everything's good. All right. I wasn't, apparently I wasn't on that list. Damn you it. were, you were, you were, 
You were on the list, <laughs> and then you moved to Alabama. If you stayed in Germany, you you may you may have made the the the, the short list that gets phone calls, but you moved to Alabama, and I'm like, <laughs> Germany keeps screwing me over, one step after another. <laughs> the military screws you. Oh, yeah, that's coming back to haunt me yet again. Anyway. Yeah, so uh, my week has been a blur because uh, I've just been working. My job changed. I now have like seven jobs in one. So uh, I've got to figure that out. My supervisor was out last week. So there's the problem, the main problem is that because uh, most people don't care about what I do day to day at work is just that uh, every single person I talk to is like, here. So I was off last week or the week before. Now, my supervisor was off this last week, so I got this note saying, hey, this is going to be your job. Cool. Okay, I can figure that out. I get there, and, well, this person said it's something different. This person said it's something different. This person said it's more. This person said it's less. This person's like, okay, got to get on the same page. <laughs> so so the expectations have been really weird, and it's kind of turned from like, well, I show up, I do a couple things when they ask me to, to uh, I need about 18 more hours in just a single day in order for this to work the way they want it to. So. But uh, yeah, Michael, I hope you hang out for uh, what Heathen. I already kind of know what Heathen Dog's going to, or a little bit of what what he's going to say today, and uh, you might have some comments ready to go for him. When uh, I I am going to try not to badmouth the game at all during the segments. Though those of you who are here watching, <laughs> you're going to get to see my unfiltered opinion in between segments. Yeah, apparently, he but didn't like I'm it. Gonna, <laughs> I'm going to try and put my my uh, best foot forward on this one. Yeah, I mean, I, I have people yelling at me because I didn't like splicers. I mean, conceptually, pl uh, splicers seem neat. Like, okay, you got biology versus metal. Okay, I, you know, I, I can get with that. That seems like uh, a different take on, on you know, the good versus evil or the up versus down trope, whatever. But mm -hmm. it just got too weird. Like, you have to have worm guns and so forth. Otherwise, <laughs> I get taken. I was like, okay, now we're delving into territory that for me just might be a touch too far. And systems failure, to be fair, I have not read it. I've skimmed through parts of it. I watched, uh, or I didn't watch, I read a little blog on it about a year ago. And I thought it sounded neat. I was like, that's pretty cool. Normal people killing bugs. That sounds like something I'm all about. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll see what Heathen Dog has yeah, to say about that. So. But uh, Seth over here says that uh, burial insurance is a good idea too. My grandmother had everything covered before she went. I have a I have a family plot, so the whole burial thing is taken care of. I'm military, so I have VA. Yeah, you have VA. They'll, 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 I'm military too, but they'll, they'll 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 pay for me to put be put in the ground. I already have a place to be put in the ground, so I'm I'm all set. And uh, where is it? Uh, oh yeah. Mercurius says a cheerful topic. Hey, you know what? End of life plan. Always a good thing to go over because if you don't do anything, sure, your wife or your mother or your sister or your brother, whatever closest family, are, they will eventually get your crap. Only everything the government touches, they're going to take from before they get to wherever you're going. So I used to have, have to deal with probate. You don't you don't yeah, want to deal with probate. <laughs> probate sucks. You're gonna have to pay money, or the, the government's gonna take their cut, and then your family will get your shit, but less of it. A lot but less if you do, yeah. If you do a will and I if you do a trust, the, it, it bypasses all yep. the courts altogether and it just goes. Yep. Everything just goes. And if it's uh if it's real estate 
or cars or boats or whatever that has appreciated somehow in value. If you have a if you have a classic car, or whatever has appreciated in value, your house appreciating value. If it doesn't go in through a trust, they'll have to when they sell it, they'll have to pay taxes on how you bought it and not how they got it. So if you bought your house 10 years ago and it was worth 100,000, now it's worth 200,000 and it goes through regular probate, when the new person sells it, they're going to have to pay as if they bought it for 100,000. They made $100,000. But if you do it through trust, that resets. It's they they bought it as current value. So if they sell it as current value, that's no extra taxes. Now, be, uh, to be money. clear, every state is different when it comes to probate. I had to deal with both Wisconsin and Minnesota when I was licensed, and uh, they're different when it comes to probate, just for example. And I'm not going to dive into that here because I don't remember oh, all yeah. the ins and outs. But, uh, just staying away from it is a great idea. Yeah. Just getting away from it. Just keep, keep the government out of your shit. Yep. So I don't have kids, so screw it. I don't care what happened. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, I don't, I th I don't know... Uh, yeah, I don't really have anything else to say. Like I said, uh, sorry that Kevin and Sean aren't here. Uh, hope uh, the, those people watched Friday. Uh, fr I had it was one of my favorite streams ever. I thought it was a great time. Uh, it was it hit the balance that I was looking for, that I've been looking for for a long time. We had a topic, so we were doing a reaction to a video on about how to be a game master. It was a really horrible video. It was so boring that making fun of it was actually necessary. <laughs> In order to MSD3K type deal, uh, people have mentioned that. Although you know we were on the top to the bottom, but it was kind of an MSD3K type deal. Although I was pausing it, you know they don't pause. Uh, but it, it kept us on topic, and that's what I want. I want us to have a topic to talk about. But we get to rant. We get to talk about how we do things. It's uh, it's nerds sitting around a table, so to speak. So tangents will happen. We'll talk about other stuff, et cetera, et cetera. And to me, it was almost a perfect stream. Uh, there, I couldn't watch it. Why is that? I could not watch it. I'm sorry. I saw the thumbnail. It wasn't a clown. I moved on. <laughs> well, <laughs> fair I had people yelling at me about those clowns, so I stopped. Uh, stopped oh, doing no, I got used to the clowns. Oh, hey, uh, man, I just got a whole bunch more of those images. And I, I wish you would have done Dead Rain next week because I now have a whole ton of undead images. Oh, you got zombie clowns? I've got yeah, I think I do, actually. I think I have a zombie clown in there. No, but I have zombies and specters and all types of stuff now, so uh, I have to look through it more, but yeah. Um, but no, I, I had a great time. Now, there were some complaints, and every complaint was related about the exact same topic. It didn't matter if I got on Twitter, if I got it on Discord, if I got on YouTube, whatever. Uh, one of the guys, we'll just say that was on the panel, was a little excited, <laughs> and he was interrupting a lot. And, uh, you know, but this is what I want to say to folks. I get it. I didn't really notice it at the time because I'm used to, it's my stream. So I interrupt anybody I want to, um, you know, I, I'm nice on other people's streams, but on my stream, eh, you know, uh, I didn't really feel that he interrupted that much, but I haven't gone back to watch it, but I got more than, well, a handful of complaints about that work on it. It's okay. You know, it's again, it's a chill stream. You know, when nerds talk, nerds talk, you know, so, but, uh, haven't decided if we're going to do part two yet. Yeah. Cause obviously yeah. you didn't finish the video. No, 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 because I, well, the stream was only four hours, not eight hours. Yeah. <laughs> it was probably a 20-minute video. And 51 four minutes. Hours for, for the slow, not enough time. Yeah, it was like 51 or 53 minutes or something like that. Oh, okay. so, I, so I was like, oh, this is going to be, I can take this all month. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, but the, the thing to consider is on that stream, 
we're we're panel people talking. I get it. People are watching Legion Myth to hear what I have to say. But I have a panel on for a reason because we want to hear what they have to say as well. If I, if you just want to hear what I had to say, I'd do the show by myself. But uh, no, so I I don't mind what was going on. The the guy who was interrupting didn't bother me that much. I mean, we did pause it a few more times than I really wanted to. And then the only other complaint that I got was like, why are you talking over the video? It's like these people have never seen like Nick Ricada or any any like the legal shows. You know, well well, lawyering is happening in court, <laughs> and and they're they're talking about what's going on. It's not like, hey, excuse me, courtroom, can you shut up so we can talk about what's going on here? No, if you want to watch the actual video, go watch the actual video. <laughs> You're watching us reacting to it, so. Uh, all right. Don't forget, you got a 52... Yes, I did. I uh, got a $52 rumble rant. One minute for each minute of the... Or $1 for each minute of the video. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> so that was cool. Almost came close to having two giveaways on Friday, but we only had one. I had to redo it, too, because I completely forgot to add him in. You know, the biggest super chat or, or rumble rant of the night, I forgot to add him in. Uh, stupid, because Rumble doesn't come over to StreamYard, and I don't get that whole API star thing where I can just go through and check everybody's name. Anyway, but the person who won it wasn't watching, and you know how that goes. If you're not watching, yep. you don't get the prize. So I just, re I just re-ran it with him in there. And CBK Ply won again! Jesus Christ. He won yeah. the big one before, and he won the big one now. <laughs> Hacks. Hacks. Yeah. So, uh, and they suggested some more ways of killing people. So there are now more ways of killing people added to the list. It's a Hunger Games thing if you haven't seen it. So awesome. there we go. So with that, um, unless you've got anything else, I think we thank some folks and then start diving into Coriolis. Let's do it. All right. Where's my thank you? There you go. Well, thank all of you wonderful people who support us monetarily. Your gracious donations help us provide giveaways. A little more on that in a minute. Produce more content and generally give back to Legion Myth community as a whole. We're uh, encroaching upon 4,700 YouTube subscribers. This is, uh, we're getting a bunch of subscribers. That's pretty darn cool. Uh, I'm, I have to go check to see where they're coming from, like what they're watching. I have a funny feeling it's your Palladium stuff, but we'll, we'll take a look at that uh, at some point here. Yeah, but we are absolutely thankful for each and every one of you. At 5,000 subscribers, I'm setting up a fairly big giveaway. Uh, you know, to celebrate us because we didn't do a big one at four thousand. I don't think. I think we just did a little one. Or did we even have one at four thousand? No, I we didn't even have one because I was trying. I've been trying to tell you stay away from the giveaways for a while. You gotta, you gotta be in the black this year. I do, so and I'm and I am in the black, but it's not nearly as much as I thought. I have a lot more overhead than I thought. <laughs> uh, but at five thousand subs, I'm gonna have a fairly big giveaway to celebrate. You know, hitting five thousand, including the here have Max's crap giveaway. That's what I'm calling it. That's the actual official name of the giveaways. Here, have Max's crap giveaway. And awesome. I've got about 50 books. The, those who are members, uh, YouTube members, and have access to the Discord, you already know what that list includes. Generally speaking, they, I might take one out or add another one in, but still, uh, you generally know what the list is. And it is a pretty big list of uh, things that I'm giving away. So uh, also do some gift cards for the international folks, and we'll decide later if we do any like physical copies. Uh, that's small on the screen. What does it say? This super chat exists to bribe Heathen Dog into pretending to like systems failure. Editorial integrity be damned. Well, you know oh, what? Man. You, you, you have, send it to the right person. You have found my Achilles heel. My my ethical <laughs> kryptonite is money. <laughs> you found it. See, I, I unfortunately would have to tell you, thank you for the $10, but I got to be honest. Well, now we're going to get a dishonest review. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> 
anywho, check the description below for the links to various Legion Miss sites, social media, Discord, merch, etc. Now let me slide this over here. I gotta keep that up because I have notes on there for later. Oh, segment three is gonna start off pretty interesting today, I think. you at full screen so today for Coriolis we're gonna be talking about factions so it's gonna be this week and next week for Coriolis and then I'll be jumping into Forbidden Lands this week we're gonna talk about factions we'll see if there's time to talk about minor factions <laughs> Baldahar laughs by the way I think it's funny um I might I will, we'll see how long this takes I might skim over that but chances are no once you get through the main factions here you're gonna kind of understand how the third horizon is uh next week we're going to talk about the third horizon and I've already written down on a note card, all these different pages. Cause it's not like from beginning to end. I'm pretty sure I already did the history twice once in a video I did a couple years ago. And I think I did it in the first episode of this series. Didn't I, did I talk about yeah. the history of the first, like yeah. how this is neat. Okay, good. Um, Cause I don't want to cover that again. There's just, so there's already two videos out there on that, but we're going to talk about, what is in the third horizon we're going to talk about coriolis the station itself and we're going to just kind of talk about the themes that are going on in uh, coriolis the third horizon we're not going to go over each planet system by system that's that's too deep of a deep dive we're not going to cover every creature you could come across because there are some scary phenomena out there the darkness between the stars is no joke and they've got some creepy creepy things that uh they like to mess with you so like by the way jinn exist I mean, it's Arabic setting. You kind of have to. But uh, anyway, so that will be next week. I don't think next week. Oh, I'm going to jinx myself. But I don't think next week is going to be too long because uh, there isn't really a lot to say that wouldn't just be repeating itself over and over again. So today, factions. All right. For segment one today, we are getting close to finishing Coriolis. And we're going to talk about the factions. We're going to start, this video is going to be the Zenithian factions. And the next video is going to be the first come factions. And we're going to read through them and we're going to figure out what they are. Uh, what, uh, what their purpose is in Coriolis. Maybe their background. It's not too long for each one, so hopefully it's not too boring. But the factions are very important. And you're about to find out why here in just a moment. The core values of hashtag RPGate and any good tabletop group are escapism, not representation, entertainment over activism, and natural organic inclusion, not forced diversity. Please follow that QR code or refer to the description below for the link to the charity we support, which is the Wounded Warrior Project. Thursdays and Saturdays, you can watch the Dirty Casuals on twitch.tv slash Legion of Myth. Fridays and Sundays, you can watch the Friday Night Chill Stream and RPG Digest on our YouTube and Rumble channels. Please leave us a comment with your thoughts and experiences, and if you like our gaming content, please be sure to subscribe to Legion of Myth. Alright, there we are with Coriolis on the screen there. Let me F11 that bad boy. You don't need to see my browser bar. Oh, it's not in there. Good. I'm still going to hide you. All right, what page are we starting on here? Uh, factions, 186. So I'm guessing it's more like 190. All right, so close. All right, factions. Zoom in on this. Now, if you remember, and I said it just a moment ago also, there are two major factions, if you want to call them that, uh, the Zenithians, which were from the ship, the Zenith, 
Remember the Zenith and Nader came floating out this way? Nader didn't make it for whatever reason. The Zenith did. However, while they're flying around, whoops, some new technology was found. Some space holes were found. And uh, the first come, as they're known, came first, even though they left second. So uh, that causes a little bit of a struggle. Not, I don't want to say not too much, but uh, we'll say not too much, but a little bit of a struggle. So, and we've already looked over that page. So here we go. Here are the factions. Let me zoom in on them a little bit. So for the Zenithian factions, we have the Consortium, Free League, which is, by the way, the Free League, the publisher of the game. This is where it actually comes from. The Legion, the Syndicate, and the Zenithian Hegemony. And the next video, we'll talk about Alam's Temple, the Draconites. It's funny, it's not in this order, though. Church of the Icons, the Order of the Pariah, and the Nomad Federation, which is a really dumb name. It is kind of funny. Nomad is a loner. Federation is a... A conglomerate of loners i don't get it yeah <laughs> so all right the consortium expansion is life the consortium is the largest faction in the third horizon it consists of a group of large corporations which together dominate trade manufacturing media science and colonization so why aren't they the only faction i know expansion is life and on earth that that motto would be dangerous, but in space, it's whatever, you know? Fine. Wait, that, that motto is, I mean, that's manifest destiny right there. That's like all of humanity up until like, you know, 10 years ago when now that's colonialism. Expand, let's expand to the moon, to Mars. Why don't we put uh, bacteria on Mars? I think it'd be a good idea to do that. I don't know, man. I, I, I think... Uh... That that's the beginning of a B tier sci fi movie where all that <laughs> stuff comes back to haunt us. Hey, that will unify us when the bugs of Mars rise up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Whoever's left, you know, no race, just humanity. You know, it'll be all kumbaya, but you know, most of us will be dead. The consortium and the Coriolis station are one. So closely tied together that most people in the horizon can't tell them apart. Coriolis was constructed using materials from dismantling of the Zenith on the orders of the Eurades family. Now, you're going to see these names, especially here in the... I don't care about them. If you play the game, you're going to dive into them more. Uh, the Eurades is one of the factions within the consortium. Uh, but I, I'm not... What? Eurades? No? Yeah. Shouldn't it be Atreides? Yeah, I see. Yeah, there's actually see one that's there, yeah. there's one closer to that that we'll see, I think, in the next video. Okay. Uh, on the orders of the the it, am I say Uradius? I don't know. I would just call Uradius. If that's not pronounced right, well get over it. Uh Uradius family, the seconds in command. Uradius had a vision that became the consortium's motto. Sell everything to everyone. If only okay, by the way, periods go inside quotation marks. Jesus. Um if only game designers now would recognize that. <laughs> like, like, instead of like, no, I don't want you to buy my game because you look a certain way. No, sell everything. All right, all, every right, all right, come on. No, there's a point to this. That's why okay. they're the most powerful. Yeah. Everyone buys their stuff because they're not, they're not bigoted pricks. Uh, the Radies clan together with the family's power, Nestera, and uh, who cares? Evgeny. 
There you go. There's your Russian one. Founded the core group of companies that now, some 60 years later, have grown into one huge faction. The consortium of today consists of about 20 larger companies, all owning installations and factories throughout the horizon. So not only are they on the Coriolis station, they're throughout the entirety of the horizon. Most production facilities are located on Kua, the main planet in the center, sure. or in the larger systems. But new colonies are established all the time. The larger corporations have representatives on the board of directors, the faction's governing body, and the three largest ones, the Bulletin, we'll talk about in a moment, the Foundation, and the Colonial Agency, each have their own seat at the council's factions. And we'll, we'll barely touch on them, but we'll talk about each of those in a moment. The current, I don't care who the current faction director is. Um, I uh, see the new, so, but I do have to read. There's a sentence in here. I guess it is that last one. The new aggressive policies promoted by Tira have begun to escalate conflicts across the horizon. A storm is coming. Why was it important for me to read that? Because this is part of the game. Now, now you realize the consortium is doing some stuff and this faction is going to have a play. Are you, are you siding with that faction? Do you even care? Are you against the faction? Well, you're probably going to be dealing with the consortium. No, you are going to be dealing with the consortium at some point. Is it going to be his friends or his foes? Okay. I'm going to skip the companies in the consortium because I don't think anybody cares what the exact companies are. And if you do, you're weird. Buy the book. Uh, do, 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 do. And we're going to get into the bulletin. Now, we've talked about the bulletin before. I think it was last week. when we talked about uh, people trying to apply the space lanes and pay their taxes and, you know, get through those jump portals. Well... If you read the bulletin, you can maybe know what's happening. When you get to a, 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 get to a new area, get, go to the bulletin, you can find out what's happening in that area. So the largest news agency in the horizon is the bulletin, a Coriolis-based media conglomerate. Their motto is newsworthy and accessible. I don't know if I like that. And again, the comma goes inside the parentheses, something that colors both their news coverage and their other programs. Being Coriolis space, both news and other programs are mainly from the station itself or from the portal stations. So when you jump to a new system, what's the first thing you probably want to do to figure out WTF in the area? Check the, the bulletin. Check the bulletin, figure out where you are, make sure you're in the right place because we all we all saw what happens when you you can you could mess it up and be in the wrong place. That happens. And this is the first you're gonna hear about it because you cut up really close to the star when you jump right because all the portals yeah. are near the stars yeah so you may not be able to see the whole sky so the bulletin would like hey welcome to the avarice system i've done oh man <laughs> who piloted this <laughs> okay they do of course send correspondence to the far reaches of the horizon if some event there's sensational enough see i will say that free league at least understands modern news <laughs> and to the sites and planets most visited by pilgrims they usually contract freelancers for the most remote jobs. Again, why am I reading this? Because this could be you. Yeah. This could this be keeps... your entire beginning storyline. Yep. You are one of these dudes. Uh, other than news. Good job. Sorry. Your lowest lane. Good job. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could be bringing news from here. there, like, hey, we can't afford to send somebody or we, you know, this is too dangerous. You know what? No, we think that you're great for this one. Go check on the meth addicts over there. No, you'll be fine. Good news, everybody. We're sending you to Ebola 9. Uh, you know. <laughs> so uh, other than news and entertainment, the bulletin also offers a post and courier service called the Ermis Courier. I, again, don't know if I'm saying that right, but uh, Ermis ships carry mainly the bulletin's own news, but also other messages and information, and in rare cases, physical mail. Again, hey, 
you could be a courier. You're new. You got to pay off the debt for that ship. You may as well. And then shenanigans, you know, well, happen along on. the way. So, seeing seeing as how these couriers work, I think the name is pronounced Hermes, as in Hermes. Because Hermes, yeah. Yeah. I, th I thought about that. Well, then just put the H on there. You're not French. Mm. <laughs> um, or you shouldn't be. Ooh. Yeah. If you are, you know, immigrate. I don't care who the, the most famous news reporters are. So now we're going to talk about the foundation. The secular foundation is the part of the consortium mainly concerned with research and development. Okay. They're known for their starkly rational and scientific, that is to say, Zenithian view of the world. Remember, we are talking about Zenithian factions right now. Sure. To the first come, the foundation is a bastion of non-believers and is shameful to the entire horizon. Yeah. The company is, as the name suggests, run as a foundation, selling and leasing their breakthroughs to third parties. Hey, we got Musk going on over here. <laughs> uh, most production methods and patents used by the consortium companies were developed by the foundation. The foundation rediscovered the algorithms necessary to understand and use the portal fields. So maybe they feel like they're owed a little due. And due to this strong presence within the consortium. Oh, and due to this is a strong presence within the consortium. This knowledge was... This knowledge was at the time only in the hands of the Order and the Nazarene. You're like, who the Nazarene? Order will become in the next video. Nazarene were wiped out. Oof. It's a historical reference. Uh, and they kept it secret. All right. We don't need to know about their other research here. What do I want to talk about next? The Colonial Agency. Uh, do, 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 uh, social arithmetics. If you dive into the game, you'll be... By the way, this, is, I think, is the longest of the factions. Okay. The colonial agency, when the horizon was new and unknown to the Zenithians, the Eurydice family started an agency tasked with financing, launching, and establishing new colonies. Nowadays, they rarely find new colonies themselves, and the colonial agency, through its extension, the Colonial Bank, you see where this is going? Has shifted its main focus to financing education and tech leasing to independent entrepreneurs looking to start mining operations at only 25% compounded daily interest uh, cl uh, colonies and factories they also run a school on coriolis the, the colonial agency's higher education center where they train the horizon's best scouts explorers and colonists the top students are recruited to the colonial rangers special ops teams used to secure sensitive investments that require a little more finesse than the blunt fist of the legion we haven't got to legion yet we will later again do you understand why i'm reading this why this is important these are potential missions for your ideas for your characters if you were trained there, maybe you owe something. It's kind of a patronage, right? Yeah, maybe, the, plus, maybe you know, if you, if you get to be a spec ops guy, you know, and uh, and go go in and uh, see, secretly, you know, overthrow a government and leave, and no one knows you're there. That's pretty cool. But it's a hated faction. Oh, being a colonial agent is a responsibility that comes with many perks, but also risks. Many view the colonial agency as an exploitative, parasitic corporation. Thieves that ship resources off-world and pocket the profit. Especially so on Elgol, where they, are where they are strong but despised. They are accused of having caused a terrible nat natural disaster in which an entire ocean was drained. Ooh, Think about that, that for a second. An okay, entire yeah, ocean... Yeah. That doesn't happen naturally, and it doesn't happen by accident. So, yeah, okay. They're going to have to take the L on that one. But did they do it? Who knows? They're yeah, accused. man. 
They did it. it. That shit just doesn't happen. All right. Oh, the ocean drained. Oh, it must be Tuesday. No. Yeah, but no, did they do happen. it? That's the thing. Did they do it, or was it some Probably, natural yeah. event? Yeah, well, but yeah. They, they are they are the strongest faction there. No one else would have the ability to do it. So I yeah I believe it. Well, this is a faction within a faction of all things, right? Anyway, they're accused of causing uh, causing natural disaster uh, in the search of precious minerals on the ocean floor. <laughs> well, how could we get to them? It's pretty tight, you know. Water pressure being what it is, we needed to get down there. Eh. Well, th that's exactly what I'm talking about. Who else has the resources, time, and money to actually get down there and start a mining operation to screw the planet? Uh, ra raise your hand. Oh, no one but you? Oh, okay. All right, so that was the consortium. Now we're going to go to Free League, where unity is strength. Wow, uh, that... Mm. Okay. The Free League... Well, think about this. This is almost like uh, the Gadsden flag type stuff, right? Or no, 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 not to get. Uh, what's the one with the chopped up snake? United we stand. Uh, divided we fall. United we stand. Because it's free league. That sounds like hey, you know, freedom, right? But then unity. So I kind of picture this like uh, I forget the name of that flag. That's not the Gadsden flag. But uh, anyway, the free league organizes the small actors on otherwise consortium. Jeepers, uh, I cannot read. The free league organizes the small actors on the otherwise consortium dominated market. So the consortium controls the, the main players, right? That's the Microsoft. Here, now you got the Linux. Having access to a skilled workforce in spaceports and souks, they offer service the consortium cannot. What could that be? What could they offer that the consortium can't? Uh, we promise not to drain the oceans of your planet. I, I take is that, that a, wait, is that a service <laughs> <laughs> it's a service not doing it it's you know okay technically it's protection money but i'll pay it i like my oceans. <laughs> it's funny you say protection money we'll talk about them next oh, um pretty. the league as it is commonly called was originally created as a counterweight to the consortium but had no way of competing in the beginning yeah counterweight of a feather <laughs> they tried to perform the same functions as a consortium, but have over time changed their attitude towards nurturing a more symbiotic relationship instead. We won't drain your oceans. We will help you live with your oceans. There it is. Yeah. We'll help you and your oceans get along. <laughs> the fact of the matter is that without the league's deckhands, pilots, and engineers, all of the consortium's ships and haulers would wait in the dock, their cargo unloaded, and without the free traders, consortium commerce wouldn't reach as far out to the star arms as it does. So consortium are kind of like your white collar workers the free the, the free leaguers are more like your blue collar workers so what happens when you piss off your blue collar workers they go on strike and uh, you start losing millions of dollars every day then white collar workers don't like losing millions of dollars a day no they they have an aversion to that <laughs> yeah in the shadows both parties are still trying to outmaneuver the other however when it, when it comes to free traders and markets outside the core systems, the league is practically in a monopoly position. The one thing they can do better than the consortium. The risks compared to the calculated profit are too great for any of the major consortium companies to get involved. The league runs several auction houses and souks in the outer systems, as well as a few on both Kua and Coriolis, which again is the center of the third horizon. The current goal for the League is to keep its control of the outer markets and to improve the living conditions of its members. Oh, look, it's the Good Consortium. No other faction is as open about its membership as the League. Counting official members, the Free League is the Horizon's largest faction. Not most powerful, largest. But how does that normally work? The one percenters are the one percenters for a reason, right? 
Uh, league's dirty laundry. Okay, the league's biggest problem is, you know, nobody's squeaky clean here. The league's sure. biggest problem is the alleged connection between itself and the syndicate, which I think is next. Something widely proclaimed by the consortium. Look at them! They deal with drug dealers, they deal with bad guys, they deal with the mafia. The league's council member, uh, who cares, uh, has time and again repudiated the accusations in very vivid language. To quiet the rumors, the league has begun hiring bounty hunters to go after corsairs, smugglers, and even the Algolian slavers. So, again, hmm, why would you maybe want to take a job for the Free League? Why would this be a faction you might want to have some uh, involvement with? There we go. Now we know why. See, you can uh, be a smuggler? Awesome. Or a well, slaver? No. Sweet. no the, the league oh. has begun hiring bounty hunters to go after. Oh, well... My group is like, oh, yeah, I'll go after them. I'll find them and then I'll join them. Okay. Another fly in the ointment is that the League's own so-called night hands, the paramilitary wing of the organization previously reserved for dealing with scabs and disloyal members. So much for that strike. Seems to have become more autonomous. The leader of the night hands, the Stevador Zahir, is often seen around the dodgy parts of the Ozone Plaza and is rumored to have dealings with the Syndicate. Oh, now we're looking at... Uh, you know, I scratch your back, you give me money. Yep. Okay. Um, what are we looking at next? Okay, the leaves burrows. Apparently, I want to read that section. Uh, all right. In the last few cycles, the League has begun organizing itself in different neighborhoods in the larger cities of the horizon. In metropolitan areas such as Akandar, uh, Samoran, and Daharab, New boroughs with their own militias, hospital schools, and even sanitation, water, and energy plants have formed. The League seems to be on a quest for urban colonization across the Third Horizon, something that the other factions will likely not accept in the long run. Again, you see why I'm, I pointed that out to you out there. This is a faction that uh, is trying to do things, but some people want them to stay in their place. How is that going to happen in or how is that going to happen in your game? Uh... This faction is based on paid membership. Every member must pay a license fee of 100 per, per CC. That's, uh, was it the 37 days? And in return is protected by the league through legal counsel insurance. So again, it's kind of got its own racket. It's own little union there. Well, yeah, union is a racket, but in, uh, in, in some situation, a union is what I would consider necessary. There are there well there were purposes for modern unions I I rankle at but yes there were absolutely in the initial days yeah. there were absolute real purposes for it. All right, so now we're going to talk about the Legion. I thought it was going to be the Syndicate, but nope. I guess Syndicate is Syndicate's next. The Legion. The best must die so the rest can live. Not a motto that I want on my shirt. Yeah, well, I don't. It's not a motto I want on my adversary shirt that's more important i don't know if you're supposed to be the best i don't want to die you know it's not it's not my job to die for my country it's my job to kill the other guy for his country yeah but the but the problem is if someone else is wearing that shirt he's obviously talking about me <laughs> okay fair enough fair so enough that's, that's my problem <laughs> The Legion is comp comprised of a diverse collection of mercenaries and armed skippers gathered around the remnants of a fleet squadron from the Portal Wars. We didn't really talk about the Portal Wars. I don't think I'm going to, but uh, there is a great war. You can actually find the debris all across the Third Horizon. And the Third Horizon shut itself off from the other two. 
You can't just float around from the first and second horizon to the third horizon, which I don't know where they exactly take place in the galaxy, but imagine them as like first horizons here, space, 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 nothing even clear. Second horizons here, space, 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 third horizons up there, you know, way off the screen because apparently my arms are too long. But uh, so they're like group. It's not the right term, but if you want to think of it in a certain way, think of it as like constellations. We got a constellation of group stars here, so there's one horizon, and then there's whole blackness of space. They're not anywhere close. Then you got the second, then you got the third. So, but the third okay. cut itself off. Said, "Nope, we're shutting that portal down. Have a nice life. You're never coming here. We want to be free." And if you want to read the history about that, it's partially in this book. It's also in the main uh, campaign that they have for uh, Mercy of the Icons. All right, so the Legion is the youngest of the first come. But Max, you said we were talking about Zenithian factions. I know. Is the youngest of the first come factions so young that is usually considered Zenithian. Albeit this is mainly due to their close ties with the Consortium. Some say that they might as well just join the Consortium, but this would not be in the corporation's best interest. It would mean one less Zenithian vote on the council. This is a puppet state. It's a puppet faction. Or is it? I don't care about these flagships and so forth. Um, when the fleets from the First Horizon were about to attack Mira, some of the forces were diverted to set up an ambush there, but as the enemy took the route, uh, they were destroyed there along with the rest. This is, how, this is describing how it was formed. Uh, basically, heroic stand, yada yada. During the chaotic years that followed the end of the war, the survivors traveled the horizon as warlords and corsairs. Many of the horrors perpetrated during those years can be traced back to the Legion, something they refuse to acknowledge today, of course. Sure. I mean, what happens in the chaos of war when there's no real rulership? Well, it's not even just that. It's that uh, every every single company or family that has been around for a hundred or more years and, and been rich. If you go back far enough, you're going to find the horrible illegal activity that got them that money. And they don't want to talk about it. Kennedy's bootlegging and murder. That's what they did. When That's the how Z they got their money. Okay. When the Zenith arrived and the consortium was founded, this new and powerful employer suddenly meant new possibilities. The Legion of today was born. Maybe change your name next time. I don't know. They were originally hired by the consortium to wipe out the fleets of the Zenithian hegemony. Well, that doesn't sound nice. But suffered terrible losses and retreated, instead being tasked with the hunting, corsairs, greedy nobles, or any other who would threaten the consortium's interests. Okay, so let me get this straight. They were warlords and, you know, just thieves, brigands. And then they were like, hey, we're, we're going we're gonna to make you into a real paramilitary if you go and fight these guys. And then they lost horribly and like, okay, well, maybe you should fight warlords and brigands. Hey, wait a minute. Uh, Full circle, what? man. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. The Legion of today is still centered on the two flagships, but is otherwise organized as three separate branches. Why do we care? Well, hear me out. The fleet, the companies, and the guard. Oh, notice the guard is capitalized. To many, the fleet represents the true legion. Even though one of the flagships has gone missing, or is away on a secret mission, the fleet is growing. New ships come in from the docks on Sadal and many other yards. The exact size of the fleet is unknown. Supposedly, the legion still has access to secret bases all over the horizon left behind since the chaotic years, but no one knows for sure. The consortium is the only faction who uses the fleet today. Probably because they lost. That's my guess. 
the company you know what you go be the the anvil or you go be the hammer that that goes against the anvil you, you be the ones the thugs out there yeah go, go go do that the companies are the everyday faces of the legion many different factions employ this branch for all sorts of missions the companies are not a uniform army as much as they are a jumbled mess of mercenary groups who can access lucrative jobs through their membership in the legion it sounds like a thieves guild the faction has strict rules that detail how a mission should be carried out and all member companies must obey the rules or face expulsion and have their leaders hunted down and executed. I wow. thought that was an important thing to say. Like, oh, this sounds great. We'll join the mercenaries. We get to do what we want. And <laughs> Here's the fine print. Yeah, we are no longer warlords and brigands. We have to have a sheen of respectability. And so these are the rules you have to follow when you're being a warlord and brigand. See, you get it. You get it. This makes for plenty of jobs available to free companies. They get paid less, but have no rules to follow, except for, wait, what? Well, no, no, no. If, if, if you yourself want this village murdered, but it goes against the rules and you are a member company, you hire a third party contractor with no oh, yeah, obvious ties to you. And then you, they go in there, murder that village. And you get what you want and like, oh, geez, they got hit by brigands and bandits. Oh, who knew? You know, like, so like you have complete deniability. We can't be everywhere. Exactly. Right. Jeez, they didn't want our help. So we left and they died. The Coriolis Guard is the branch with the lowest reputation. <laughs> that doesn't sound great. They answer directly to the governor of Coriolis and are responsible for the keeping of the peace on the station. But they are too corrupt to be any good at it. You know, Makes it's sense. funny when you hear like free league, you think, OK, that's going to be the one that's weird, right? Legion. That doesn't that sound like, hey, we're on it. We, we're Legion. Right. We're, we're nope. together. Cohesive unit on the same page. Nope. apparently not. Legionnaires feel them as a fake mercs or proxy Legionnaires. Woe to the unlucky Legionnaire who gets injured badly enough to be demoted to the guard. Injured badly enough? Well, like you lose so, your leg, you get demoted. What happened? No, 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 no. Remember, the Legionnaire is made up of companies. What was the second? I already forgot what the second one was. Uh, where was it? Where was it? Uh, there's the guard. Where is it? Where's the capital G that should stand out? It doesn't. These are the, the original hired. Well, anyway, there are three factions. I, uh, there's, there's the guard, Coriolis guard, companies. Where was the third one? Oh, here we go. The fleet. Oh, the, the fleet. That's right. The fleet was the first one, the companies and the guard. So if you get demoted from the fleet or the companies down to the guard, you done messed up. Or, or, hear me out. Now it's time for you to get in on all the cheap, cheap graft and get your bank. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that. Let's move okay. on to our next faction. Oh, it's actually some pretty good art. It's, wait a minute. Is he from Riffs? It seems so. The Syndicate. They have what you need. We have what you want. Now, that's a good mo uh, motto. That is really good. I mean, yeah, food, clothing, water. Yeah, yeah, you can get that from those guys. But after you get that, we'll take everything else you have. Organized crime in the Third Horizon is controlled by a handful of families and their respective street gangs. The faction is based on Coriolis, but has no seat on the council, much to... Well, yeah, man, that, you, 
you can't have <laughs> obvious criminals on on your government body. You can't do that. You have you have to have inconspicuous criminals. In your Sorry, body. mob. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, much with chagrin. The syndicate was found. Uh, hold on, I gotta see what I'm reading here. So I'm not. Oh, it says all. I'm doing everything. Apparently, the syndicate was awesome. I had that much interest in it. The syndicate was founded at the same time as Coriolis and is viewed by many as the illegal shadow of the consortium. The f but never mind. Uh, the faction is made up of a group of wealthy families from the crew of the Zenith who join forces with first come criminal groups on Algo, Gol, Sadal, and Zalos. Together, they took control over the street gangs that had started to form on Coriolis. The syndicate wants their operations to run smoothly, and this requires a certain level of law and order. They cooperate with the guard. Oh, who did we just talk about a moment ago? Yeah. They cooperate with the guard to combat petty crime because it disturbs their more lucrative forms of business. You know, protection rackets, gambling, pimping, drugs, and smuggling. Yeah. See, that that is the awesome part of uh, of of living in, in uh, late stage syndicate, you know, land. Your everyday life, the, the moments in between big events are usually very safe. Because there, there's no pickpockets. There's no, there, there, there's no selling drugs on street corners. There, there's, there's none of that stuff. Because you have to have a veneer of civility and the ability to give people some hope that their life can get better when the reality is completely opposite on both counts. Again, like most mafias. Uh, in the first decades after its birth, the syndicate grew to almost the. Uh, grew to own almost the entire guard through threats and bribery. It's very real world. Uh, See, I, don't, I don't get that threat. Threats? Just bribe everybody. Some people can't be bribed. Then don't threaten them. Just kill them. That, as, as someone who can't be bribed is too morally inflexible to exist in your amoral world. You have to get rid of them. That, Sometimes that, it just takes a little... I don't know how to run a corrupt government. Jesus Christ. Well, uh, in my experience, threats work really well on certain people. Uh, the courts and the governor needed a drastic change and asked the Zenithian hegemony, which we talk about next, for help. The hegemony created the judicators. This new tool of law enforcement decimated the syndicate's lower levels, especially the street gangs. Soon, however, the crime families learned to adapt and balance returned once again. Of course. Today, the, uh, the judicators are less involved with the syndicate and focus their resources on other forms of crime. The basis of the syndicate is the gangs that run the different plazas on Coriolis. Things get violent from time to time as the gang's methods include a certain level of territorial disputes and revenge. Outside of the station, the middle layers of the organization, the so-called Sharpurs, run the run the operations. They operate above the gangs, organizing things like smuggling and drug production. The only areas the syndicate stays away from are slave trading and the smuggling of faction tech. Unfortunately, other players are less scrupulous. Well, yeah. I mean, and any criminal organization that has, you know, standards is doing it wrong. Well, if you're going to break the law, you go all the way. Every law. Every well, law. The, the, the problem with that, though, is uh, if you're going to keep, as you were saying, that veneer of respectability... If you get caught slave trading, that all goes out. If yeah, you they fight don't have it, they, they don't have a seat in the council. They don't have enough respectability. They, they don't need a seat on the council. They, but they'd like to have one. Well, of course they would. 
yeah. voting power for crime. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. But they still haven't gotten there. I don't I don't think it's because they stayed out of the slave trading business. The syndicate's so, contact with uh, with legitimate economy is handled by front men in the consortium companies. Hmm. Remember, the consortium's like, no, we don't. Yeah. Bureaucrats on Sadal, drug cartels on Algol, and supposedly even the rebels on Zalos B. These contacts are used for smuggling, drug production, proxy tips, and illegal research, sometimes with human subjects. Wait, we don't do slave trade, but what? But we'll, you know, test on humans. Yeah, that's fine. It's fine. The syndicate is not considered to possess any faction technology of its own, with the possible exception of the rumored black ships. The biggest concern for the syndicate today is the rumors going around that they have begun to associate with the Algolian slavers. No kidding. Which has led to a renewed interest from the Judicators. Both the Church of the Icons and Alam's Temple have unsuccessfully tried to fight the syndicate's power. Those are first comes, and we'll talk about those in the next video. The Challengers. The Syndicate is the largest criminal organization in the Horizon, but not the only one. There are three rising threats to their power in the Horizon. The Serpent, the Slavers, and Farrakhan. Farrakhan. I don't know. Farrakhan. Criminal groups dealing in slave trade and gun running. The, the stuff that they decided to stay out of because, mm. oh, it's too evil for our evil empire. Eh. You just left the market open for your adversaries. Good job, stupid. If you're going to criminal, criminal all the way. Recently, stories have begun to surface about oddly shaped ships that sensors can hardly detect and that suddenly vanish in a burst of static. Some crews claim to have spotted the ships near smuggling routes, most frequently around the moons of, yeah, okay, Transura in the Kua system. And then finally, we have one last one for today. The Zenithian hegemony. As it once was, so shall it be again. Oh, they're going to be a failed state pretty soon. Like what? What? <laughs> oh yeah, no. That one line means they're they're degenerate idiots. The Aristocats. Did I just say Aristocats? Yes, you did. Wow, I haven't seen that movie in forever. The Aristocrats of the Zenithian hegemony are the elite of the monolith on planet Kua. Again, if you watch the video where we talked about the background of what happened when the the, the zenith got here, et cetera, et cetera, the monolith is that big where the, the captain's family went to on Kua uh, and are very clear about their intentions to expand their control first to Coriolis and then to the entire horizon. Good luck with that from one world. I'm sure the consortium has something to say about that. Remember, oh, uh, what am I reading here? Let me make sure it's not everything. Okay, good. Members of the captain's family and other high-ranking officers of the crew of the Zenith founded the hegemony after the schism on board. Do you remember what that schism was? No. Uh, I, you know what? I don't think I talked about it in this, um, this, play, this series. It is in a video way at the beginning from like two years or three years, five years ago. I don't know. Um, quickly, it goes like this. They got here, found out that the first come were here, and they're like, uh, what do we do? We have like a whole ton of people here in cryostasis. We got a problem. We have to find a place for them. This place is already populated. We have to figure out, like, we were supposed to just come here and start populating. And, well, as we'll find out in the next video, one of the factions decided to just give the answer without asking any questions. So, uh, yeah, so a schism formed. Uh, Captain Aberin mm -hmm, Quasar? Quasar? A Baron Quasar, yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. It's I try to pronounce or, or it Arabic. Kuasar. No, a Baron Kuasar. Kuasar, we'll go with that. Uh, I'm trying to put an Arabic spin on it, but I, I can't remember how that would be pronounced. So we'll go with that. Uh, together with the cabinet of thousands from uh, from the monolith, officially rules the faction. But a divide has been growing within the organization. De facto, there are two factions within within the hegemony: the hegemonists and the neo-Zenithians. It's like what neocons and libertarians. I don't know. The former led by the, would you say, Kuasar family, and the later by the Arianite. There you go. There's your Atreides. By the Atreides. Both groups share the view of the hegemony uh, is the rightful ruler of the third horizon and destined to lead its people to greatness, but they disagree on how to get there. The hegemonists are elitist and unforgiving, while the Neo-Zenithians prefer cooperation, mainly with the consortium but also with other factions. Both groups act as patrons for middle-class Zenithians through scholarships as mentors for entrepreneurs and invest heavily in Zenithian projects, industrial as well as research. The, the, group, uh, the two groups both control a few key institutions within the faction each. The hegemonists control the infamous secret police, the Asturban, while the Neo-Zenithians founded the Adjudicators and dominate the mighty fleet. The two police forces aside, the different families keep the house guards of their own. Sure. Uh, oops, apparently I missed a paragraph down there. I thought I was done. Uh, Pride of Zenith. Okay. Uh, the, fleet of, the fleet of the Zenithian hegemony is neither the biggest nor the most powerful in the horizon, but when it comes down to quality, it might be the best. Get over there. The hegemony has many famous members. Wait, is that the last paragraph? Okay, here no. we go. Uh, hegemony runs two schools of great reputation: the Aviation Academy in the Monolith and the Judicators Forensic Institute on Coriolis. People from all over the horizon come to the system to apply, but the school rules only allows Zenithians to become students. Well, then why do people keep coming there? They should know by now. If you're not Zenithian, you're nothing. Get out. Maybe they try to fake it. I don't know. The blood cult. Oh, that sounds dandy. <laughs> the bloodlines mean everything in the hegemony. The ruling class is obsessed with... What are they obsessed with? One thing above all others. The preservation of the genetic unity of the survivors from the Zenith. Can we say Habsburgs? Yeah, that's bad. <laughs> the worldview is centered on what crew position your family had and how closely re related you are to the original crew. Because that's how society should run. The great philosopher, yeah, okay, uh, spoke of the sanctity and perfection of the Zenithian blood and argued that the Zenithian civilization could only achieve true greatness if they protected their bloodlines from the evil forces that had caused the Third Horizon to fall into darkness. Really? Certain positions are therefore reserved for pure bloods only. And defiling one's family could be grounds for expulsion from the faction. Okay, Voldemort. <laughs> okay, I was thinking uh, Romeo and Juliet, but okay. But yeah, same thing. The idea of uh, Zenithian supremacy has spawned a stubborn search for proof of the early Zenithian settlements in the horizon. What could that mean? Well, let's check this out. Some patriotic historians claim that the second Ark ship, Nader, remember there were two, Zenith and Nader, reached the third horizon before the portal wars and founded a colony. Several expeditions have searched for the, hor the horizon for the remains of this mythical settlement. They're looking for the lost city of Atlantis. Mm -hmm. 
The hegemony controls the monolith and the surrounding metropolis, the conglomerate. They have made huge investments in the different districts and factory islands, but leave most of the daily affairs to hired Algolian colonists, who in turn rule the plebeians and slummers with an iron fist. Can you tell it's very caste-oriented just by the yeah. language use here? This practice has resulted in the Free League beginning to recruit in the factories and slums, which has led to clashes between the two factions, sometimes involving both house guards and mercenaries. Finally, we get to the point of why I read all that. <laughs> so now we, oh God, I don't care. Do you really care about their secret police? No. You can read that if you do. Not really, and, no. and there you go. There, there are the names of the families. Yay. Oh, there, there's your Atreides. <laughs> there it is. All right. And is that it? Or is this one? Nope, that's it. So those are the Zenithian factions. Now we have five more to do, which are going to be the first come factions. Again, I didn't read every paragraph there, but you can see that was a lot of information. It might be somewhat boring, but it gives you an idea of what's going on there. Through all of that, I'm sure that if you're a crew decided to side with the Zenithians or maybe had characters of the Zenithian factions, you could find a lot of reasons or a lot of interesting uh, ways to roleplay, lots of intrigue you could get involved in, and a lot of good adventure ideas. Yeah, even if you aren't officially part of a of a Zenithian faction, it seems to just be good to be born a Zenithian. Okay. It seems that way. I, I would actually, you know what's funny? Is I would actually see you being Zenithian and me being first come. As far as when we get into the, the different factions, when you go now to the next five in the next video, just philosophically, I think that I fit more in the first come. I'd have to really pay attention to it. And you definitely fit more in the Zenith. You're going to find that the first come have a lot more religiosity. Ah, uh, not a fan. Um, so do we have any questions, comments, concerns? Oh, from yeah, the we got crowd some star comments here. Awesome. Uh, let's see. We're not going to do that one. All right, Full Metal Dragon says, for a company that named itself after a Coriolis faction, Free League doesn't write enough Coriolis books. Yeah, um, so what I've heard is that, so now that they have Mercy the Icons done, which is those three big, and there, there's a couple other things that they wrote. I, I could bring out one of, you know, a couple other modules, but yes, I, I generally agree with that. Now, Coriolis was actually pre-Free League Publishing. This is like the second version of the game, if I remember correctly, but it's kind of their namesake, yeah. Uh, I agree with that. Now, my understanding is that they have no more plans to do anything with Coriolis unless it's a second edition. Mm. Sucks. That's yeah, that sucks. All right. Crafty says the factions of Coriolis are what sets it apart from games like Traveler and Alien, in my opinion. Sure, these games have corporations, but those are not the same as the Zealots and Coriolis. And we'll really get into Zealots in the next video when, it, when oh. again, religion tends to breed more of that, right? Sweet. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree. I think that, you know, any anybody, you can run Traveler and you can make your own factions. You can come up with these ideas. That It would take time, but it isn't hard. You can look at the real world world for inspiration. You can watch Star Trek for inspiration. You can feel, have your Orion traders, so to speak, right? But the fact that it's given in the book, but and if you look at this book in terms of factions, reminds me of the manual, the first edition manual of the planes for Dungeons and Dragons. It gave me enough information to know the theme and what's generally what they're about but doesn't dictate every step i take with them okay nerdy or comes up and says uh i can <laughs> I tell you the first come didn't leave with their kids that's why they got there first didn't have constantly stopped for bathroom breaks 
While funny, I have to be pedantic for the sake of this video. I do like that comment. I think that's a good one. Uh, the first come got there first because of portals. Well, the other the other guys just flew there the old fashioned way, faster than light. Yep. <laughs> then we have reactionary gaming says a uh, ocean gate could go <laughs> and get those resources in deep water. That's ocean gate. That's what. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know what? The, I'm entirely certain that 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 the corporation deliberately caused the draining of the ocean. I mean, and said, whoops, our bad. Oh, it wasn't us. You know, the unexcused in the world. You know why? It's a lot easier to get stuff off the bottom of the ocean onto on into your factory if there's no water in between. If there's no ocean. <laughs> exactly. You know, you know, it gets in the way of, of uh, the bottom of the ocean and the top of the ocean. The ocean. The ocean. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's lose that middleman and go to profit. That's exactly what they did. I believe it. Anything else? That's it. That's the last one. All right. Yep. Well, hey, hope you guys like this. Here we go. Uh, like, subscribe, share. Uh, you know, not the most exciting topic when it comes to Coriolis, but I think an important one, especially if you've been watching this playlist from beginning to end, uh, for you to understand if this is a game that you want to get involved in. I hope it is. I, I like the game. Again, I take out the Arabicness of it only because I can't do it justice. But outside of that, I like what this game has to offer. And I think Crafty was right. You know, these factions in here definitely, you know, it's very easy to play the political game in here. Very easy. But you don't have to do it that way. Button ready here. All right, for the second part of segment one, we covered the Zenithian factions. Now we're going to cover the first come factions. You know, the weirdos who got here first. They didn't leave first. Cheated. Cheated. They cheated. But they got here first. Tortoise and hare kind of thing going on, except for this time the hare won. <laughs> didn't sleep. Just like came. every other time in history. Yeah. Yeah, right? Won. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, got here first, and we're going to talk about uh, what makes the, the first come factions different from the Zenithian factions in just a moment. We believe that role playing games should take place in fantastic worlds. The focus of the game should be on role playing and having a good time. The core values of hashtag RPGate and any good tabletop group are escapism, not representation, entertainment over activism, and natural, organic inclusion not forced diversity. The charity we support is the Wounded Warrior Project, a national nonpartisan organization whose mission is to honor and empower wounded warriors. Please refer to the description below for the link to where you can make your hopefully tax-deductible donation. Join us Thursday and Saturday evenings on twitch.tv slash legionofmyth to watch Heathen Dog and his team of dirty casuals play multiplayer games for your mockery and enjoyment. Here on our YouTube channel, you can watch these game-related segments live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Central Time, or check out the Friday Night Show stream where our panel of guests opine, comment, and editorialize on the TTRPG hobby as a whole. Please like this video and leave a comment to appease the algorithm gods. Share this video on your favorite social media platforms to help us peer out of the shadows cast over us. And if you have not done so already, please subscribe to Legion Myth for more tabletop RPG goodness. 
right, boom, we got our book up there again. Coriolis, the third horizon. Let's go to the page. Oh, I thought that was the page. Did I? Oh, the Draconites. Yeah, Draconites should be the first one. Yep, they are. All right. It's not going to be in the order. Let me actually scroll back to, was it 190? I want to show this uh, right here. So, I don't know why these were in, a, were in the nice order, weren't they? That was the order that we did them in. This one, it's not in the right order. <laughs> this is in alphabetical order, but apparently when they put the book together, they decided to start with the Draconites, so we're going to start with them. Let's go back to two, four. There we go. Draconites. Through conflict, the truth. And that actually has a little bit deeper meaning than, than you might take away at first. And here's how I'll say it, because you're going to get it in just a moment. They really do believe in purification through the fight. That's the best way I can, way, way I can say it. So, uh, the Draconites hide their egocentrism behind intricate rituals and imposing robes. Their opponents are to be believed. <laughs> okay. Few factions have an air of mystery as that which surrounds the Draconite order. They're renowned for their fearlessness in both combat and diplomacy and are said to make no distinction between the two. The faction originated in the part of the crew of the Zenith that valued resolve and willpower above all, all else. They viewed the commanding officer, uh, Kusar, and Eurydice families to be too entrenched in the discussions about what to do with the colonists in stasis, and instead went in and woke them up. <laughs> and like, eh. You know, well, you guys... You know what? You know what? So far, this, this, this faction is holding a little, a little piece of my heartstring. A little, little bit, you know? Okay. Because, sure... Uh, saying, you know, conflict, whether it be physical or confrontational, as in like, you know, uh, words, diplomacy or whatever, uh, is, is aggressive and, and it, it creates snap judgments and outcomes, but the opposite is worse. Endless committees keep debating over and over. Nothing gets done. I'd rather do something that's not a hundred percent correct than do nothing at all. And that's it's, exactly what these guys are, are about. So here we are. You know, it's funny. I say that at work. I would rather you make a bad decision than no decision. Yeah. Uh, all right. So they're just like, you know what? Let's uh, go ahead and wake them up. They were among the first to leave the Zenith after the awakening, <laughs> disappearing into the dark. Like, they were asked to leave, probably. <laughs> the door is open up. And they're like, bye. Get out. That. <laughs> um. Whatever it was that they found out there among the debris and ruins on abandoned worlds, no one knows, but they quickly became the stuff of legends. Ghosts seldom seen, but intensely discussed. The stories claim that their travels in the dark between the stars turned them into something cold and purely egotistical. When they re-entered the light of civilization, they did it as a disciplined faction of warrior philosophers possessing secret truths the other factions could only dream of. So far, sounds like a good deal. I'm, I'm, I'm liking this so far. Okay. The Draconites wield advanced technology with obvious elements of the lost wisdom, wisdom of the old horizons. How they've acquired this technology is unknown, but whispers in the shadow tell of unspeakable packs with hidden orders from before the portal wars, or even alliances with creatures beyond human comprehension. Right, Draconites themselves say nothing. But real quick, before you go, just so you know, so you don't think this is all allegory, um, there are actually creatures beyond human comprehension sure. in the game sure but here's the problem with creatures that are beyond human comprehension okay they're not going to give you human stuff eh. they're not no they're just not they're not 
because it's not within their comprehension because they're not human either. Yeah. So they, they, you know, they're, because they're you said stuff, that, which they think I now have to read the entire next paragraph instead of just the first sentence. Oh, God damn it. Good right, job. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> the organization of the order is secret, but they would seem to operate in cells centered on strong leaders with a minimum contact between the individual groups or thanks to heathen dog. Perhaps someone or something is pulling the strings from the shadows, guiding the faction towards some obscure goal. Nah. The philosophy of the order is the subject of much debate and the most outlandish of theories that the emphasized conflict as a metaphysical concept is clear to anyone. They regard it as a form of both personal and collective growth. Even though most would think this is a very violent approach to the world, some say this just as much about inner conflict, about the perpetual struggle with the impure parts of the self that the Draconites seek to confront and defeat their inner demons. Remember, we're on the first come side, which is much more religious and philosophically oriented. Yeah. But but the whole thing is, uh, I kind I really like this because it doesn't say they are violent. Right? They can? Sure. Yep. And they 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 consider verbal conflict the same as physical conflict which means you have to win you have to destroy your enemy blah 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 but when you destroy someone in words the next day guess what happens that other dude wakes up right it's it's better than killing them objectively more uh, uh objective morality wise it's better than killing them they lose but they live to fight another day and possibly get better that's awesome that's awesome i love this so this is in many ways reflected in the Order's worship of the Lady of Tears in her cold and strict form, the Executioner. Her sword is sharp and always ready for whoever breaks the traditions or codes of the Order, but also for the weak of heart. The Executioner protects any and all who are in control of their own lives and who choose their own death. If you're weak, you chose to die by being weak. Yeah. No home or hearth. No one knows the location of the Draconite's headquarters. The order is present in many places throughout the horizon. Oh, that's only half page. Uh, but usually only with one or a few members. There's much speculation about the order's actual size and distribution. They were recently offered a seat at the Council of Faction, perhaps motivated by the consortium's sticking to the logic of keep your friends close, but enemies closer. Well, it's it's not just that. It, well, no, it, it is it is basically that. But if you put them on the council, they're more visible. It'll be harder for them to hide their secrets if they're more in the open. I get it. Well, I mean, they have a face, but yeah. All right. Now we're going to talk about the Church of the Icons. There is only one salvation and only nine ways that will lead you there. <sighs> the movement called the Church. Oops, hold on. Some of these I don't read all the way through. Okay, good. The movement called the Church of the Icons is a faction both old and new resting on a basis of ancient cults, but founded in the modern age, preaching the modern ways of the faith. And did you notice that there were two religious factions in the first come? Yes. This isn't the only one. The exact origin of the icon faith has been lost to time, but everyone knows that it was introduced to the third horizon by cultists and believers from the first horizon. Now, the first horizon is all imperial and so forth, and, you know, Somewhat stable, I guess you'd say. All but one of these cults, the Circle of Seekers, are dead today, but their religious practices have been all but abandoned by the general population. Instead, 
The Church of the Icon has become the dominant religious faction. They're the Horizon's youngest faction and have grown strong through collecting, canonizing, and institutionalizing the wide, sprawling faith that has existed for centuries. These, uh, this, uh, this faction took all the writings and mashed into what they say, this is our, our Quran, our Bible, or whatever. So they're the ones that put all that stuff together and they're really preaching their religion here as well, kind of it's the it's amalgamation, but it's like the one true way. Well, if you look at the Bible, the Bible is written over how many thousands of years, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. You know, it's 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 all, you know, I'll I'll stand on the backs of everyone else who had good ideas, put it all into one book and and resell it, you know, trademark free now. And I'll I'll get all the money and power. That's basically what they did. The key difference between the church's doctrine and the iconic folklore is that this faction denies the duality of the icon's temperaments and vengefulness. Instead, the church preaches that evil exists within humans themselves and that it is released when the dark between the stars enters someone's life. Uh, there's some holes in that logic, but okay. Carry on. All right. Um, the Seekers have a reputation for being skillful negotiators. They have often been called upon to end bitter conflicts, such as the Gesellum riots on Elgol and the aftermath of the bloody massacre of the moon of Menkor. Apart from this, the Seekers generally keep a low profile. On Coriolis and in other places, they run meditative stone gardens where believers and Seekers can come to find peace. Yeah, I'm sure that's all they do, too. There, there, there's no underground evilness in, in, those, uh, in those churches of solitude. I'm sure it's fine. The church of the icons, uh, the church of the icons calling is to unite all the peoples of the horizon in one true faith. And the mission is therefore the first of the sacred rites. Missionary expeditions depart regularly from the core systems out to the star arms, often carrying both missionaries and seekers. Uh, I think it's straight down here. Here are the sacred rites. The mission, which we just talked about, life bond, creed, blessing, fast, confession, pilgrimage, giving of alms, and the prayer. You can read more about that later. We're only going to talk about talismans now. The faithful often carry a talisman representing their favorite icon. Something the church has been trying to change. Because, you know, we have to have our own symbol. We don't want nine symbols out there. We want our own unified symbol. Encouraging believers to carry a silver sideways eight. The symbol of the church. The sideways eight symbolizes the eight visible icons with the empty spaces representing the faceless one, but is also the symbol of infinity in Dabaran mathematics. Arabic. Okay. So, uh, well, the reason I read that was so that, uh, you know, you, if you're looking around and you see people wearing some infinity symbols, you know what you got, you know what you're going to be dealing with. Mm-hmm. Now we have Alam's temple. Or in English, Alam's temple. <laughs> every, every human is a world of its own. Oh God, self-absorbed drivel. Jesus. I'm I just, I'm just as important as as not just everyone else, but every other collective too. I'm equal to anything that that's greater than me, because we're all worlds unto each other. Shut the fuck. Get get out. I just like the fact that this was written in proper English for once. Well, that's fine. So. The faction of Alam's temple is a uh, systematic, oh my God, (laughs) systematic explorer of the mysteries of the experience and the senses. You're going to see a very, uh, very well-known science fiction theme here in just a second, if you haven't already. To the public, the faction is best known for its uh, inimitable courtesans. I I cannot say that word, and I should know. 
Sp- space horse. Just just say space horse. It's fine. <laughs> You're gonna get kicked <laughs> off the ship. <laughs> uh, what am I talking about here? Okay. Like the Seekers, Alam's Temple is an old cult, but instead of the religious traditions of the Seekers of the uh, or the Church, the Temple's foundation is the eternal importance of the present. Yep. To the Temple, live in the now, baby, live in the now. To the Temple, the icons represent the human soul's different positions, both spiritual and physical. Just like the Church of the Icons, the Temple seeks to spread its philosophies. The knowledge of the purity of the present will help the people of the horizon lead better lives. You know what? <laughs> Horan is good for you. Yeah, this this whole faction is just absolute de- degeneracy, and I'm not about it. This is the no. teachings of Alam are applied to everything from dance and art to judiciary theories and politics. The judicators' interrogation methods, which don't use torture, are based on Alamite theory. The origin of the teachings stem from Mirin te- uh, from Mirin temple dances and poems from before the portal wars. Esteemed philosophers like Haram Hassam. And poets like Jasmine Sadat developed the heritage into the Temple of Alam of today. Okay. The temple is mainly, fo- uh, f- is mainly famous for the courtesan academies they run on Coriolis and Mira. The education there is completely focused on the eight arts of pleasure. Only eight? Dang. Apart from the courtesans, many influential rhetorician. Okay, I know what rhetoric is, but how do you say that? Rhetoricans? Is that a yeah. word? Yeah, I've never no, heard I don't that word. Know. But we'll go with it. I literally never heard that word in my life. Rhetoricians, prophets, entertainers, and officers have attended the academies. Both Zenithian hegemony and the bulletin regularly send employees and aristocrats. Did it again? Aristocrats. <laughs> it's like I have that. Like I didn't even, don't even know the movie. I haven't seen it in many years. I've said it twice today. That's weird. Aristocrats to the academies to be taught the mysteries of subjectivity and sensory input. No, objectivity. What the hell? See, this is, okay, well, I tend to understand the first come. This is not my favorite faction. No, just a bunch of uh, gimp suit wearing degenerates. That's all, that's all they are. Just worthless. There, uh, there, 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 there's subtleties. No, there's, there's not. You're, you're a dirty degenerate that wants to destroy society. So go die in a hole. A part of the temples less spoken of is the Black Lotuses, courtesans who've been trained in the ninth art. Oh, the pleasure of death. These assassins played a, a crucial role in the destruction of the Nazarene sacrifice, but how active they really are today is uncertain to outsiders. You don't, you don't like, you're not a Klingon, you don't have the pleasure of death? I'm not a fan of sex ninjas. <laughs> All right, I'm not. Uh, more about sex ninjas over here. Aside from the proxy technology, rumors say that the philosophers of the temple can create memes of their own by manipulating light, sound, and biosignals. The so-called memeturgs can make people believe or do things that are not true to their nature. For the philosophers and teachers of the temple, the use of memes is just a means to an end, a way to achieve enlightenment. Although the same memes could be used to control people. Like, we would never do that. That's only 98% of what it's used for. It's not without reason that saying uh, uh, that the saying goes, a courtesan's whisper is a bond for any man or woman. Why did you finally do punctuation correctly here? Sorry, I can't let that go. Uh, rumors say that the black lotuses of the faction are trained to use simple verbal means. 
Other examples exist in Mematurgs. Mematurgs? Words! Such as famous tyrant Dritzoerden, who controls parts of the Dritz system with his followers. Tales of the Jinn also say that they can sow thoughts into the minds of people. This is one thing I hate about games that try to be culturally relevant. <laughs> this isn't part of English lexicon. No, no. But the, what, what they're Zyben. doing is, is creating new words by merging English and Arabic into some hodgepodge bullshit nonsense that no one can, can uh, pronounce correctly and just, just makes people feel dumb. Zyben like, system. Like this, like this whole faction. Mematurgs. Mematurgs. I don't know. I mean, I can say Ginny, although I said Gin. I know that. It's just habit, but... Uh... Alright, let's go on to a better faction. I'm really glad that's over. The Pariah. <laughs> I'm sorry, the Order of the Pariah. The Order because... of the Pariah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's almost as cool as the Federation of the Nomads as, uh, as, as for a stupidest name ever. Hey, guess what? Really guess working. what comes after this one? Yeah, I got it. Yep, <laughs> guess what comes after this one? Um, and look at this great motto. The end is near. I just picture okay. him standing on a car yep. with, a mic with a megaphone. The sandwich board, <laughs> megaphone. Yep, the end is near. Repent now. Give me money. <laughs> the Order of the Pariah has an ambivalent reputation in the horizon. On the one hand, its work is the stick. stick. Oh, it, God. I'm going to be able to read at some point. Their work with the sick and the poor on Coriolis is greatly lauded. But at the same time, people whisper about their bloody war crimes during the portal wars. Eh. And the crusade against dissidents in their home system, Zalos. But doesn't that sound like a strong religion? Sure. and Kind of an inquisition the thing? Near the end. Yeah. A singular end. To everyone else. Like, we help the sick and poor, and we kill all others. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, what am I talking about here? Okay. On Coriolis, the order is known as the Samaritans. Oh. They run a hospital, a sanatorium for the hyper-sick. Is that beyond regular sick? Apparently so. A poorhouse, several soup kitchens, and a renowned medical school. The medical students became become neophytes of the order, and their education is heavily influenced by the faction's religious views. But all the students are offered generous scholarships for the duration of the training. Well, sure, you have to get them young, right? Jedi power. Sure. When they graduate, they are often offered employment by groups who are otherwise less than friendly towards the order. A good indication of the quality of the school. The Samaritans appear the perfect believers helping their fellow human beings out of the kindness of their hearts. This reputation is kept intact in Coriolis thanks to the Samaritan part of their work. The memories of the Order's involvement in the atrocities of the Portal Wars are not something the station's mainly Zenithian population keeps alive. Which is interesting when you consider that they're a first-come organization and Coriolis is mostly Zenithian. I don't care about the uh, council. Outside of Coriolis, the name Samaritans is frowned upon. Here, the order is known as Martyrs and have entirely different reputation. Symbol, the Martyr's Crown stirs feeling of unease in almost everyone. Yeah, man. It's not comfortable looking. And we actually remember your history out here. Stories from the Portal Wars speak of the order as fanatic martyr worshippers, merciless in combat and without any concern for their own lives. 
Their enormous monastery cruisers are said to have carried both crusaders and flagellants into battles, a rumor that is still prevalent. I don't know what that means, but I'm guessing that this means suicide ships. Well, for, for the flagellants, yeah, probably. I mean, they, 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 they want to punish themselves to purify that, but that's what they all do, you know, purify themselves to so when 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 they die they'll go to a good place rather than a bad place and the best way to do that kill yourself and take the enemy with you 100% good can i choose not the first part no oh the order of the pariah is of first come descent and worships the martyr that's surprising the icon commonly known as the judge now do you remember from the combat uh, example i did what the judge gives you bonuses in I remember it did, but I don't remember what it was. Combat. They were an yeah. active party in the Portal Wars and closed their home system. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they're an active party in the Portal Wars and closed their home system, Zalos, at the end of the war, not opening it until many years later when the Consortium dispatched the Legion to demand passage. We're about to see history repeat itself. Oh, yeah, this pattern is now repeating itself. Zalos has been closed once again since once one of the emissaries, you know, the space ghost from the giant uh, gas giant, mm-hmm. proclaimed itself the judge incarnate, a sacrilege according to the order. Screw you guys. No, go home. We're taking our ball. We're going home. We're wrapping ourselves in our blankets. My pillow fort is built. You don't get to be here. I'm joining this group. It is likely only the fact that the space station at Zine is owned by the Foundation of this, by extension the Consortium, that has kept the Order from showing their more aggressive side in the Kua system as well. A certain amount of fear always arises when their ships dock at Coriolis, however. Their hulls depicting, depicting cataclysmic scenes of war. Let, you, know, you know what I'm paying on my house? Not, not nose art of, you know, some bikini-clad woman or something. No. Let's show the end of the world on our ships. And the dock workers whispering about onboard ossuaries filled with the sacred bones of martyred warriors. Sure, sure. I mean, hey, go creepy, what's, what, is, what is the best way to show your outlook on life without having to say a word? Tattoo on your main conveyance, children getting buckets and buttons, buckets of candy from your ship show it yeah no it's good it's candy for kids shit yeah everyone's gonna love you right no man you you, you show the end of the world it's the same thing you're you, they think you're gonna bring the end of the world they don't like you they don't want you around you freak people out especially remember everybody here knows that the darkness between the stars is a real thing now what yeah. what that real thing is they don't fully understand but they know it's a real thing uh, we talked about it last week. Staying awake when you just you know I'm gonna stay awake during this portal jump. Bye. <laughs> you know. So uh, the orders bionics and fleet. Well, this might be interesting, right? Okay. Another reason for concern is that the order possesses a unique form of biotechnology that, among other things, enables the creation of the animate suits of armor their elite holy warriors use. We'll look at that in a second. The first reports of this armor came from bulletin correspondents who smuggled information out of Zalos about the Order's relentless hunt hunt for religious dissidents. They are on a holy war at all times. The technology has again become a topic of discussion on Coriolis as more and more people expect the day when the Legion will turn their weapons against the Order is fast approaching. Now, 
how effective was the Legion if you remember that last video? They couldn't okay. fight a war, remember? They lost. Yeah, they lost badly and then they, they became something else because of it. So, um, how large a fleet the Order commands is unclear. But given the fact that the Consortium has yet to order the Legion to open the route through Zalos with force, it's thought to be of considerable size. Or they expect the Legion to lose again. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Uh, with with the I, we don't know how this uh, how this uh, power armor works that they have, but uh, I I imagine it's going to be some Iron Man shit, and if if they actually get down to a planet with a with a rating force of of substantial size, uh, I imagine the planet be lost, and they don't want that to happen. Animate armor. Holy warriors of the order cover themselves in adaptive armor that makes their body stronger. The armor also learns from hits taken, adjusting itself for better protection, which means you generally only get one shot at taking down a martyr warrior. This is Sponda saying, like the first hit on a martyr, describing the action that has no effect. Um, I, well, I, th- I, I liken this... Not like, like the second hit on a martyr, but yeah, okay. I, I liken this to the Borg. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I, I'm not saying that's how it looks or it's got shields or whatever, but I'm just saying, like, you get one right. chance. You better, if you take your shot, you better not miss. Are you ready for the final faction? Final faction. The Nomad Federation. Okay, yep, yep. We know the secrets of the void. I don't know if that's what you want to say. That is not something you put on your banner, man. If you know the secrets of the void, that means you have studied the darkness between the stars, and no one's going to trust you with their socks, let alone their lives. Jesus Christ. I looked at the void and the void looked back, you know, like <laughs> uh, then you got to go, brother. You got to get out of here. Get get out. I don't want you around. All right. So the Nomad Federation is a collective of nomadic fleets from across the horizon, all of whom in different ways have come under pressure from the aggressive expansion of the other factions. So this is kind of like the factionless faction, so to speak. You know, we'll get along because, yeah, we, we kind of have to. The Federation is a jumble of different families, clans, bloodlines, alliances, and tribes, all claiming nomad heritage. We're more nomad than you. Uh-uh, we're no more nomad than you. My family's actually gypsy. Yeah, well, we were Bedouins, so... Most nomads in the Federation are from the Quadrant of the Pillar, the Rimward Reach, or yeah, Narmada. But the Kyber Swarm from Algol, the, salv- sal- the Salvage Nomads from Otakon, and the Jebel... Jebel and Chambi clams from Melek are also represented here. See, you know, when you get into the game and you learn all this stuff, this probably isn't a bad thing. But, you know, when you haven't dove into the game for like two years of playing it, these names mean nothing and they're hard to read. The prime goal of the faction is to strengthen the nomads against the other factions, whose claims in the horizon have grown considerably, especially since the founding of Coriolis. So essentially, these are like free... uh, I won't call them freebooters because that has a different meaning, but they're... Sorry, a clan called the Free League. How do I want to say this? They're a group of, of individual families, so to speak, that are kind of just huddled together. They're circling their wagons because they need to. Yeah, the, 
when when a society or culture is growing, there's going to be a growing portion of the newly disenfranchised, the the ones who were pushed to the fringes because they had no utility for the people had that had power, or they were some somehow a a detriment to the people who had power. And all these people who are now newly on the fringes, well, they either have a they either gather together with their kin, also disenfranchised, or they die. And this is what they chose, which was life. Okay, I get it. What kind of issues the faction would address at the council is uncertain. But it is likely that they would demand that the nomad culture be treated as equal to that of other peoples and act as a political opposition to the Zenithian factions. Well, that's, that's a good dream and all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the syndicate's still not on there. Yeah. After, after all, it's they, not the nomads who are the newcomers in the horizon. This is the first time that's really addressed that, hey, you know, you may have launched first, but we got here first and we started setting up civilization. Got to give us some credit for that. And the, the Zenithians are like, no, no. You know who writes a history? The winners, loser. Get out. In the popular assembly on Coriolis, the nomads have argued that the Zenithians must start respecting old laws and decrees. But up until recently, the Zenithian factions have responded to demands without interest. Something they are now beginning to regret. Suddenly, a powerful force in the popular assembly, the nomads have demanded a seat on the council of factions or else. Their threats include disruption of consortium trade in the quadrant of the pillar and the free league activities in the Narmada system. And a collective strike against the prospectors in the Rimworld Rimworld Reach. Thanks to the impressive armada, the nomads could scramble if they wanted to. The threats are taken very seriously. However, comma, the giant federation faces a huge internal problem. Not only can they rarely present a unified front, bad blood passed down through the generations of feuding tribes makes sure of that. But they also support the ways of old that would see the faction itself divided into different social strata with conflicting class interests. Very next generation Klingon empire. Where it's like, if they could have a unified front, they'd be strong. But since, you know, one family pissed off another family 200 years ago, we got to resolve that issue first. Oh, no, uh, no, 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 no. It's it's more like a Star Trek Discovery Klingon ogres. Klingon ogres? Yeah, they they, they, they turn Klingons into ogres for Star Trek Discovery. And, oh, uh, oh, 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 oh. Yeah. yeah, and uh, the all of the all of the 24 houses... Uh, were not a threat to the Federation because they were all fighting each other. They didn't have a leader that could unify all of them until they did. And then it was bad. Okay, but what about the support at the Council? The the so-called nomad question has become increasingly inflamed. (laughs) Anything with like the nomad question. Really? Is it kind of like the Jewish question or the gypsy question? The answer is always death. That's the only answer people. Do come we up have with. a certain ordinal solution in here somewhere? <laughs> uh, largely due to the emissary being offered a seat as an observer in the Council of Factions, something the nomads have never even been close to. The... <laughs> That's even better. Now, now, now we have the the George Lucas solution. Oh no! Uh, put Anakin Skywalker on the council, but give him absolutely no power, and and let let it simmer and create hatred until he'll turn to Vader and murder us all. Yeah, it's a good plan. Do that. Yeah, see how that works out for you. 
The Nomad Federation has many allies among the first come factions who think that the Federation should have been on the Council since its inception. Alam's Temple and the Draconites support the Federation's claim. These two factions have enjoyed good trade with the Nomads for a long time. This isn't a bribe, is it? Uh, not all first come factions feel uh, the same way about the Nomads, however. The Order of the Pariah and the Federation are not officially speaking to each other after the attack on the Nomad. Yeah, uh, clan on Tal- uh, Zalus B. Tanziamat. Yeah, Tanziamat. It's like Tiamat with a whole bunch of extra letters in it. From Tanzia. From Tanzia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, it's, oh, nope, this one says all. So, uh, Zenithian factions are not happy with the Federation's new demands. The Consortium and to some extent the Free League, both trade oriented groups, are suspicious towards these potential competitors, and the Legion is uneasy with the Federation's naval strength. The Zenithian hegemony has yet to air an opinion either way about the Nomads. Politics is a game of shash, after all. Sha, sha, sha. What does that mean? Balls? <laughs> yeah, let's go. Uh, what are we on? The Mighty Fleet. Oh, really? The Nomad Federation controls by far the largest fleet in the horizon, although a great part of it consists of civilian ships and is spread over many systems. Recent reports suggest that the Nomads have begun forming larger armed convoys. Yeah, somebody spoke with a force on a bulletin show saying that if the militarization of the Nomad fleet continues, the Legion will have to respond. With what? Transport ships with pop guns? Shut the hell up. The Legion couldn't beat. Never mind. So the Legion is going to go after two factions now, huh? Is that is that the way this is going to work? Yeah, yeah. Like only an idiot fights on fights uh, an an army with with a whole bunch of freaking yachts and schooners and shit, which is what they have. Only the king, heir to the throne of the kingdom of idiots, fights that same war against two opponents at once. Stupid. So, so real quickly, Rodney Body says Shah means king, and that makes sense. The Shah of Iran. I didn't even think about that. You know, like uh, the the yeah, as we all know, you know, from 1979, the, the fall of Iran, the Shah of Iran. Okay, that makes sense. Game of Kings. Yeah, yeah. politics. Game of Kings. Yep. We'll have to. Yeah, counter saying that the more corsairs are stalking the nomad routes than before, because the consortium's bulk haulers have become become reaching. The poorer systems where they drive out the local traders, forcing ordinary people to turn to piracy. The relations between the Federation and the Legion have since been frosty, to say the least. Okay, that is it. Now, I'm going to cover this real quickly. This is, we're not going to read it. We're not going to dive into it. But we read the, the main factions, right? Sure. So you can have factionaries on Coriolis and in the Third Horizon. They got a little chart for that here. There are small players. The reason I'm showing this off is because you could also join a smaller faction or help a smaller faction, should you so choose. And this is kind of talking about the types of missions you can have. So there are free trader markets out there, last chance markets. So uh, what you could do is you could travel goods. You don't have to necessarily do it with the consortium. You have freelance agencies out there that, that uh, all types of which uh, uh, trade, murder for hire, uh, you know, FedEx. What's that? Couriers. Yeah. Couriers. Hey, uh, mercenary uh, police force. I'm trying. I don't know why I can visualize it, but I can't put it into English language right now. Um, resource, resource gathering. Hey, we need certain resources. So spy nests. There you go. Hey, go find out. You know what? Go hang out with them and then report back what they do. Okay. Hang on. Hang on. I, I, I think I could sum up all of the small factions in, in one, one group that will actually make sense. 
all of these smaller factions are independent companies, so to so to speak, but they're smaller companies completely dependent on the larger companies for their survival. Meaning, uh, all of these uh, all of these spies, all of these mercenaries, all of these miners they they are hired by other more of the of the ten more powerful factions to do jobs for them that they don't want their fingerprints on. And that's how these smaller factions get along. Or they do things outside of that. It could also be something outside not, of that it, as well. It's, it's it's too dangerous and not profitable enough. No, I wouldn't allow that. That's not true. That's not true at all. I said <laughs> I wouldn't allow that. I, I I didn't say it was true. I okay. said I wouldn't allow it. Uh, and then you can also have a role here to find out, you know, trading some foods and luxuries, want you to steal some noble gases, whatever. So. And reputation, that's something here just for the purposes of role playing. So I just want to show off that, uh, and there are other charts here, but all told, there are a bunch of different factions in here. Space caravans, you can join them. Yep. Uh, stop on these little pages here. You can pause if you care. You can see there are lots of different people you can talk to, people you can come across. Personally, I would write the adventure instead of randomly roll, or if I randomly rolled, then I'd write the adventure based on that. But, you know, this is if... Player, if you're playing a sandboxy game and the players go somewhere else, roll here. Who do they meet? This is your Hail Mary right here. Yep. Okay. Research institutes and uh thought I didn't think there were this many pages. I thought there were just like four. No. <laughs> Corporate Let's expedition. The starred comments. There we go. There we go. That that is it. And you can go uh, have a lizard pet. Awesome. We'll end on that. All right. Reactionary Gaming says, uh, I know this is not going to help with the reputation of the French Canadians, but people need to stop crying about war crimes. Yes. And he did it too. Uh, he put the period outside the quotes. He he did. I think he did it on purpose. Maybe. <laughs> and the, the, the person that cries war crimes is the loser. Yeah. Nobody listens to losers. Okay? I mean, whether true or not. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Shut up. Shut up or get vengeance. That's it. Those are your two options. Stop bitching. Uh, Crafting Gamer put in uh, the Max looks though through his door and sees the void. His wife must have been checking on him. Yeah, we, we were talking about uh, uh, looking at the void and the void looking back at you. Well, that's that's Max's wife. I, I already responded truth to that one. Yeah, I know. Uh, Michael Mammoth says, uh, I legit enjoy Heathen Dog pontificating on the social structure and social forces in RPG worlds. Fun way to reflect on how real societal forces work through the lens of fiction. Yeah, you know what? Uh, you you can really tell the leanings of a of a of a writer of an RPG by how well stupid idiotic ideas that have failed time and time again in real life suddenly work in their game. Like communism and socialism. It's wonderful to see it work in a game because it's funny because it can't work in real life. It can now if you, you have, uh, have some sort of hive life. mentality. Uh, and communism and socialism do work on small scale. They don't work on large scale. So yeah, I what I'm talking like about a, is like whole planets or yeah, systems yeah. or yeah, it doesn't work. It, it, it doesn't scale up. Socialism right. and communism works basically in from your a commune, home, <laughs> yeah, your home or your community. That's it. Your local community is where communism and socialism stop being effective. After that, you're just going to be grounded in the dirt by someone who's smarter or better than you. And I'll, and I'll go the other side for a moment. Uh, pure democracy also has the same problem. Pure democracy, you cannot have the 51% out of a billion people running the, the 49%. You know, it, no. it's, no. Can't have that. 
the the only way pure democracy would would work, which is a fantasy in itself, is if the is if the fantasy of ninety eight percent of the federal budget is put into education. If everyone is a knowledgeable voter, I, I, I could see that as working. But guess what? That's not how the world works. That's not how humans work. That's just so you know. So the the pure democracy democracy doesn't work. Hell, man, representative democracy, I would think, doesn't really function well. It just functions better than all the others. It, unfortunately, it's, it's susceptible to the same things as like communism, susceptible to corruption. And, you know, it, it is what it is. I, I think representative democracy is the best potential way to get stuff done. I, I have never heard of another guy. I mean, monarchy would be the best of just getting things done with no checks and balances monarchy is by far the Benevolent best Benevolent monarchy is great the only problem with the monarchy is the very next generation could be a giant shit show yeah um i, I think representative like ours you know rep, it's a representative republic is that what it is because it's not a democracy uh right. does need an educated voter yep yeah, uh, yeah. I think it is the best that we have as human society, but I think that uh, what we need to get rid of, nope, 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 I'm out, I'm out, I'm about to dive into politics, not going to do that. <laughs> okay. Nope. So, and that's uh, it. All right, that's it. So, awesome. Remember, next week, we are going to be talking about the people and Coriolis. So I'm going to be whipping through about... A Probably seventy-five pages, but I'm gonna be picking one page here, one page there throughout different parts of the book. I don't think it'll be too long because I'm not gonna dive into too much stuff. I just want to show you guys uh, certain aspects of what Coriolis is. We will talk about some of the pl floor plan of Coriolis as presented in the book, but not too much of that. And then we'll look at the people and the culture real quickly. Just what you see, what's out there, and probably just page through. I'm not gonna talk about them. some of the crazy weird nasty things that you can find out there in space that you'd be like oh i thought this game was almost more you know more realistic than that and then you're going to find jinnies and uh all types of weird little space ghost monsters out there all right one, one more thing before i go um what was this oh yeah uh reading dave's democracy does need an educated voter and, and there there's the problem with a full unrepresented democracy here here's an example the united states military has an iq floor of something like 84 to 86 or something like that somewhere around there and that means 12 percent of the u.s population does not meet that there's 12 percent of the u.s population that cannot be trained to do anything in any branch of the U.S. military, it's been it's been deemed they're too stupid to learn to do anything. And there are cooks in the military. Okay, there 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 are people that just pick up garbage most of the time. And we ate at the Chow Hall. You don't have to have a lot. <laughs> no, we, we were the Air Force Chow Hall. We had actual cooks. We had food. Yeah, yeah. In, yeah. But uh, but you know, Army and the Navy they have they, they have cooks. That's their job, just to cook food. 12% of the U.S. population cannot be trusted to cook food that won't kill you. And you want a non-represented democracy? No. And we're, we're one of the most educated countries on the planet. Just think of everyone else. How would they do with an unrepresented democracy? No, they would, they would fall into chaos in, in less than a year. It'd be crazy. So, yeah, that, that, was, that was my rant on a, on a pure democracy I, I could talk for hours on this i'm not going to because this isn't the right stream for it but yeah uh i i have thoughts so yeah all right i'll be back in a sec
All right, so... Yeah, I know that wasn't the most exciting stuff, and the reason I was struggling read well, I was struggling reading some of those words because you know they weren't you know English words. But the other part of that was uh, I kept I kept finding myself rushing instead of just reading you know what was out there. Rushing almost every time that I screwed up like Arist when I kept saying Aristocats, I was just like go 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 like no no I I needed it was the good news was is i would catch myself and slow down after that like i should have so but hopefully you guys found the the faction uh, information interesting i hope you guys are finding coriolis interesting can't say it's the game for everybody but uh i i like it i actually again i love alien rpg cinematic mode i think that's absolutely fantastic to run a one shot play alien play the alien rpg that cinematic mode is set up exactly for that freaking amazing like I, like I wish more games would use that concept but for a campaign I think Coriolis is better set up for a campaign although Alien either just did or is about to come out with a book that's going to defy that but uh, for now Coriolis is uh, it's the year zero game that's got the better campaign um, uh, Michael I heard a lot of that in the last uh, 2000 so about 15 years yeah I've heard a lot of that. People openly saying, I know this isn't the best candidate, but I want blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, we can complain about a lot of things. Two-party system, uh, people, you know, people not being educated to vote. Like, I'm a proponent of this. Like, nobody likes this idea, except for me. But here's, here's what I believe in. I think that there should be a checklist. I think voting should take a while. That's right. You don't just go in, check, 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 done. Voting should take a while. And you don't vote for a candidate. You vote for uh, policies. Rate one to five, how strong, or one to three. I strongly, I don't care. I, I strongly negative. You know, I, I agree, disagree, don't care. Something like that. You know, maybe the five. Strongly agree, slightly agree, whatever. And then you just say, uh, find those hot button uh, policies, especially in local politics. Uh, you know, taxpayer money to Ukraine, uh, abortion, um, you know, education, uh, national defense, yada, yada, yada. And, and you do that. And then it pops out the candidate you voted for based on policies. I got a better idea. One line. Service guarantees citizenship. Yeah, I used to believe that. I don't anymore. Well, no, no. I, the thing is, if you want to lead people... I want you to have put your own life on the line for everyone else's at some point or another. Then I can trust you. So, you know, if, 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 if you give yourself to your society so, for a so certain amount of time. So service, I wouldn't say service allows leadership instead of service. Because it's not, it's the citizenship part that I, that I take the issue with, not the, uh, no, not I, the I understand. Part. I understand. I understand. But there, there, there's going to be two types of citizens, natural, born or naturalized. And then, uh, what would you call them? Uh, supporting citizens. So those are the ones who can vote. Those are the ones who can hold office. Those are the ones who can make changes to the society because they put their skin in the game. The other people didn't. You did. You earned the right for your opinion to be to be you know part of policy. Yeah. You've earned that right. Twenty years but down the road, that all be uh, yeah. Well, I supported a church service one point, and that put my life on the line because we had a school shooting five miles away. You know, you know how they. Well, hey, if you want to join your church service and run it, 
you you've you've, no, you've got credit for all that. i'm saying is you know this stuff gets manipulated over time where it yeah, gets watered I know, down I know, so i know i know all right well let's uh <laughs> only let's... only dupes and retards the vote <laughs> no because those are the ones who are going to be accidentally killed during their service and they're going to be heroes they, they died for the cause they died citizens but they don't get to say anything of what's what because they're obviously stupid or just raise the bar for for the for the citizenship and you eliminate all that problem just, just like the u.s army it, it eliminated all of the forest gumps you know get rid of them but forest gump did really well no he stumbled in success every single time Rewatched the movie he was he was at the right place at the wrong time and he accidentally survived every single encounter i also understand that service guarantee citizenship is the same is is the modern way of saying property owners because you remember in the old days, the people who had a stake were yeah. the people that owned property. That's why they yeah. were originally the only ones who could. You know, uh, the, if you weren't a property owner, you had no real stake. Well, society's yep. changed. Time changes over time. We get or time change. Wow, you know, times change. We get all of that. So we have to have a more forward way of looking at it. And you know, service guarantee citizenship uh, depends what the service. My, my thing is, I don't want those people under the eighty-four IQ in the military. Mm. So I. I but at the same time, I think they should have a path to citizenship. So I would be more they, than just they don't. They don't. They have a path to screwing up their lives and everyone else around them. They are a hand grenade that a child is holding. It's going to go off at any second. People under a certain IQ should be sterilized. I don't know. Most of uh, the most of the problems that I have with are people with the high IQs that uh, because they they're smart, they obviously think they know better than you and they ah, don't understand. See, that 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 is that is a that is an excellent an excellent problem it, it's true smart people are usually also self-centered egotistical arrogant pricks this is also true but that's why they have to go through the same crucible as the average and above average intelligence people of putting their life on the line for their country the really smart super arrogant narcissistic asshole won't do that because that's too dangerous his life is too important you have to put your life in the hands of your government. And if you survive, then you can have a hand in changing or running that said government. Okay. Yeah. That, right. that is my beautiful political dream that I'm not going to put in an RPG. <laughs> let's, uh, uh, let's, uh, I guess, uh, are you, are you ready? I am ready. Okay. Wait a couple seconds and then go ahead and start. Okay. <clears throat> Hello, Legionnaires. Heathen Dog here. And today we're going to talk about Palladium Books Systems Failure. Now, this is a requested RPG, and I'm gonna I, I went through it uh, throughout the week, and I'm gonna tell you about it. A uh, little little bit up front, uh, the picture we're looking at here, it's not wrong. Yeah, bugs bad. And that's pretty much it. I'm gonna tell you why they're bad and how they got to be bad right now. We believe that role-playing games should take place in fantastic worlds. The focus of the game should be on role-playing and having a good time. The core values of Hashtag RPGate and any good tabletop group are escapism, not representation, entertainment over activism, and natural, organic inclusion, not forced diversity. The charity we support is the Wounded Warrior Project, a national nonpartisan organization whose mission is to honor and empower wounded warriors. Please refer to the description below for the link to where you can make your hopefully tax-deductible donation. 
Join us Thursday and Saturday evenings on twitch.tv slash legionofmyth to watch Heathen Dog and his team of dirty casuals play multiplayer games for your mockery and enjoyment. Here on our YouTube channel, you can watch these game-related segments live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Central Time, or check out the Friday Night Show stream where our panel of guests opine, comment, and editorialize on the TTRPG hobby as a whole. Please like this video and leave a comment to appease the algorithm gods. Share this video on your favorite social media platforms to help us peer out of the shadows cast over us. And if you have not done so already, please subscribe to Legion Myth for more tabletop RPG goodness. All right. And for some reason, you didn't tell me to share the screen, so I blame you. <laughs> it's first time on the show. It's weird. There we go. First uh, time on the show. There we go. Uh, you, you also need to drop yourself to the top. There you go. Bam. Oh, there you go. Drop uh, myself to the no, top. Before, before he starts... I have not read this book. I, I flipped through it at one point and I read a blog about it about a year ago. I am very interested in this game. I think it would be a neat something to run for a short term investment. I wouldn't want to stake my entire, you know, rest of my life campaigning on it. I'd rather do after the bomb. But my point is there's a lot about this game that I'm very interested in, but I don't know a lot about it. Heathen Dog's gonna tell us about it and I'm I'm scared. I'm scared. No, don't don't be scared. It's all fine. It's all good. Now, the background of this is is pretty simple. It's 1999, December 31st. That's that. That's where the background information starts. Y2K, baby. Why? Y2K, fools. Oops. Here we go. Now the whole thing is that Y2K was a big nothing burger. All right. I'm still pissed off that I had to stay at a network operations center during New Year's Eve two New Year's Eve 1999 and New Year's Day 2000 away from the greatest parties ever because something might happen that everyone knew wasn't going to happen. That was the Y2K guy from my office, but just my office. I didn't have to do that. Yeah. So I hated it. It sucked. This is, this is a sore spot in my life along, along with the fact that I was in Washington, Washington DC for three years. I never got to see the fireworks because I was on call every God. You know what? Nope. Going to move on. Okay. So it starts off. Uh, I don't, I don't like this, this, but it is, it is justifiable narrative where it, the, the background isn't told to you like many other Palladium books as a story. It's told to you as a conversation between other people. You are a fly in the wall on events that are happening. And the first wall you're on is on, on this message board in 1999, December 31st. It's minutes before New Zealand hits, uh, midnight. And you get a whole bunch of a uh, whole bunch of people who are in not partying themselves, or to be fair, some of the people in this, in this chat room are hours and hours and hours away from it being, you know, new year, uh, new year's where they are. So I get it. Okay, fine. But as midnight strikes in New Zealand, New Zealand goes dark, completely dark. It's on the news. It's everywhere. Oh my God. No, the, 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 we have no communication in and out of New Zealand. All the internet's dead. All the TV stations are dead. Satellites aren't, aren't transmitting anything. What the hell's going on? Oh my God. And then the next hour hit and boom, another time zone went dark. So Y2K did hit. Kind of. Coincidentally. Absolutely. Coincidentally. At this moment. 
the actual enemy decided to strike. Now, what is this enemy? Well, if you if you go through this this entire conversation, you see it starts off with people talking about their plans, talking about Y2K, it's going to be a big nothing, like yeah, they were right, you know, but here it ended up not being a big nothing. Here uh Womp Rat, who is in New Zealand, counts down when he gets to 3, it stops. No and- one can get a hold of him. Always want to play it. Probably never will. No, no, hang on, hang on. But 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 thank you for the ten dollars. But it gets down to three. Nothing. Well, something did happen. We got ten dollars super chat. So thank you, Seth McFulton. Appreciate that. And thank you, Womp Rat. Okay. So uh, everyone else is like, "Hey, where'd Womp go? Oh, he he fell offline. Happens all the time. It's great. Probably got bumped. Calmed down. Stop screwing around. Y two K. Oh my God. Y two K. And like, shut up, dude. Everyone knows Y two K is bullshit. And they were right. But this is what happened. Dude, the New Zealand government said he's dead. Yes. The internet from New Zealand was gone. Okay, it's a dumb island out in the middle of the ocean. They're probably playing around with their kangaroos or something. How many people live? Like, they don't allow anything nuclear on the damn uh, island, so, you know, they have no power. Well, now they have no communication either. All right, and then then you got this guy Rooster. He's like, "Oh, I'm I, I'm in the know. I'm in the secret organization back in 1988. Blah blah blah. We're we're supposed to watch this stuff. So this is real. Go go find a bunker. Get some food. You're in trouble. Everyone's like, "Yeah, shut up, dude. Nobody cares. This is just a thing." And then it starts going over and over. The time zones go, and it starts following the time zone. And binary yeah. people start entering the room. Then we get chat host one zero one zero one zero one one two one one. Yeah, well, that's not binary. Then I thought it was binary, but then I saw the two. Yeah, yeah. I thought I saw two. All of all of these thing, all of these people, supposedly people who came online who aren't talking until everyone's gone, and then the first one there says site is secure. Move on to next secure and deactivate. Await further orders from the swarm lord, and then everyone leaves to go to the next chat room. <laughs> sound ominous yes does it sound like sounds like a practical joke doesn't really affect normal people also yes sounds like a practical joke Uh, sounds like that but then we move on and it skips to a whole year and this apparently is on a cb radio anybody out there cq cq this is night flyer calling anybody in free america over if anybody is receiving me please pick up cq cq this is night flyer calling anybody in free america over then it comes down to something else so come on down your good old uncle roscoe's right in the heartland we've got more guns and ammo than you can shake a stick at and with what's been going on lately you better stock up fast and we don't take cash neither no trade goods only here folks that means gold silver canned foods grain laying hens and the like and if you bugs are listening then come on down too i got some bullets for your with your name on them so it goes through several different sections of the world sections of society a year later and you start piecing together what happened during midnight on december 31st 1999 or more appropriately when it hits midnight it's january 1st 2000 an event happened that brought an alien species to the planet and this alien species really really loves electricity loves it but they don't want you to have it 
They want them to have it. Then just find a, a planet with a magnetic pole, wrap it with some wire, and have a good life. Apparently, that's us. Oh. We don't know where they came from. This, this, this could be the greatest smorgasbord ever for EM Field. I don't know. Maybe. Then we get off. Oh, here, here's, here's my favorite. Here's the Michigan militia. This is WPAL, the voice of free Michigan. We're coming at you live from the peninsula where the land of the free and the powder is dry. Happy New Year 2002. This is the big K-man on the line broadcasting until my batteries geek or the bugs come get me, whichever happens first. And that brings me to the big question of the day. What have you heard about these bugs? I've got some folks telling me they've got alien invaders running around our electrical and phone lines. How's he doing this from three years in the future? No, no. Again, the the background skips. Okay, goes up to two thousand nine, where the game actually begins. Oh, okay, okay. Other people telling me it's all a big government conspiracy, and I've got other guys says that it's just our way of finding anybody to blame but ourselves for the mess that we're all in. He's got a point, you know. We hit that big brick wall of Y two K, and once the world went dark, everybody just flipped. I'll bet you a week's worth of D-cell batteries that there isn't a single... Remember D-cell batteries? That was fun. There isn't a single city that ain't got a serious anarchy festival going on or a single country that isn't either at civil war, international war, or just plain falling off the deep end. This could be it, you know. This could be the end of everything. And here I am spending it on the peninsula, broadcasting to all you fine people from Windsor to Wisconsin. It, it continues. It goes. It builds on people discovering the real answer remember without the internet without uh without telephone satellites without all that stuff information is going to spread more slowly especially correct information because everyone knows panic spreads faster Mm -hmm. and everyone since it happened exactly at midnight wherever you were y2k was the big culprit because that's what everyone was primed for Oh, got to watch out for Y2K. Oh, got to watch out for this. So when something does happen at exactly that moment, I mean, it's almost logical to assume that was it, right? Well, sure. It takes time for the real information to disseminate without our usual, you know, packets of information flowing from one country to another. Now it's, you know, the Pony Express all over again. It's crazy. But it starts to get into more firsthand accounts at what's actually going on. And here's what's actually going on. At midnight in New Zealand during, during Y2K, was it a causal factor? Was it a precipitating factor? Was it a coincidence? The game doesn't really say either way, but from what it does say, I'm going to say it was a coincidence that a small portal was opened in in our on on our planet from somewhere else Risk. and these bugs these bugs came through now when i say small i mean minuscule pinpoint well how do giant bugs get through well these giant bugs can funny enough turn into energy and fit hundreds at a time through that pinpoint hole so many and- black holes which were actually wormholes created a singularity and they came through the singularity okay yes now They are energy beings some of the time, which means they can jump into electrical lines and move to anything connected to that electrical grid. Any machine that is connected to the grid has no defense against them. This is starting to sound like splicers. Yes. 
any machine that they touch, turn in energy they can jump into and take control of it. Any electrical device. Tanks, ICBMs, planes, trains, automobiles. Yep. Well, except for steam trains, obviously. Fair. So no one was ready for this. And anyone who tried fighting them found out very quickly that all of your base now belong to us because everything runs on electricity. There's the problem. You have to fight these giant bugs. And when I say giant, don't worry, we're going to get there. When you got to fight these giant bugs with nothing but crossbows and and pea shooters and sticks. Slingshots. And, slingshots. And sl- slingshots, <laughs> axes, and swords and stuff. It doesn't work out. Not really. There's lots of them, and they're very tough. And you would want stinger missiles. You would want guided missiles. You would want cluster bombs, but you don't get any of those because they run off of something called electricity. Well, what about just a frag grenade? A grenade would work. It runs a, off of a, a, a dumb fire. A dumb fire missile would be fine, though. So not a missile. Uh, start launching rockets at everything. That would be great. The problem with that is less precise. Yeah. Yeah. And and bugs have natural armor, which means ra- area hits don't do as much damage. Uh, really quick, is this an MDC game or SDC game? It's an SDC okay. game. So good. Then then missiles will still hurt them. It'll still hurt them, but they won't do it won't do as much damage. Plus, if if your enemy can turn into energy and be immune to physical damage, that sucks too. Which they can, and they do. So that's great. So that's what this part is is starting to to uh give to the reader mm-hmm. all the stuff here and then it goes to that this is the diary of jimmy gillis this is the diary of a random kid whose family is trying to survive spoilers they don't but it starts off with jimmy talking about he has to write this in a diary because his mom and dad say he's not allowed to use a computer anymore <laughs> can't play my video games stupid bugs video games can't do all that stuff so he's got to write this diary and the diary talks about the tribes and tribulations of life where he is affecting his family specifically and soldiers came to the door one day and said hey we're we're, we're gathering all the civilians in one area for protection uh, we, we have we have we have sufficiently blocked them from hitting any more military vehicles we put we put uh, EM hardening EM hardening and all of our stuff so they can't take it over and it, it makes us highly resistant to their to their energy range attacks by the way they also can shoot energy bolts from their eyes so or, did that EM hardening actually work it wasn't actually real because these are not normal humans anymore. No, these are infected. The, the bugs brought with them little tiny other bugs called silkworms. You jam them up the nose of a human being. They oh, go yeah. into the brain and then they take over the body like, like ghoul. Didn't I see that on Rathacon? <laughs> nose, ear, no, no, whatever. No, no. It's, it's, it's more like Stargate where they completely take you over, not make you susceptible oh. to suggestion. They completely take you over. All of these soldiers were taken over and they're trying to gather civilians into one place to make it easier to enslave or kill them all. Well, Jimmy's mom was like, oh, thank heavens. Jimmy's dad was like, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. 
And so Jimmy's dad said, hey, uh, army guy, uh, get to stepping. We'll, we'll stay right here. Thanks. And the army guy got tough. Jimmy's mom got dead. Ooh. Jimmy and his dad ran away. Is that the cover of the book? Uh, could be. The, 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 the cover of, of the, the guy and the little kid with the bug coming yeah. in. Could be. Could be. And then it, it goes it goes about talking about, you know, Jimmy's life now on the run between 2005-2006. Um, mom died July 11th, 2005, because July 10th, 2005 is when the the bughead soldiers came. And it's all it's all in caps, which upsets me, but I understand. I don't want to have a worm shoved up mix my nose and become some kind of zombie or something yeah i understand jimmy that's good 2007 dad says i must write this so i'm doing it really fast because there's no time there are worm people all over the place and dad has his gun and he says he is going to shoot them but i'm afraid they're going to get us they were running throughout an entire year toward where it was cold because his dad figured bugs don't like cold so they won't even go up there you're right they wouldn't they send bug infested people up there instead. Dad says it's okay. And we will either get away or all we'll see mom again soon. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Those are your two options. That's, that's right. I'm really scared. Please help. Please. Anybody help, please. Jimmy died. Oh, Jimmy died. And Poor then Jimmy. 2009, which is the now of the game. And now you have, more complete information and this is done by the wyoming free irregulars trainee handbook third edition this is <laughs> this is as if you were entering the wyoming free irregulars resistance force and this is what you need to know so this has the most reliable game information before your real training starts it's best you know the state of the world you want to fight for you can't commit to something like the Wyoming Free Irregulars without knowing all the facts. Otherwise, you're just fooling yourself. So for all you slowpokes, newbies, and greenhorns out there, here's the deal. Take it from me, the old cowgirl in charge, because nobody else is going to lay it out plain and straight. Everybody thought they was ready for Y2K. Maybe they were, but they weren't ready for the bugs. They put that in the manual? Get an editor. Yeah. They was. Yeah. Well, come on. Editors are not a thing that's around now okay mm -hmm. so yeah let that go in, in 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 this case grammar mistakes are in lore no no i, I get that i wasn't yeah. blaming kevin i'm just saying like like okay i i don't even know anybody who would write like that but go ahead when the well we, we don't know anyone 10 years after an apocalypse either so that's yeah. fair you know fair fair when the big date hit just about everything went down i mean we're talking total systems failure oh look at that there it is Utilities all went offline, air traffic control fritz, military systems geeked out, and that was just the beginning. Most of us can remember the days after when the food riots and the looting tore this country and pretty much the rest of the world apart. The government did its best to lock things down, but the harder they tried, the worse it got. It was like all the pressures of everyday life had built up this gut full of hate in everybody, and now that the system had crashed, they could let their hate take over. This was the beginning of the bad times, what we call the meltdown. Okay, I think this is a little drastic, but weak people do freak out when something goes wrong and they start panic and cause problems. I yes. do believe that because it happens every single time. Yep. I mean, we Only, just saw that a couple years ago. Yeah. 
only the meltdown was just the tip of the iceberg. What nobody knew then, but what we know now, was that somewhere else on this in this universe was an alien race of intelligent insect things waiting for their chance to come to this world of ours and take it over. Yeah, you heard me right, alien invaders. Seems almost comical to say, but it's true. Y2K caused a big hiccup in the world's energy grid, and somehow these bugs were able to tap into that and create a doorway between their world and ours, a bridge through space. Millions of them came through. Millions. Worldwide. Seems the bugs can convert their bodies into pure energy whenever they want. So they were able to enter our electrical lines, telephone lines, cable lines, you name it. So when things started coming back online, the bugs had the planet covered. It was worse in the big city. It was worst in the big cities and around major, that was for you, and around major power plants. It seems our multi-legged friends like to eat raw energy and the stuff we pump out is like a juicy T-bone to them. What's worse, the bugs can 100% deactivate any electrical device just by zapping it with a beam of bioelectric energy they fire out of small bio cannons growing out of their shells. Yum. What? I said yum. Yeah, the machines they don't zap, the bugs can enter and take over. Within a month, at least 90% of the country's mechanized armed forces belong to the bugs. Thanks for the army. <laughs> After a while, the bugs started rounding people up and bringing them to the nearest MSA, Metropolitan Statistical Area, where they were set up in big camps. Once you go to these places, the bugs hit you with some kind of mind control gas that makes you really numb and docile. You'll do whatever they say. Then they walk you over and they put a goddamn bug in your brain called a silkworm. They're about the size of a big fat slug and they crawl up your nose into your brain cavity and pretty much override your brain. The person you were is gone and your body is now the host for its new bug pilot. And the grub can access your memories and skills. So this is now gone from uh, a, an independence day, alien invasion disaster to an independence day with a beautiful side order of screw you with uh, invasion of the body snatchers. Double whammy. You yeah, got layers I, you know, this yeah. apocalyptic onion. Uh, so, so how do we fight back? I'm sure we're going to get to that. Before too long, there were legions of bugged humans running the power plants of our old electrical infrastructure, providing a three-course meal to the rest of the invasion swarm in the form of electrical power. As far as we can tell, there are literally millions more humans being held in a drug stupor waiting to be bugged. That's what we're fighting for as much as anything, to save the folks who haven't been bugged yet. I hate to tell you, but those bugged are gone. Their brains cannot be saved, at least not by any method humans know. Not, not until Daniel me. Jackson figures it out. There, Daniel Jackson died in the first attack. Oh. <laughs> the only hope is to rescue those who have not been bugged yet and get them to free America, any place the bugs haven't already sunk their claws into. To free the land, we must first free the people. Free the people, we can squash every last one of those damn bugs. Don't bet on it. I wouldn't be, it won't be pleasant or easy. The bugs are no pushovers. They stand at least six feet high with an exoskeleton tougher than most body armor, claws that can rend steel, and organic energy weapons growing right out of their freaking bodies. Sure, they die if you pump enough lead into them, but if they can get into a working electrical socket or a telephone outlet, they can just convert to energy and escape. And here's the cool thing it, it doesn't say it here, but the bugged have two purposes. No three purposes one 
keep the electrical grid going because bugs eat energy. So you got to keep those power plants going. Those coal-fired power plants, the hydro power plants, so well, they didn't have solar farms this early at, at a mass scale, but all the you know geothermal plants, all that, keep them running to keep the bugs fed. Two, keep the infrastructure repaired. You have to make sure the power flows. Or, you know, if we were doomed, the spice must flow. But we're here, the electricity must flow. And three, if you have those two things, power going and power going everywhere, all of the electrical outlets are just a way in for any bug infiltrator or any bug assault. That phone well, line. Why do I feel like tr tremors? This needs to be no. a tremors world. It, it's it's a little bit like because think about it this way even if you unplug all of your machines as long as your electrical grid is still on a bug can jump out of your outlet or your phone outlet or whatever and enter your house you have to literally cut yourself off from the grid but that's a way to know where you are because the people in charge of in infrastructure maintenance are bugged they're gonna say oh this was cut for some reason, there are free people in the area. Let's go find them. There's an outage in your area. We'll be there in a moment to fix it. Exactly. Fix it means fix you. Oh. Fix, fix your little red wagon. And that is... Ba oh, and then, then it talks about NORAD. Uh, NORAD still exists because NORAD uh, be, being the, the uh, nuclear strategic facility that it is it is super hardened to any em stuff and has its own independent power power generation situation so it actually lasted through the initial assaults and the assaults afterward just because of where they are and how they are come on they're in the middle they're underneath a mountain so have fun with that bugs right and here is the last vestiges of the u.s government that's it what are they doing well they're they're trying to find a way to fight back against the bugs. And I'm going to tell you right now, it doesn't look good. It's early days, sure, but still, they've had nine years and they're not winning. All right. So there's that. So that's where we are. That is basically the the, the background of this whole thing. And it gets into the, the rules of the game after that, which are palladium. That's fine. If you go over any of our palladium uh first stuff from last year and you'll you'll find the palladium rules that's fine but that's where we are that's where you as the player come into this world it's 2009 the bugs have basically won the initial war and now it's a terminator like resistance of the rest of the humans that are left so are humans just in their way like humans what, what... are are necessary because they need to keep the they need to keep the energy flowing. So they're not in the way. The free humans are in the way. They need to have enough humans that they can control and keep breeding so the species doesn't die out. That's the amount of humans they want. They haven't gotten there yet. They're they're working on it. Okay. All right. So we have that's good. After the bomb has pleasure bunnies, systems failure has ladybugs. I was like, that's Ouch. good. I like that. I Ouch. like that. That was a good one. That hurts. <laughs>
Uh, people underestimate how horrid giant bugs are if you just see one. No, I no, I don't underestimate that. Uh, even little bugs have horror factor to me. So uh, believe me, this world would have me shoot everybody. <laughs> how do I know you're not a bug? Especially now that you now that I know you bugs you in your brain. Yeah, they can put bugs in your brain. I trust nobody. My wife's dead. The cats are dead. Heathnug's dead. I'm. You come anywhere near me if I if I can see you. Uh, and it's within range of my firearms you're out <laughs> okay now the whole the whole bugged people you can only tell immediately that they've been bugged if number one you know that bug brain you know bug in the brain exists and number two it's been less than a week since they got a bug in their brain because when they put the bug in it actually bruises their nose breaks their nose a little bit as it climbs up because it's a little too fat to fit through the through the nasal bone and it breaks it and it causes bruising around the nose under the eyes. That's the only way you you know someone's been bugged or someone could be punched in the face, but likely been bugged. But after that heals, nothing. You're bugged. They have all their memories, all their skills. They can fake being that person. I shoot them anyway. Okay. Shoot them anyway. <laughs> uh, let's see. Where are we? Oh, wait. I just read that one. So if this is... Uh, this was a sci-fi story by Frederick Brown called The Waveries, except the bugs were microscopic and lived in the atmosphere. Maybe, that would I, be I, even I scary. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, but uh, that's possible. I'm sure this isn't uh, the first time this story's I been done. I recognize Frederick Brown and the, and the title, The Waveries, but I don't remember. I don't think I read anything about it. I know I did not, but could be. This might not be a unique story. Uh always wanted to live off the grid well now you have just to do so <laughs> yes now now that's it everyone's gonna follow your your blinding blinding example it's beautiful and then uh this is for all you new people i have one rule everyone fights no one quits <laughs> if you don't do your job i'll kill you myself welcome to the roughnecks that's basically it yeah i mean uh when when you're fighting a guerrilla war like this it is you know you either toughen up or you get dead and that's it. There is no time for, for pacifists in a resistance situation. You're a worthless being. I'm not going to feed you because you are not, you are not uh, supporting the cause. So you can suck it. So two more. Um, I don't know if I understand this one. So violence sells everything. And Rumble says, and I think he's talking about the bugs. Okay. Says, uh, and has a grudge against humanity for something we did to them in the past. Mm, not no not, not not these bugs maybe okay. some other bugs but not not these ones. Uh, them that may have been it may have been um, something else we don't yeah. remember and then so he's talking about this game is he said this game could have been so much more if it was expanded upon but while but as a y2k joke it never got any support and was it uh yeah it mostly used the bugs as another minion for night lords and nightbane and i know you're going to get to that at some point something similar yeah. to that so yeah i'm not going to talk about it in this video but uh yeah oh so he says yes those bugs it's mentioned in the scene with the president when the bugs speak to him oh right yes yes it it, it alludes to the fact that that uh, they've done something that, that humanity's done something to them but no one knows what well i don't know but probably all the times so i used a lighter and, a, and an aerosol can and burned but a lot that wasn't them it was <laughs> like you know they, Think of it this way. Think of it this way. You are you're probably upset 
when 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 someone kills a chimp, right? Nope. No, it's an animal. I hate monkeys. Okay, fine, fine. Normal people are upset if someone just kills a chimp for seemingly no reason or for food or whatever. It's gross. You don't want to do that, blah, blah, blah. And a chimp shares over 98% of the DNA with us. It's the same thing with these super energy bugs and the bugs on our planet. Sure, 98% of the same. Yeah, but that 2% is where vast horizons exist. All right. So not really the same thing. So if you want to be mad about that, fuck you. No, no, you're just, you're just retarded. No, stop it. Okay. Well, with that said, uh, what are you covering next? Next, we're going to go over the OCCs and RCCs introduced in this book. And uh, we're, we're going to see exactly what the player is playing with and playing against in this system. All right. This book is, <laughs> is, is, is Nightbane only dumber. That's what this book is. It's Nightbane only not done as well on any front at all. Any front at all. You have Nightbane in this book. Bugbane. What do you want to call him? <laughs> half bug, half humans. <laughs> We're going to get to that in just a minute. And it's stupid. It's absolutely ridiculous. They're, they're so underpowered compared to bugs. It's stupid. And the, and, uh, the OCCs in Nightbane were understandable. And the OCCs here are understandable as well. But it's just not done as well. No, I'm not thinking of splicers. I'm thinking of Nightbane. Nightbane. Which is also the world taken over in a single night. Also the same thing. Yeah, so, the, the, so well, using gameplay, I think it sounds like you're you're right. But vibe, I absolutely get the splicers vibe in all the bad ways, because I hated splicers, as you know. Like conceptually, okay. Splicers was neat, but, and I know why it had to do it, but it went too far. This one started off neat, and then it was like, oh, by the way, they can turn into electricity, and now they got brain bugs, and now they have all this. Like, so uh, what's the point? <laughs> like, like I'm, I, and and it doesn't seem like there is a point to why they're here and doing it. So we're just, I like to well, have no. They the, the whole idea of it is that they, they go from planet to planet, universe to universe. Remember, this is Palladium, so rifts happen. Yeah. And they look for planets that produce electricity. Go take it over, drink it until it's all gone, and then move on. I got it. I, I'm not against it. I like this better than Splicers so far. And let me put this up for Halcyon, and then we'll get ready for your next one. Um, you see, most people have said when they see a spider eat a mouse because we have more in common with mouse. No, if you if he had mentioned any other animal except for a monkey, and been, chimps, yeah. oh yeah, chimps, apes, orangutans, they're all the fucking they're all monkeys. I don't care. Uh, people can get angry about that. But all the primates. If, if I said cat or dog or squirrel or yeah, or been whatever, then then he would have been. Oh no, that's horrible. You know, but he just he just he just hates champs because they they almost think like him and are stronger than him <laughs> yeah i know i hate that <laughs> they can rip off your arms and legs and and chimps are fucking dicks like yeah. horrible they, they'll actually rip off your dick if they're mad at you they'll just rip I, off I, I laugh at those people that have chimps as pets and then they lose no. their face and so forth yeah that's just that that's that's what you signed up for you know they're not domesticated animals humans are not they monkeys are, they're 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 wolves that are fucking petty. 
<laughs> Hum- you know, human, that- humans are not monkey. Okay, we, we might be ape. No, we're we're primates, but we're not monkeys. We're not apes. They're their own thing. Yeah. Yeah. The the thing about the the ninety eight percent similarity between a chimp and us is the pettiness and vindictiveness that humans <laughs> have. That's what they got. So they got wild animal nonsense. Plus, they're fucking petty as shit. We have nuclear weapons. <laughs> yes, there there have been documented cases where 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 uh, chimps have gone super petty. Where uh, there, there was there was one one story that I that I heard that uh, there was, it was this one chimp's birthday and 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 one of the one of the workers in the in the zoo or whatever uh, brought that that chimp a, a piece of cake for his birthday. He was going to do it for all the other chimps. He just started with this one. Well, the other chimps remembered that the, the next time he was alone with them, they 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 ripped off the, this this guy's dick in his face. They've done lots of studies on on the vindictiveness of them. And just to be clear, I'm not even going biblical on this. I, I'm not saying that I, I'm, not, I'm not even sitting here promoting creationism or anything. I'm, what I'm saying is is that we are not apes or monkeys. Those are animals. <laughs> we have evolved past that whatever your rationale for that is whether you believe that god put us here or you believe that we evolved past that we are not apes or monkeys but i also don't really like people either so you know (laughs) he and i've had a bunch of discussions on that where it's like uh, i'm not a humanist i i I, no bug lives matter oops oh you put it up sorry these bugs are destroying society for something that happened colonialist bugs stop my god manifest bug destiny all right give give me a second and i'll be ready for the yep sounds good <laughs> get his uh picture back up there i don't have any of bugs yet that would been great if i had uh, let's see chat 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 all right all right <clears throat> here we go Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. It's part two of Systems Failure. We're going to talk about all of the character classes you can play in, in this game and all of the bugs you are going to fight in this game. Because for everyone coming in with the idealistic notion that I'm the first bug ambassador, we can all be friends. You're going to be the first one that's going to have a bug in your brain. And that's it. The core values of hashtag RPGate and any good tabletop group are escapism, not representation, entertainment over activism, and natural organic inclusion, not forced diversity. Please follow that QR code or refer to the description below for the link to the charity we support, which is the Wounded Warrior Project. Thursdays and Saturdays, you can watch the Dirty Casuals on twitch.tv slash Legion of Myth. Fridays and Sundays, you can watch the Friday Night Chill Stream and RPG Digest on our YouTube and Rumble channels. Please leave us a comment with your thoughts and experiences, and if you like our gaming content, please be sure to subscribe to Legion of Myth. All, All right, right, here we go. Now, we are going to talk about human OCCs. These are, whoa. The heck happened there? <laughs> I don't know, man. What are you doing? I see what I, this, he's like trying to take over. I I I don't know what happened. There, that's what we're doing. We're going to talk about the human resistance first. These are the characters you can play in this post-apocalyptic wasteland against giant army of energy. So I was told most of the characters are just mundane people trying to survive. Most of them are. As a matter of fact, we'll just go right to it. Egghead OCC, Professor, Bookworm, or Space Cadet. These are all 
nicknames, obviously. Even in a world as devastated as this one, let me, let me zoom in a little bit. Oh, let me zoom in a little bit. Thank you. Even in a world as devastated as this one, invention, resourcefulness, and cutting-edge scientific research continues, and the eggheads are the one doing it. Most edge work, which did not age well, because now that that's a sexual term, is sponsored by NORAD, one of the free Silicon Valley enclaves, or by a hidden independent research facility. Many sponsored eggheads generally stick close to their labs, crunching numbers, running experiments, a little inclination to go out in the field. Besides, their sponsored organization probably values them too highly, let them wander the badlands looking for trouble. Here's the thing. Scientists are a rare breed because they worked with electronics a whole lot, and they were the front line of people that died first. And they need electricity to continue their research into defeating the bugs. I mean, sure, you could you could make a new kind of gunpowder if you want. You don't need electricity for that, but that's not going to really help you so much. So, yes, eggheads are few and far between. Eggheads do not go out in the field because, you know, they, they die quick. They have no skill set for it. Why would you want to be an egghead? Well, no, usually if, if I were running it, this would be an NPC type thing that you bring fines to and stuff, but you can play it. So this isn't even as cool as say like the rogue scholar or something in no, riffs. No. Okay. The rogue scholar can at least handle himself in, in obvious situations. The egg, egghead cannot, okay. cannot. He is a scientist that, you know, just does his science thing and lets other people do, do the fighting. Speaking of that, we have the exterminator. Every war has its soldiers, <laughs> and the exterminators are the best of the best when it comes to fighting bugs. Most were soldiers during the meltdown, but others are simply super tough survivors who have received some training in the form of military. Exterminators are a step up from survivalists in terms of their military quality, for these guys aren't just scrappy gunslingers. They're specially trained killing machines who work very well in a team and can handle all sorts of military equipment, including the vaunted uh, Organitech bug zappers, bug bombs, and other ultra powerful weapons. Now, this is going to be start of a start of a splicers thing too. Yes, that was not wrong earlier when someone said this kind of like splicers. It is, but this is your ex army, ex marine, has training in combat, has some experience in combat, and has survived years under under bug oppression in the resistance. They are now exterminators. They are highly experienced, highly trained and highly effective as long as they have some, you know, some prep work to do kind of like special forces. You know, you, you think of a commando and you're like, Oh, he's like, he's like the, the greatest warrior ever. Not really. A commando is great in a situation they trained for in a situation they don't train for. They're just a regular military guy. Well, but I, I would still say that they have, be they have, Better quals and better ability to think through a situation than a standard military guy, but I do get what you're saying. Yeah. And here, here, here's them killing bugs. Yeah, killing bugs dead. For me, that's a little close. I would have liked to kill them yeah. further away than that. I would never want to shoot anything that close with a rifle, but yeah. No, that's a shotgun. That, oh, I was looking at the dude with the M16. Oh, yeah, him. Yeah, sure. But this guy, shotgun. I mean, close range is a shotgun deal, right? I get it. But I don't, I think, he, I think you let him get a little too close, brother. That's a little too close for my comfort. And he's, they're on a pile of, of dead bugs. That's great. I'm getting a doom vibe now. Okay. Yeah. The art in this book is telling me something. And I want you to tell me if this is true or not, because it will also jade my opinion one way or another, what I think about this game when you're done. Obviously that dude is a little over the top. 
Yes. Is this meant to be a 1980s caricature game or kind of a, a, a serious Sam type thing or a Doom type thing, so to speak, where it's just, it is meant to be fun and over the top? It is meant to be over the top, yes. Okay. For, for the, for the, uh, for, for the explanation of the OCCs and RCCs, it is, it is exaggerate to clarify type situation. You are exaggerating the general, uh, thought processes of these OCCs because you want people to understand that you are pigeonholing yourself. I mean, I I don't, I don't have a problem with that. As long as I know going in, like, Hey, this isn't, this isn't a serious bug killing game. This is, this is not Starship Troopers, the book. This is Starship Troopers, the movie. Okay. You know, as long as I know that going in, that doesn't bother me. Think of it this way. And uh, Coco Shuko says, this is Punisher on basalt. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Think of it this way. You remember Zombieland, right? No, you don't. Okay. Everyone else remembers Zombieland. You remember uh the, the main character uh famous actor is that the one with woody harrelson in it woody harrelson yes woody harrelson okay i he, saw it one time okay yeah there you go he is a natural born zombie killer right he he didn't know he was born for it. he's really good at it and he loves it and he takes it to to uh, uh an almost comical degree it's kind of like the exterminator is woody harrelson's character in Zombieland. okay all right and what do they get? They get paired weapons and a modem. <laughs> Let's read that. Sure, I'd no, want it's actually electronic. Modern. It's paired oh. weapons modern. It was oh. a it's a typo. I just I, I, I can't. It's it's really small on the screen, so I can barely see oh. it. So I was like, I don't think I would want a special modem because it has electricity in it. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. Bad PDF copy, a, huh? Yeah, it's a typo. It's a typo. Don't worry about it. But uh, you have you have paired weapons modern. Which, uh, which, which means you can have dual pistols, whatever, and, and, uh, and not take as big a penalty. Uh, if the GM would like, you can include in systems failure stuff, uh, powers from uh, the gunfighter OCC, as in quick draw initiative, handguns and rifles, weapon proficiency, sharpshooting, and all that stuff in page West, 91 no! of New West. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you can do that. You can do that here. They give you that. And the, the skills work very much like Heroes Unlimited. You have skill programs. You roll for your basic education, and then you, you choose skill programs that are in line with your education. Those are the skills you get. And you get bonuses to those skills depending on your OCC. And next we have the Freebooter. This is the guy, Vinny's pre-owned <laughs> merchandise. You are, you are the guy with the with the connect you are the guy that that can get things you need those d-cell batteries well jimmy the fixer's got one if god didn't want to eat animals he wouldn't have made them out of meat exactly if anybody's going to make some money off this whole meltdown and bug hunt thing it'll be these opportunists think of them as well-armed and sometimes well-intentioned merchants and snake oil salesmen who travel the badlands looking for two things one any potentially valuable merchandise they can salvage or acquire cheap or trade for profit and two, somebody to unload it on, preferably the paying variety. And actually, preferably the stupid variety, because you know, <laughs> stupid people part with their money quite quickly. Freeboaters are one of the few OCCs that are welcomed by just about everyone because they almost always have something worth buying or trading for. See, this is the thing. People are scared. You know, the wagons are circled. People are afraid. 
and especially now that they know that people they don't know could be bugs in disguise, it's trouble. But everyone's always going to let a freebooter come in because they need the new items. They need things. You can't just plant a garden and grow your own food anymore. Well, why not? Because while we don't have access to any satellites anymore, the bugs do. They're going to see a new farm being planted, send bugs there, kill everyone dead, and move on. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. You have to you have to be illegal pot growers. Basically, you have to grow shit in the basement. Hydroponics for the win. If you want to feed anyone, you can't do it outside anymore. So yeah, trade is important. And the the uh, freebooter can open a lot of doors for a or for a, a playing group. It can get you a free meal, a free bed, or at least access to a paid meal and a paid bed rather than shoot you on site. And then we move on to the grease monkey. This is your mechanic. Everyone needs a mechanic. I mean, come on, look at her. Everyone needs her, right? Well, maybe not her. She's kind of bland, but you know, but yeah, everyone needs, everyone needs a, a mechanic because you're, you're not making new things anymore. That day is long gone. You are in Cuba refurbishing 1950s cars forever now. And that's exactly what you're doing because the lower the tech, the car, the better cars run electricity, which means that the bugs can stop them anytime they want. And if they jump into them, they can make sure they don't work for you. But guess what? A 1956 Chevelle doesn't have a gun or a tracking system or, or access to military satellites. So it's not inherently dangerous just to have, right? you're okay it's a necessity wagons and carts and horses are probably better in the long run but in the short term from getting a to b really quick you want that deuce and a half right you do it's the only thing with the power to carry it unless you have a lot of horses yeah you better have a lot of horses but the thing is having a lot of horses having a farm no good anymore because it can be seen from a long way away and then we move on to the peacekeeper. These are the lawmen. These are your town sheriff or your or your roving uh, sheriff slash judge. If if he if he walks a community, stuff like that. This keeps the peace to make sure people don't self destruct under the stress of the bug society, overlording over them. You still have to have laws. You still have to have people to enforce those laws. You can be that. Sawbones, this is your field medic slash doctor. Now, the high universities don't work anymore, obviously, so no new specialist doctors are coming out of anything. But all of those specialist doctors have honed their craft into general medicine, and all of the general practitioners have honed their craft into target practice to make sure that they can survive in the field long enough to do any good. That's your where, sawbones. Where, where, where are all those holistic herbalists now? They're all dead. I, Oh, I, really, I would think that the holistic herbalist would be, look at, look at this, natural remedies for everybody. Natural remedies for everybody. Yeah, that, that's, that's actually great. Um, I have a problem with holistic medicine. Here's the problem with holistic medicine. And uh, stop me if you heard it. Almost all medicines start off as holistic medicine. 
fueled by uh, individuals' perception of what happened and society or superstition or whatever. And then it goes through rigorous testing, validation, and refinement, and then it becomes actual medicine. You know what can cure a headache? Chewing the bark of a certain tree. You know what will cure a headache? A Tylenol. That's the difference between holistic medicine and actual medicine. Does holistic medicine work? Sometimes, yes. Does it work anywhere near as effectively or, or with reliability as actual medicine? No, it does not. But I mean, holistic medicine is also maggots, and that's pretty much a 100%. Exactly. Yep. Max is not wrong. Holistic medicine is now used as medicine nowadays, but it's the stuff that's proven to work, not, not your grandma's superstition work. I got you. Proven to work. And we move on. But the, the Sawbones is mostly a medic. I got you. Slatter punk. punk. <laughs> words Billy the Kid. Okay, I got it. And punk pretty much sum up these two low lives. The worst are murderous criminals. The majority are wild gun-toting yahoos who don't think law and morality applies to them. They have thrived in the chaos and have had a ball the last 10 years. These are the warlords or the warlords men. These are the people who take chaos, embrace it in their hearts, and make sure the society never improves because they would they would lose their hierarchy in that society. There's a typo in that Splatterpunk title there. Splatterpunk, and it says OCC. It should say NPC. Yeah, yeah. It should, or or in Palladium fashion, optional OCC. <laughs> Which, if it says optional, don't use it. It says no. It just means no. Don't do it. Splatterpunk is mainly for the, the campaigns where you are starting in a completely lawless environment. Everyone's a splatterpunk if they've survived and go on from there. But a splatterpunk is not going to get along with any of these other OCCs. Look at them. You want to sleep next to this guy? No. He's Again, going dead. with the concept though that the game everything is over the top caricature. Yeah, so that, I I, I get it. I get it. That's what this guy is over the top. Then we have the survivalist. Th this is your 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 general survivalist. He's he's a jack of all trades, master of none. He he's good in in urban environments. He's good in wilderness environments. He's good at tracking. He's good at at uh, hunting he's good at evading he's good at tactics but not great at anything if it were riffs i'd say this is a headhunter or a wilderness scout if you were in uh if you were in palladium rpg i'd say maybe he was a ranger you know stuff like that he he if he will get you from a to b and he knows how to live through adversity and he can have bring other people with him into the realm of i survived right so having him in your group, probably a good idea. Like, like Seth McFulton says, Bert from Tremors. Right. Bert from Tremors. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. Now the NORAD psychic. Okay. Here. I have a, I have a huge problem with this, but I'm going to, I'm going to read it to you. So you all know why I have a problem with this. Now, the first part is NORAD was hunkered down and NORAD is a large, large facility. It's a self-contained city basically. So when they close the doors, made them energy proof. So the bugs can't get in. They, they started trying to figure out ways to fight back. The first thing they tried was 
you know, conventional weapons, non-electronic stuff. That wasn't super effective. They wanted something super effective. They wanted the answer. And they thought, man, if we could produce psychics, we could do that. They knew psychic powers were real. They were just not weaponized yet. So they spent the last nine years weaponizing psychic potential. And guess what? It worked. They almost made it. Oh, almost. The NORAD psychic is almost useful, but not. They fall into, I'm going to start right here. They fall into three basic types of psychic power. Physical, sensitive, and healing with supersonic being a rarity. Most NORAD psychics are minor and major. Thus, most characters will learn all the powers of a single category before they diversify. Healers are super medics who provide support for combat and field teams. Sensitives use their abilities to locate bugs and sniff out silkworm zombies. And physical psychics are trained largely for pure combat. While this makes them super soldiers, it also makes them deficient in other sonic disciplines that can be just as vital for survival. So you have to choose your path. Okay. Choose your path. Unless you're a super psychic, a master psychic, and then you are you are a jack of all trades with the psychic community. You can do it all. Okay, but here is the problem. Uh, where is... Here we go. OCC abilities and bonuses. Psionics. Special. Intensely trained in harnessing the incredible powers of the mind. Those recruited and trained by NORAD are typically major psionic, 46% chance on a hunt on D100, minor psionic, 50% chance, or 4% super psionic. I thought it was six. It's four. That means okay. when you choose your psionic class, there's only one, these guys, you have to roll a percentile. You either suck, kind of okay, or good. But only a six, only a four percent chance of being good. So is that if you roll that four percent, is there is there any sort of drop? Or let me rephrase it. If you roll the roll the fifty percent minor, yep, do you get any extra skill points or anything? I mean, is I guess it, you, you're asking is there a trade off? Yeah, let's find out. Okay, uh, let's see here. All NORAD trained minor psychics get the additional abilities of mind block and one of choice from whatever category has been des designated as the character's area of specialty, healing, physical, and sensitive. So you get to you get to choose you one of three of your psychic categories, and you get mind block for free, which is a sensitive, but you get that for free, and then then you get powers in one of these only. Major psychics get the additional abilities of mind block and two of choice from whatever category has been designated as the character's area of specialty, healing, physical, sensitive, or one from super psionic. Okay. But a master psychic, if you rolled that 4%, also known as super espers, are incredibly uncommon and available only as a special psychic OCC and only if the GM allows it. Oh, so it's this is optional. like that. So it's like not that mega hero or whatever it was called. Yeah. No, no. Not only do you have to roll 4% on a D100, but the GM also has to say it's okay. But that means they must be super powerful, right? Well, let's let you decide. Such individuals get six powers from one of the three common psionic cat, one of the three categories, healing, physical, sensitive, and one supersonic power. Unlike the, uh, this is important. Unlike the others, 
this character gains additional psionic powers as he grows in experience. What the what? That means after the initial psychic power choosings of the minor and the and the major, they get nothing. Nothing. You have to be the optional roll 4% character class to actually be a normal palladium psychic, not some nerfed little kid in a corner. That is crazy. Starting at level two, you get to select two powers, blah, blah, blah. All right. Uh, the NORAD skill program is, is very specific. You are trained from a young age, so all of your skill programs are basically set for you. You don't get to choose. But I want to look at more powers type thing. Uh, can, can you see that? Uh, what's that downside that's right there? What downside? Where? Uh, right on that page on the other side, right above the experience chart. The downside. Oh, let's look at the upside first. Okay. I mean, let, let's let's give people hope and then take it away. Your psychic powers give you a unique edge in survival and the war against the bugs. You can sense where they have come and go, and you can also detect bug humans better than anybody else, unless you're a physical psychic, making your abilities very much in demand. Independent psychics can profit greatly from careful use of their abilities. Here's the rub. Many people, not all, consider you to be an abnormal and a little bit frightening. Some warlords and bunker lords regard you as a mutant freak while others try to exploit you for their personal gain and the bugs hunt you relentlessly. NORAD psychics, your benefactor has gone through a great expense and time to train you in these abilities and they expect to get their money's worth. Military life is restrictive and not always personally rewarding. You have to follow orders whether you like them or not. In the field and undercover, there's only so much protection your precious NORAD can provide. Notice how it didn't say a whole lot into how many powers they get, what powers they are, blah, blah, blah. Eh. Then there's the NORAD splicer. This is the worst. Bug boy, superfly, grasshopper. Yeah, this is, you take a human, and you're like, a human compared to a bug is squishy and awful. Okay. Bugs have natural armor. Bugs have a load of SDC. They're super strong. They're super fast. They can basically teleport wherever electrical lines come and go. They can turn in energy to be, be immune to physical attacks. How do we fight that? Fight fire Easy with fire, answer. baby. I love it. Easy answer. Take a human being, splice bug DNA into them, make a super soldier and set them out. Sounds Become like a plan, Become the right? enemy you are fighting. That is the, that, that's what that we do is the answer more. to all your problems. Yes, that is the answer. And you're not, you're not doing a... Uh, Steve Rogers super soldier thing. No, no, you're not. Where's the picture of this guy? There he is. <laughs> Why am I getting invey uh, ideas here or vibes? That's what you turn into. That's the human bug hybrid. Sweet. I'm in. Yep. Nobody will think of me as a freak or anything. Yeah. If you, <laughs> if you agree to this and you know, this is how you will turn out. You have resigned yourself that if you win, you will be put down. If the humans win, you will be killed. And you're done no, procreating. Yeah, no, procreating. No, they, they <laughs> yank off they yank off your genitals like an angry chimp. No. 
you are not going to be able to procreate. You're not going to be allowed to procreate. You're not even going to allow to have a human woman because that's gross. After the war is over, you're going to be a depleted uranium round. You are to be cleaned up and disposed of as soon as humanly possible. But up until then, during the fight, you get some perks. Now, one of these perks is not great. It's horror factor. All splicers have a horror factor of 10 plus 1d4. That's no joke. <laughs> this can not be a 20, good or a bad a 22. Thing. Yeah. Depending on the character is. Note that bugs are immune to the effects of horror factor, just as no splicer is going to be freaked out by the appearance of another splicer. The characteristics only affect humans. You are only scary to the people you're supposed to be protecting. That is not a good start. Not a good start. This pretty much guarantees that after the war is over, you're going to be taken out behind the woodshed and shot. Natural armor, AR8 plus 1D4. Bugs have an AR of 12 plus 1D4, so you got some bug armor, but it's not the good kind. Chemical susceptibility. Because splicers are bugs' genetic structure, they are vulnerable to the chemical weapon nicknamed bug juice, an organotech insecticide that causes a bug's cellular structure to break down upon contact. This is this is very much, you know, bug killer, you know, raid on steroids. It's raid on steroids. But since you are genetically similar to bugs, it affects you as well. Not as badly, not as badly, but still, you don't want to get it, you know, on your carapace or skin or whatever you call your body nowadays. <laughs> Rapport with bugs. Spicers oh, God. can hear Sorry. the tele that that first thing on the next page. <laughs> Are you kidding no me? No going did, back. Did that actually have to be said? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, that apparently it did. Splicers <laughs> can hear the telepathic conversations and transmissions of other bugs and can speak to them in their own bug telepathy, half the range of normal bugs. But still, you can do that. That that's not going to cause fear from normal humans either. Anyway. No going back. The doppelganger pr process is a one-way trip. Those who undergo it will never be fully human again. Perhaps this is something that will change in the future. No, it won't. Revisions of the process, but for now, splicers undergo a permanent transformation. Permanent un until you die. And then no one cares because you're dead. The thing is, if you're not going to be killed by a bug, you're definitely going to be killed by a human. That's the way you decided to go. This is worse than the juicer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in terms of suicide pact. And what do you expect in this world? You expect the wacko. Is this crazy? <laughs> yep. Who knows what motivates and drives these strange individuals? Most are poorly educated, superstitious, and narrowly focused or obsessed. We all have strange and often annoying habits, personal rituals, idiosyncrasies, excuse me, and twitches. How and why they are the way they are is anyone's guess. Some suffer from physical trauma, psychic trauma, emotional trauma. Others are a product of their environment, the horrors of war, or unique philosophy and our outlook on the world, and so on. Basically, you're the crazy without any of the really cool powers of a crazy. Except Just all the drawbacks? Yeah. <laughs> Obsessions, killing and or undermining the bugs, plus roll one random obsession. Not great. Wacky luck. Most are superstitious and will have a lucky medallion, coin, jacket, shirt, hat, whatever. The item has special significance and is always worn or carried, especially into dangerous or important situations. Even if it's broken, they'll still carry it. 
Um, most have little superstitions or idiosyncrasies. They spit in their hand or on the ground before going to combat, cracks your knuckles before fight or when nervous, slaps your head, chest weapon three times before attacking, shooting, rubs or scratches his chin, nose or whatever. They, they, they have weird ticks, weird ticks that they have to do. Uh, always shouts, mumbles, whatever. Uh, da, 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 always stops a, a annoying habit and or mindset. Okay, it gives you a range. If you don't want to, if you don't want to choose, you get to roll. All right, but what does it do? For, what does it do for you? That's what I want to know. And guess what? Nothing. <laughs> it doesn't say. After it goes through all the shit, it says look ninety seven hundred outspoken and says what he feels regardless of the consequences. Doesn't have a diplomatic bone in his body. Okay, so what is the upside for having that? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. No powers, no no powers, no bonuses. ability, no bonus, no 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 minus, no nothing. It's just something stupid you have to do because you're 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 a shit house rat crazy. That's it. Uh, That's it. Skill programs, any one of choice related. There's got to be something in there. You'd think, right? Uh, let's see. Anything special uh, upside? Nobody takes you seriously. So they, and the enemy tend to underestimate you. Sometimes you feel like a cunning secret agent or a superhero who saved the day. That's because you're crazy. You're actually worthless. <laughs> downside, downside, nobody, nobody takes <laughs> you seriously. And you're often treated like the village idiot and or avoided for being strange or a little scary. Sometimes you feel alone and sad. No, you don't feel alone and sad. You are alone and sad. And that's it. That's it. So the OCCs here are not something you'd really, really writing home about. You know, they're they're not they're not something that uh, uh, blows my skirt up or anything. Okay, they're not special. And ag against the bugs, which we're gonna we're gonna look at right now, you're on you're on the losing side. All right, this it's the losing fight. So let's move on to the bugs, and we'll see what you're fighting against. The bugs. Let's look at the different types of bugs. The bug hierarchy. Tier 1, Tier 2, Tier 3, and so on. Tier 1 is da -da, the army ant. This is an all-purpose combat bug. The frontline troops who have spearheaded the invasion and function as a bug's first line of defense. 80% of all bugs on the earth are army ants, with the various Tier 2 bugs comprising 17% and Tier 3 lightning bugs making the final 3%. Like humans, only three types ants, of bugs, three types of bugs. That's it. Well, three tiers of bugs, tiers okay. like humans, army ants and all bugs for that matter are individuals capable of three free thought and self-determination. They do not have a hive organism. They do not possess a group consciousness. That being said, they're very closely bound by the overwhelming urge to gorge themselves on high doses of energy, much like an army of drug addicts might be united, if chaotically so, in their unifying urge to get another fix. Army ants are the same way. As long as they have strong leaders to help organize and direct them, they happily cooperate and work together as a finely tuned military machine capable of defeating almost any opposition. However, remove their leaders, the army ants quickly lose direction, suffer from indecisiveness, and are more easily bluffed and intimidated. Okay. So, bug they, they basically bu made bugs into drug addicts. All right? Fine. Fine. That's great. That's cool. Each each bug is its own person, but they all have a common culture of 
uh, injecting electricity into their bodies to get high. Okay, great. That's awesome. Dave's not here, man. Dave's not here, man. Okay, but all of them, they are bugs, so the variation in them is very, very minute. There's not a whole lot of genetic deviation, so there's not a whole lot of range to their stats. Which makes sense. They're all they're all basically the same. 32 hit points, 100 SDC, 12 natural armor, horror factor 10. Okay. You know, that that's against a normal person, which almost every OCC is. This is going to win. Going to win. You have to over you have to overwhelm them with numbers of the OCCs in this game to defeat a single bug. For every bug, there has to be two, two or three player characters to win reliably. Two bugs, you're going to need four or five. Three bugs, it, it goes up from there, okay? And there's millions of these things. Now, what can they do? Well, let's see. Natural army ant abilities. Bioenergy conversion. Army ants can transform their bodies into a coherent pulse of concentrated bioenergy. When in this form, the bug can enter any conventional electric or electronic interface, like a socket in the wall, a modem, disk drive, headphone socket in a computer, whatever, and enter the device. Army ants use this ability to access electrical cable or telephone hardlines so they can travel along their lengths at nearly the speed of light. Or they may enter an electrical device to control it from the inside. They especially love doing this to high-tech vehicles like fighters and tanks. See Machine Union. Once so, converted into bioenergy, an army ant must enter a device or hardline or it will dissipate and die within 1d4 rounds. So that's the only downside to their turn into electricity power. They have 1d4 round, uh, melee, uh, melee rounds to either enter a device or turn back or they accidentally kill themselves. So, so how far away can they be from that outlet? I think we're going to get to that. Okay. okay. It takes one melee action or, or attack for an army ant to convert to bioenergy and another melee action to enter an electronic device or electronic electrical hardline. It can remain in a hardline indefinitely and zip all over the place. However, the bug quickly gets frustrated, hungry, and bored, so most like to exit as soon as possible. When a hard line is used to travel to a new destination, the bug reaches the destination within 24 seconds if within 5,000 feet. One melee round if within 1,000 miles it needs an outlet or receiver at the other end to come out. Further, unless there's a T2 bug to lead the way, army ants are likely to get lost when traveling more than 100 miles. They're, they're, not, they're not smart. All right. They're not super smart. Note, multiple army ants can interface the same socket or hard line simultaneously. Thus, a couple of hundred bugs could enter or exit the same wall socket at once. It's hmm. crazy. Uh, it doesn't say how far away. I'm just curious. I'm not trying to get really like, hmm, if no, we keep I get him it. more 4.6 feet away. But I mean, does he have to be standing next to it or can he do it across like my room here? Yeah. I think I, I, I would adjudicate this as he has to be able to touch the machine. Okay, that's fair. You know, and that, what's kind of cool about that is that somebody else at another table can adjudicate it differently. If I can see it, I can go into it because, you know, yeah. treat it like a dive or whatever. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. Right. I, I would and, be like heathen dog, but yeah. Yeah. And, and that makes sense too, because the way, the way they describe their movement through electrical wires is they all go in at once and all come out at once. Right. So 
for an electrical outlet, maybe they don't need to touch it. Maybe they do have to be just within a certain range and they can jump to it. That's fine. I would say if you want to enter a machine that does not have an obvious access port, like a plug or a whatever, you'd have to touch it. That's fair. Yeah, I would do that. Machine union. And if you do get inside a machine, you can now control it. Everything the machine can do, the bug can do. Now, that, that doesn't mean that they jump into every machine and they can do everything the machine can do. No, because a lot of times machines require a human operator to do something before it can do what it has to do. For example, if a machine enters a car, it depends on how electronic that car is. If it's a 1950 Chevelle, without power steering, without without uh, fuel injection, without that stuff, it can all it can do is make the car turn on and turn off, and that's it. Can't steer the car, can't make the car go, can't make the car stop, because that's all mechanical action. Oh, it can mess with the radio. It can change my radio mess station. With the radio, yes, it can mess with the radio. <laughs> it can't even roll up and down the windows because that's that's normal. That's that's hand crank. Well, you know what? Radios were knobs, and so all he could do is turn my radio station to static. On and off. Exactly. Jerk. That's all that's all I can do. On and off. The car on and off. Radio on and off. Air conditioning on and off. That's it. But as cars get more electronic, it will have more and more control. Like my car, for example, does not have a physical connection between the steering wheel and the axle. There is a, a mechanical brake where servos and actuators are used on both sides to make the car turn left and right. That means if a bug got into my car, it could safely drive my car or unsafely drive my car if it wants to. Raise and lower the windows, change the radio station, turn on and off the AC, accelerate, brake, all that stuff is done electronically. So when a bug enters a device, you have you as the game master have to decide how much control that bug actually has. Like if it's a jackhammer, that bug can turn on and off the jackhammer. That's it. The bug can't jackhammer anything because it takes a person holding it to do that. Yeah, but you got bug people. But a nuclear bomb, the bug can just make it go boom. Yep. Because all of that is electronic function. There's some physical components to that. I'd have to. There are some physical components, but if if you had perfect control of the system electronically, I believe you could make it go off. Because at the very end, it's an electrical signal that causes it. At the very end. I mean, maybe maybe that's not true. That's fine, but it's a game. You don't have to be hyper realistic. Stuff like that. But if if a bug enters a fighter jet. It is so automated that bug has full control of that fighter jet and can do anything that fighter jet could do with a pilot. Because it's electronically controlled everything. Was it, is it, uh, was it, um, the F-117 or is it the B-2? One of those, it makes like 100 calculations a second because otherwise it couldn't fly. Just to fly. stay in the air. Yeah, just to stay in the air. That's, that's the... Uh, that's the army ant. But can you go back? Oh, so, sorry, I, I don't want to delay this, but can you go up for one more thing? It said psionics. We don't have to read about all the psionics. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Psionic they have, powers uh, too? They have special bugs. All bugs okay. are considered minosonics and can communicate with fellow members of their own species at no ISP cost. 
they can communicate with humans at a range of 2,000 feet, but it costs ISP. And then it says bugs have some same trouble reading the thoughts, emotions of human telepaths, blah, blah. Only time uh, there, there's only a 25% chance of successfully intercepting bug telepathy or reading their minds. That's if you are a NORAD psychic and you are a sensitive, you can use telepathy to kind of try and, and infiltrate the bug psychic network. But you only have a 25% chance of doing that because their thought process is so alien that you don't get it. It's all gobbledygook nonsense. So that's their special sonic power. They, they can speak with each other psionically. Okay. And then we have the assassin bug. NORAD eggheads believe the assassin bugs rank the lowest among the tier two bugs, perhaps because their specialization is not added firepower, but the ability to perform stealth missions using natural camouflage. That's basically what they are. They are, they're infiltrators and assassins. Okay. okay. Uh, the uh, bugs who are controlling satellites see uh, 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 cows are being, are being, uh, you know, uh, what's the word husbanded? I don't, I don't forget it. Uh, be, being raised horses are being raised. Crops are being, are being grown. And so we need to, we need to see where the people are that are doing this. Cause we didn't order it, which means they're free. You send in an assassin bug as a scout spy or assassin or whatever. And he gets the information, brings it back. The army bugs come in, kill everybody. And now we're gold. That's what they do. Uh, chameleon. They have the special chameleon power. It helps them uh, change color and texture in order to blend into their environment. That's their special ability. Other than that, they're really no different than the army ant. Creepy uh, looking. Bombardier beetle. Oh, yay. These frightful juggernauts are the bugs equivalent of a heavy tank or artillery piece. Of course. Devoted to causing physical damage to hard targets and smashing through enemy defenses rather than stealth, trickery, or infiltration. <laughs> Makes sense. Let's see how tough they are. 250 SDC and an AR of 14. Oh, nice. Okay. What, what's okay. its what's its long range attack? That's what that's what I'm gonna do. Oh god. I don't want to see that. I don't like it. Yep. How tall is it? I will find that out too. Uh doesn't say here. It might say in the description at the end. Okay. Okay, all their specialty bioenergy bombs. Here we go. The bombardier does not have blasters like most bugs, but possess the unique ability to create bioenergy bombs. The creation of each bomb counts as two melee actions and involves creating a sphere of energy out of thin air. The oh. sphere of swirling blue or violet energy appears between the beetle's two open claws. Each sphere is about the size of a grapefruit and can be handled by the beetle without them going off, but will instantly explode when touched by most non-bug life forms. Oh. The bombardier can throw, roll, or drop the energy sphere and allow it to go off on impact like a hand grenade, or place them like shaped charges and, and made to go off with a mental command from the beetle or upon being touched by non-bug life. Throwing range, 200 feet. Damage, 1d6 times 10 to the target directly impacts, and 2d6 damage to everything within 10 feet. Cost two actions per round. They never run out of bombs. They just keep going. And that that's their shtick. That's their thing. Uh, hey, throwing see. range is 200 feet. I mean, that, that isn't that far. So, I mean, I no, thought it was going it, to be much more powerful. It's pretty far for a throw. I mean, you know, compared to a human. But com compared to an artillery piece, no, it's, it's, it's bullshit. 
Physical appearance. A bombardier beetles look like a cross between a huge black beetle and a gorilla. They are potent. They're partially bipedal with a pair of short, powerful legs. However, when running, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it doesn't say their exact height, but if you're going with gorilla, gorilla size. Let's go with gorilla size. Okay. And then we have the killer bees. Not so only the dogs or the bees or dogs with bees in their mouths. There you go. They're combat leaders and aerial specialists, but they possess a vicious streak, unusual even for bugs. It is common knowledge that the bugs are here purely to feed. For most bugs, the war against humanity is only because humans refuse to let them take the planet without a fight, making combat necessary. Killer bees, however, are different. They hunt and kill humans as both part of their job as defenders of bug towns and power centers and for the pure thrill of bloodletting. Oh, nice. So the psychopaths. Yes. Yes. That's what they do. That's all. They, 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 they kill and they eat. Other bugs eat and then kill. Their priorities are different. But what special power do they have? They have two bioenergy blasters. Fundamentally the same as the army and ability, but the killer bee has two articulated weapon stalks over its shoulders that house the blasters. These stock mounted shoulder blasters can move up and down an 180 degree firing arc and 220 degree swing of fire. They can also be positioned to shoot around or, or over walls and obstacles shooting blind without the killer bee showing its body. Superior range of 2000 feet. 5d6 from a standard blast, but it can also oh. fire twin simultaneous blasts for 1d6 times 10, which is the same as a bug bomb. Winged flight. Uh, it can fly uh, mighty wings, impossible to miss within 600 feet. It can be heard up to 2,000. The buzz can be heard up to 2,000 feet away. It has bio regeneration. It will regrow a wing, weapon stock, or appendage that is lost in combat. However, it takes 1d4 plus 4 weeks to regrow a stock. More to regrow a limb, and even more to regrow. Yeah, but a the limb fact that it can is bad. Uh, bonuses, yeah, whatever. Average lifespan thirty doesn't matter. They're, they're gonna outlive all the humans. <laughs> stink bug. I don't want no. There's a stink bug. The bug invasion is a two pronged offensive. The first dramatic and first notice was the outright capture of the global electric nervous system of hard lines and communication lanes, as well as the deactivation or capture of most of the world's military hardware. As devastating as this was, humans could fight it and had a reference for the conflict. It was not until a few years later after the meltdown that people began to understand the bugs were not just hijacking our technology or energy sources, but our very bodies as well. These bugs responsible for the insidious aspect of the war are reviled as stink bugs. They vaguely resemble praying mantis. They are not particularly well suited for direct combat themselves, but are perfectly evolved for mass pacification of humans. The stink bug is able to generate or lay what humans call the silkworm. That's the brain bug. The creature gets its name from the natural defense mechanism, a foul-smelling chemical spray that incapacitates opponents. It is not good in a fight, but it poops out brain bugs, which enslave humanity. I like and how it has it, an alignment. <laughs> and if it does get scared, it, it it poops. Oh, its alignment is what? A bear? Diabolic. Oh, diabolic. Oh, that makes sense. All right. Makes sense. Perfect. Perfectly fine. Uh, the lowest SDC of all the bugs so far, 50. Yeah, but the it lowest, has that natural defense. You don't want to fight it. Yeah. Normal, normal uh, natural AR is eight. Also much less, but still there. 
let's see what their superpowers are. Uh, climb and adhere to surfaces. I'm not going to read that. Let's just say Spider-Man. Chemical, Chemical attack. Nearly 40% of the stink bug's physiology is devoted to the production and storage of toxins that can be unleashed as a chemical spray. Mind-numbing gas. This is where the humans are taken to a detention facility and then these stink bugs blow out happy juice from their butts. You smell it and you become docile and happy and all that stuff. Stink spray. This is, uh, well, stink bomb. It's a stink bomb. Smells like a hundred rotten eggs all rolled into one. Yeah. Oh, I'm not having any flashbacks to that Monopoly game. No, it's fine. <laughs> Anesthetic spray. Incredibly potent and concentrated spray that will knock out humans and effectively anesthetize them for 1D4 hours. Hours. I think that's enough time to get a worm in your nose. Yep. And speaking of that, silkworm slash grub generation. Producing silkworms is the second part of the stink bug's purpose. The average stink bug can produce, wait for it, what? 2D6 times 50 silkworms every three months. Each silkworm is a small, wormy, or larva-like thing that can fit in the palm of a hand and goes in your nose. That's bad, right? Yeah, it's bad. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I'm in my happy place right now. And then there's the silkworms that, on their own, they're not really an enemy. It's just once they get in you, then you're done. Here's the deal. You have eight plus a random number of hours to get that silkworm out of your buddy's brain. That's how long you have. Do you do that? How do you do that? Like total recall style? Just put something up yeah. there and yank? Yeah. That, that's one way to go. The other way is like open brain surgery. You can get, you do that too. The thing is, even like a, a silkworm goes up your buddy's nose. He is on the operating table. Three seconds later, the doctor pulls him out. You still have damage from that. Here's what happens. Uh, here we go. Silkworm seizes control over its host in a matter of minutes. However, it takes approximately one a D8 plus one D an eight plus one D6 hours for the silkworm to completely destroy your host personality. If you take it out beforehand, <laughs> if removed in under four hours, the victim suffers no significant brain damage. Reduce IQ by one. That's, I think reduction is significant, but yeah, maybe me that's too. just me. Does yeah, he become me, a wacko? No. Oh. If removed four to eight hours after being implanted, reduce IQ, ME, and MA by 1D4 points, and the player can roll once with the result being the same for all attributes or roll each. That's super significant. And then double the penalties. 2d4 if removed after eight hours but before the end of that extra d6 physical or beauty may be reduced by one d4 character or just make a new character physical beauty may be reduced as well depending on the skill of the surgeon you know if you had to do open brain surgery and the doctor screwed up your sutures then you got this giant scar across your head <laughs> sucks but uh, eight plus 1d6 hours after the worm enters your brain, you're done. You are done. Personally, if you don't get it out of me within the first couple of hours, just shoot me in the brain. That'll so I have, two, I have two issues. Stay right here. I have two issues with this okay. worm. 
Number one, I think it should turn you into a wacko. And number two says natural AR of the worm itself four. That's everything in the game, Kevin. Yep. <laughs> That's every palladium game. Why is that line there? I don't, I don't know, know why it bothers me so much, but it bothers me. It, yeah, it bothers me too. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> yep. So uh yeah, the the bug thing, it pretty much you, you get you get a bug in them, you just you just shoot them. You just shoot them. Because who knows what kind of horrible pain and existential suffering that they're going through for the next eight hours. Who knows? It can't be great. Kill them. Kill them dead. And then there's the tier three. This is the commander, the lightning bug. There's still more bugs. This is this is the last one. The lightning bug is the, is the top tier commander. The toughest bugs of the swarm spending much of their time feeding, interfacing directly with large energy sources like the hearts of power plants and nuclear reactors. They are the only ones that can maintain pure energy conversion and function outside of a containment medium, which makes them very, very difficult to kill. They're the only bugs that can stay energy as long as they want. As long as you're energy, you cannot be harmed by any physical attack. Killing Does EMP work on that nonsense? No. Super bioenergy conversion, fundamentally the same as the army and ability, except unlike the bugs, you can function in energy form. However, fly strike out with their claws and fire their bio blasts and a suicide energy attack that does 1d4 times 1000 damage. What? Yeah, no, the, these bugs well, are never say do suicide. That. It's yeah, a suicide attack. Their, their bugs aren't going to do that. The, these are these are the presidents and prime ministers of bugs. They're not going to sacrifice their own life. They're going to sacrifice anyone else's first. The energy form can be maintained for a total of 1d4 times 10 plus 60 minutes per 24 hours. That's a lot. It's a lot of minutes. Uh, limited vulnerability when they're in energy form. Machine union, bioenergy flight. The lightning bug can hover and fly while in energy form at a speed of Mach 1. Maximum altitude of 20,000 feet. Bioenergy blasters. They only have one of them. That's here's the Here he is. Yeah, I don't know. I'd hit it. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> With what, a baseball bat? Yeah, there you go. Dimensional breach. This is how they got to our world. The most powerful yet least understood lightning bug ability appears to be its power to sense existing dimensional portals, look through them to other worlds, and travel. The only time several lightning bugs gather, five or more, is to use their combined dimensional abilities to open a dimensional portal to another world, typically at a leyline junction or a place of known magic. Uh, when the portal is open, they and all their bug legions, with the exception of silkworm zombies, in unison turn into energy and vanish through the portal. That's how they got here. That's how they got here. The lightning bugs, five of them gathered together, opened a portal, and a million bugs went through to our world, and then we died. I mean, we're going to die. That's how they win. Because they win. That's just it. Don't know the average lifespan. Doesn't matter. We're not going to live to see yeah. them die. So it's fine. <laughs> the average lifespan is until we shoot it. Basically, yes. Basically, yes. So that is it. Those are the OCCs and RCCs of system failure, RPG. And uh, they all make sense. You know, the, the human OCCs make sense. The, the psionic OCC does make sense because psionics not only is new in this society, but it was fast tracked through jugs and jugs through drugs and genetic manipulation. So I get it. I get it. I get it.
and the bugs are they're they're a little bit of i don't know uh two-dimensional i think not not a lot there no no layers to this onion but they're serviceable as enemies really the the best enemy in this in this game so far is the is the silkworm humans the human zombies they're they're the scariest what we got for comments all right uh yeah after the comments i've got a couple of thoughts uh okay on this uh should be like dead rain but with bugs that that's what the silkworms do basically i mean it it's it's not you know it's it's more like invasion of the body snatchers but you know with with bugs that don't have to take over your body uh world ended in 1999 he's dual wielding 56k this is for the, the, the <laughs> that's for the, the typo yeah, yeah yeah that's funny that's dual funny. wielding like 56k that. modems to summon bugs yeah that was funny that's good uh systems failures the b movie apocalypse dead rain is grim dark apocalypse that's actually you know maybe that, i'll make my fair. comment i'll make my comment now because i think that that hits the part of what i want to see if i wanted to play a, a serious conspiratorial game i would do something like call of cthulhu and if i want to homebrew it i could i could homebrew that into the future right sure if i want to play something a little more tongue-in-cheek paranoia i see this game as kind of the paranoia version of nightbane or... the bridge in between nightbane and paranoia would be systems better uh, and, and when I take it like that, very little of what you've said about this game bothers me. My normal reaction is to play a more serious style game. You, you, you've played with me enough. You know, you know how I'm. I don't like tongue in cheek games so much, although Paranoia is a weird exception to that. Um, I like games that, that are more down to earth, more serious. And in that regard, yeah, I, I'm not sold. But outside of that, like, hey, you know, this could be fun to play for a couple months while we're in between real games or... Or something like that. I, I could see myself playing this game, you know, on and off. But uh, the other thing is that I want to say about the psionics. It doesn't bother me because I'm used to Palladium books. I'm used to Kevin saying, game masters can say yes or no. Plus, it's written right in there. You can say yes or no. And having things that aren't balanced has never been an issue with Palladium. They've always got things that aren't balanced if you go strictly by the numbers. But it's a more cinematic style. So all of that together doesn't None of this game so far bothers me. It's my favorite, no. But none of it bothers me. Really, the only thing that does is the aspect of it being very similar to Splicers, that extreme, don't touch anything electronic ever! Uh, it's not quite as bad as Splicers, but th that's the one thing that irked me about Splicers, too. Um, I think uh, Silkworms see Psych as yummy snack. Is that Yeah, you know what? I would think so, too, but... It didn't say either way whether a a silkwormed psychic still retains his psionic powers. There's arguments both ways. There's argument both ways. Okay. Personally, um, I would say during the eight plus one d six hours, no, because the 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 resident consciousness still can be saved which means it's still there but after the resident consciousness has been devoured by the silkworm i would say yes now he has access to psychic abilities but that's just me any any game master could do it any other way or if it says somewhere in the book where i missed yes or no then you of course take that but i would adjudicate it like that 
Uh, I clicked. Click. There you go. A ton of manga. I forget what this is about now. I, I wish I knew, because now I can't uh, answer it properly. Yeah, maybe, maybe he'll post in chat. Uh, Max won't even let Silkworm bug humans into his town. Do you think he's letting a bug hybrid through the gates? Not a chance. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, that bug hybrid? Nope. Nope. You are only, the enemy. Only good bug know. is a dead bug. And you, you and you, your, your mama decided the only good bug was one I lay down with. So guess what? I'm going to kill you and your mama. Uh, you can be a whack job and stay in character. That's the point of the whack job. It's like, what's yeah, the, that's point the point of, of the this? whack job? You, you, you can be wacky and be playing the game properly. That that's that's the only that's the only bonus to being a wacko. So can sniffing glue or huffing gas stop the worm when it's put in your nose? You're already uh, you're already you're, pretty. You're, your pretty your brain's already gone. Yeah, you're anesthetized <laughs> anyway. Yeah, remember they anesthetize you before you get to this point. It's true. And uh, are you guys going to cover this paranoia game one day? I've actually got a video out there already on paranoia second edition from the from the Legion of Myth live stream. I did paranoia second edition. Okay, you, um, I need to find that. I'll put it in the same playlist. Because, uh, but with that said, as part of here, uh, have Max's crap giveaway when we hit five thousand. I'm giving away my mongoose version of it because I hate it. Uh, I don't like mongoose as a company, and it's what's it called? Like uh, paranoia uh, red box edition or something like that. I forget what it's called, but that'll be part of that giveaway. Okay. Uh, um, but we, I mean, it is something we could cover, but I th uh, let's check those two videos to make sure we wouldn't just be repeating that. And worst case scenario, I'll put it in. Uh, oops, I can't take that off the screen. Here, we'll put the super chat back up and now back down. All right. Um, okay. Yeah, that that's it for this one. That was kind of a long one, but that's because you had a twofer in there. You had bugs yep. and OCCs. So uh, right. like, subscribe, share. If you, if you like Heathen Nug's longer videos, and if you don't like his longer videos, like, subscribe and share because he's about to have a shorter one, I think. So we'll there check that out in just a moment. When he talks about adventure ideas. All right. One sec. But so, yeah, so some people have been watching some of those old vids. I'm getting more and more comments on them. I'm trying to, I'm trying to put up one old video per week uh in the youtube community section but you could always just go to uh the playlist or whatever it is the video page and just hit oldest first he did review yeah, well heathen dog used to do anime reviews yeah it's the only time where i can definitively say blood literally makes the grass grow because <laughs> the the amount of blood that the two main characters shed in that last fight literally revamped the earth and made it grow things which it couldn't do before that was crazy so so i'm not i'm not an anime fan but i remember that was on one of my licks i watched it in the early 90s that was uh one of them that i liked and i liked it because it was so fun somebody starts gushing blood shooting like how much blood do these people have how much of those bodies is that compressed in there is that why it's shooting so high because something isn't right here but it made me laugh so you're funny. already dead. I mean, they have so much blood coming out of them. It's it's like it's it's a uh, it's 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 held in uh, in containment like uh, like propane or hydrogen inside their bodies. You know, it's all shrunk down. So when the pressure's released, it comes out. It's seemingly endless stream forever. Yeah, it's like that. It's crazy. So uh, a little comment for uh, live stream watchers only. Violence tells everything had a pretty good comment on there. He says again, this is a great first book for the start of the series. For support, you advance the timeline. 
allow psionics to develop and new bugs to come through the dimensional rift. So you could expand, yeah, yeah. and you could do that on your own, just expand the game on sure. your own. Yeah. All right, there you go. Stand by. I can't see the one I want. It's not that one. Which one is it? Uh, you, uh, we use this one right there. Are you sure it's going to give me the thing too? Uh, you want that no, one? no, 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 no. Just hit present. Just leave it there and then hit present. You can present. It won't. It won't affect anything. Just click on the the. Oh, okay, okay. We'll do. I'll well, do well, that. Well, once the video starts, okay, <laughs> you'll be fine. I do it all the time. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, here we are. Last segment for systems failure. This is where we talk about adventure ideas. Now, the book has some ideas. I have some ideas. I'm going to give you both. And guess what? Your ideas mean more. You, you read this. You look at what you have. You can hodgepodge your own thing together or go a completely different way. It's fine. You can do that. In fact, I want you to do that. Take this in a different direction. See how it goes. You'll probably have a great time. The core values of hashtag RPGate and any good tabletop group are escapism, not representation, entertainment over activism, and natural organic inclusion, not forced diversity. Please follow that QR code or refer to the description below for the link to the charity we support, which is the Wounded Warrior Project. Thursdays and Saturdays, you can watch the Dirty Casuals on twitch.tv slash Legion of Myth. Fridays and Sundays, you can watch the Friday Night Chill Stream and RPG Digest on our YouTube and Rumble channels. Please leave us a comment with your thoughts and experiences, and if you like our gaming content, please be sure to subscribe to Legion of Myth. All right. So here we go. Uh, nope, it didn't actually do what I wanted you, it to you, do. You, you just, all you need to do is hit present like you normally all would. All I need to do is do that. Okay. So... Campaign adventure ideas and settings. First, I'm going to go over what the book suggests. And it's not bad. It's not bad for, you know, campaign. It depends on what your players want. The Great, Great American, American bug, bug hunt. <laughs> exactly. Hey, you know what? If you're all, if you're all splatter punks or, or wackos or whatever, you just go and kill. We're all dying anyway. Might as well take as many bugs with us as possible. I'm in if on that one. If that's the campaign you want, this is the campaign you get right here. For the last year or so, NORAD and numerous militias have finally declared the first major counteroffensive against the bugs. All over the country, humans are striking back and striking hard. Before long, any group of characters could find themselves either part of the hunt or in its crossfire. So, depending on how your, your uh, player group reacts, they could be part of the wave of resistance or part of the people keeping their freaking head down. It depends. But if, it, if your group's any fun, you're going to be part of the hunt in some way, shape, or form. Then we have the survivors. System failure is about surviving in a world gone mad, and in this campaign, it's the only goal. This is your walking dead type scenario where you're trying to survive. Just make it to the next day is an accomplishment enough for you. That's what it is. And if you want to have a... Uh, x-files monster of the week you know every every gaming session is its own little mini campaign beginning middle and end you can do that with a survivor setting today we need food 
today is an adventure going out to buy food. The tribes and tribulations involved with that and making it back home with the food. Next time, it'll be water. Next time, it'll be spare parts or batteries or whatever. Fallout Or style. a bug attack. You know, whatever. You can have an entire campaign easily months long with that premise in mind. Completely doable. That's not good. No. Yeah, grenades have much less effect on things that aren't on the ground. Your catch. That's the only thing I could think of. Yeah. And of course, they have no hands. So, yeah, probably not. Wait, those aren't hands? Those are kind of hand things. Those are claws. Claws. Then we have the search and rescue. This is if you're a more heroic, high-minded player group. Search and rescue. Regardless of who the heroes are aligned with themselves, a militia or NORAD, they have dove headfirst into the great American bug hunt and have no chance of looking back. Over the course of their exploits, they become aware of the millions of humans held prisoner by the bugs, many awaiting a millions? fate worth death. Yes. Oh. Millions, millions of people are in stadiums and the places like the Pentagon or anywhere where you can pen in thousands of people at a time and they're constantly gassed waiting for brain bugs it's it's a it's a it's a zombie assembly line basically and your job is to save these people from being brain bugged that's a noble goal that's your group's job in your organization fighting against the bugs this is your subset of of skills and and responsibilities that's what you do think of it very much like uh uh like the like the like the matrix pulling people out of the matrix you know you're taking away from the from the enemy's resources and adding to your own classic guerrilla warfare tactics make the enemy strength your own stuff like that that's what you do you find more people for the cause and the more people you have on your side keeping humanity alive and kicking is probably a good thing Uh, next we have we have ed, we have sample adventures okay dogs of war so far these campaign ideas have focused on relatively selfless heroic campaigns but <laughs> one of those characters in parties who don't feel like playing the part of a crusading free fight okay stop 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 come here come here come here that's right come a little closer i can't get any closer if you want to play a bad guy or you want to play a dick, play a bug. Oh, right. Systems failure, just like other Palladian games that come before it, Dead Rain, um, uh, the, uh, the other one with the, the, the Night Lords. Uh, Night Night- you either play a good guy or you play another game. All right. This is not valid. Don't don't do this. Well, I have a I have a caveat to that in in this game specifically. I do agree with you. That's how Palladium set up. This one could be a fun version. This could be a diversion game. You you could run it that way since it is a caricature game. Not that I would want to do that, but I, I could see. I I could see the potential in just kind of playing. We're gonna play uh, uh, post-apocalyptic gangsters. Okay, so again, look, looking at that picture is like another example of that. Again, that's yeah. definitely 
like that's, an over the top let's just have let's just play this Duke Nukem dude yeah let's just play it for all the fun that it's worth for a few sessions and then go do something you know else later so i i i'm not saying i disagree i think heathen dog's right in what the general premise should be but i i more so than those other games i think this one would allow you to play the the nonsense and you know and you could just move on after that right and all of all of those adventure you know uh, campaign ideas are valid even good they're all good but there are others that that you can you can think of that that uh, would fit just as well or better like something that max said earlier like uh you you are part of say norad and you're part of the psychic program only you're an experimental psychic maybe maybe you uh, you now have psychic powers equal to other sdc palladium games <laughs> which this one you're definitely not or, or uh, super serum type stuff where you, you can put in uh, aspects of heroes unlimited, the super soldier option to become a superhero and fight the bugs that way. That's doable too. As a matter of fact, I think this game system works really well merged into another system entirely. After the heroes unlimited will work. Uh, uh, ninjas and super spies it'll work um villains unlimited it'll work uh scrapers it'll work i can um, see this going into after the bomb as well the empire after humanity the messing up and any modern day sdc environment this premise and the bugs themselves and their powers will function very well Beyond the Supernatural, yes. Beyond the Supernatural will work. Now, the problem with Beyond the Supernatural and Nightbane and games like and and Dead Rain, games like that, they already have a functional and ingrained enemy built into the system. So I would stay away from that. Ninjas and Super Spies and Heroes Unlimited has that modern day setting, but no ingrained enemy. The bugs can slide right in. And you can fight bugs with with superpowers or super ninja skills or chi powers or whatever. You know, you won't be in as much of a deficit as you are playing the OCC's raw in, in this game. And you have to pick and choose. Are you going to go stop villain X or bug Y? Yeah. yeah. Or maybe maybe the villains are like, dude, we got to join together against these bugs. Let bygones be gone for a minute. And of course, you're going to have the few that are like, these bugs, I can control them. I'm going to be their Mac Daddy. Yeah. I mean, there, there's always the villain that has control over insects because that's a power. Yep. Maybe he has control of these bugs too. I don't know. But oh, that would be, that'd that, be, that would be awesome to have not full control, just partial control. So there's always some getting away. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can't control them specifically, but maybe you can direct them. There you go. Like, like move them like a whole bunch of lemmings, like move them this way. Like move drawing your way. finger across an ant trail. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, maybe you can do that. There's all kinds of adventure ideas that will work, especially cross system. Now, does that work at all? Obviously not. I told you games like Nightbane and games like Dead Rain that have ingrained enemies already built in, not not so functional. But, you know, Rifts technically works with everything. <laughs> but Rifts already has alien bugs trying to take over the planet. So it's just another another variety of that. 
Oh, you so, get the you know, the Zidisix or whatever they're called, fighting yeah. these bugs. Zidisix, and then you yeah. have Archie against the Mechanoids. Man, it's robot on robot, yeah, bug on bug. all <laughs> kinds of crap going on in Rifts already. You don't need this, all right? You don't need <laughs> it, all right? But I can imagine this in Palladium Fantasy. If you're running a Palladium Fantasy game and these bugs come in, they're they're eating electricity. Okay, you got to change that. Change it a little bit. Eating alter Leyline. a little bit. What do they eat? Magic. They eat magic. Yep. They eat natural PPE and Palladium World. Mm-mm, good. Mm-mm, good. Could be could be something like that. But they fit mostly in non-villain ingrained uh, current day settings. That's where they will fit into any Palladium setting. Those right there. So if you want to do that, you can do that too. So that that's it. The, the, the adventures are pretty easy. Usually ad- adventures for current day type things are easier because they're, they're easier for everyone to wrap their head around. Just the whole setting is less to the imagination. So you can use that imagination in, in, uh, in greater ways to augment a setting that everyone understands. So what do we have for chat? Just, just a couple. Okay. Uh, Amish really making it well in this game world. Well, yes and no. I mean, I, I get it. I get it. The Amish, the Amish uh, in the in the initial stages were basically unaffected. But after that, the bugs would go for anyone growing crops or or maintaining animals because that would that would increase a society that's not in their control. And the Amish wouldn't be able to fight off any bug because all they have is like gardening tools and axes and such. That's not going to work. I'm sorry. So, yeah. You could absolutely play bad guy, the bad guys from The Walking Dead in a game like this. I'm the governor. Yes. Yes. Negan's men. The, oh, there you the go. Saviors. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are just a, a whole gang that, that survives by looting several other settlements so that they aren't, they aren't looted badly enough to where they collapse but they're looted badly enough to where they can't fight back that's that's perfect if you want to play bad guys but if you want that i want you off my table because you're you're a real bad dude i don't want you around me does itself to a firefly style crew just trying to get by going from town to town running missions for cash so more yes. of a mercenary style yeah 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 no no that's I, that's exactly perfect you or one or two of your group are the freebooters you move from settlement to settlement, trading wares, you know, getting food, water, shelter, bullets, whatever, through your trade and money and all that stuff. Yeah, you can make a whole campaign about that. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Well, that's, that's all I had. So, okay. Like, subscribe, and share. Thank you very much. Uh, I don't know what you're covering next week. I don't know what I'm covering. Oh, no, I'm finishing up Coriolis next week. So, uh, uh, we'll. Find out what you're doing next week, but uh, stand by for some more overviews from Heathen Dog. All right. Now, this game sucks. All right. Now, <laughs> Wait, yeah, <laughs> let me get this set up while you're doing that. There you go. Okay. So, this game, the OCCs are pathetic. Absolutely pathetic compared to even the average OCCs of other uh, contemporary dated games. These OCCs suck. Absolutely worthless. The psionics, I don't even know why they bothered 
writing that the waste of ink alone is disgusting but you have a four percent four percent chance to being an actual palladium psychic normal powered sdc psychic four percent chance and then only with gm approval no no your only other option to be anything greater than a normal person is to be a bug genetic hybrid which is gross but there's that you can do that but the bugs absolute supremacy absolute supremacy they're gonna win the bugs are gonna win because the humans suck after reading this book i have to i i have to come to the conclusion that the humans have have less than one percent chance of winning they're just not good enough not good enough take away our technology almost anything in the natural world will beat us let alone giant bugs from outside our our existence so yeah we're dead this system the good guys are dead sooner or later they're dead so yeah you want you want to play a doomsday game where the end, the end result is all humans die this is your game yeah, I disagree slightly because I believe in the whole human spirit nonsense uh, stuff when it comes to games. But uh, like I said, the psychic stuff doesn't bother me because I don't care if a game's balanced or not. I have no problem telling somebody, no, you didn't roll the 96. It's it's like when we talk Palladium books or not Palladium, uh, uh, Heroes Unlimited. It's weird how every single person always rolls up PhD. Wow, funny how that happens. No, it's bullshit. Well, that, that's not the game's problem. That's the game master's problem. Well, right, but that's that's what I see here with the psychics. I, I don't have a problem with the psychics growing or not growing. I would probably just say no to the super psychic or not say no because you got a 4% chance if you get it, you kind of earned it. Why not go with it? And if the other players cry, they cry. I, I don't believe in the balance. A good game master will make the adventures viable for everybody. Yeah, you know? but the, my, my problem is if they have played if your game group, your they have played any other Palladium game, they're going to look at this and go, "What? Why would I want to do this?" And I get, I get that, I get it. I put I it, in, it, I seriously put it in the same category as Paranoia. I see that a, a lot. Fucking like, Ranger is better than 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 the than the best combat OCC in this in this game. A yeah, ranger, but, but again, it's it's movie tropes. At least that's the way I, I see know, it. It's movie tropes. It's a caricature. Now I know. If you don't want to play that, which typically I don't, then absolutely. Hey, let's play systems failure. Eh. But I think it is something that I could see myself doing for three to six months, one time, calling it a day, and then, okay, well, Heathen Dog's preparing for his real campaign or something, you know, or, you know, we're waiting for Garthon to finish, uh, to start his game. You, you see what I'm saying? Like, like I could see it in that vein. No, it is not a game I'd play long-term, but I, I don't have the heartburn with this that I had with Splicers because Splicers was so 100% black and white. Biology, not bad. Metal, always bad. No exception. At least here, you can try to avoid electricity or it's just dangerous, not instantly going to eat yeah. you. you know? this, one, this one is good on that vein. Michael says, bugs can't travel through Wi-Fi or fiber optics. Yeah use near field induction to power things and the bug travel abilities are neutered a bit in the ultra tech worlds okay there's a problem with near field induction because people can walk in between and die so there's a problem with that we haven't solved yet but the wi-fi and fiber optics that's valid because they require a physical no the, the wi-fi is valid they require a physical medium to actually travel 
as as energy, most of them, except for the tier three lightning bugs. But I believe there's an argument that fiber optics will work. Now, it's not electricity, it's light. But there is a converter at each end that converts electrical impulses to light pulses and then back to electrical. It's literally called a media converter. <laughs> yeah, it's literally called that. So is it possible that they could still go through fiber optics? Yes. Now, would I would I agree with a game master who said that? No, but I still know it's valid. I mean, you'd have to make some sort of end-to-end -end system. But here's the thing. This is what I'm talking about with that human ingenuity stuff. I bet you somebody does set up end-to-end fiber network. Mm -hmm. a, uh, but that would be something that you'd have to work on that would happen over time. That would be a game goal, so to speak. Yeah. And yeah. as far as like the induction, how many people actually know how to do that? No one knows how to do it safely, let alone just do but, it. But but I'm just saying, like even even like if you were to say that most of the scientists and most of the people were bugified, obviously there's the egghead OCC, but you know that's a high number. How many people know how to actually set that up? And even if the egghead knows how to diagram it out, does he know how to build it? Is he also an engineer on on the side of that? I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying that's that's outside. It's within the realm of possibility. It's not within the realm of plausibility, at least on mass scale. Here and uh, L says uh, Wi-Fi converts to RF on both ends. Here, here's the here's the thing about about networks. I didn't get into it, but uh, a bug that takes control of a computer on this end of a Wi-Fi network, and a bug that is in control of a computer on this part of a Wi-Fi network, they can communicate with each other perfectly. They can't travel through the air to the other system, but they can use the Wi-Fi signal to communicate. So, yeah, they, they, they can't transform themselves into an RF signal and then have them transform back. It doesn't work like that. So that's my argument against fiber optic as well. I wouldn't agree with that because... If they transform themselves into light, I say they die. Now, to you be know, fair, everything we're... Go ahead. Uh, unless you want to bring up, say, Star Trek transporters. They don't... Well, a lot of people not, say they die as well, and just a clone of them appears at the site, right? But functionally, they stop existing in one place and start existing in another. Their body was transformed in energy and then transformed back. Would would a would a, a Wi-Fi electricity to RF converter do the same thing? Theoretically, yes. Mm. But I think that would make the bugs too strong. Light is also that's photons. Electricity is something different. If you want to get exactly. all pedantic it's about the science, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's different. Your so mileage may vary in your table. Just be exactly. clear. No, just be uh, reasonable and fair and consistent across the board. Yes, and then you're fine. And then you're fine. All right, for segment three today, this is a long episode today. Wow. Uh, we're going to hopefully go through these comments somewhat quickly, but we have a couple that I know one needs to be addressed right away. Uh, also, if Heathen Dog can send the link out while I'm doing this, we'll talk to the folks uh, in our chat. If you call in with the link, make sure you check your audio and surroundings. One question or comment. I'm going to be really anal about this today. You're going to get your comment, your question, whatever. We'll respond. You'll get a follow-up, and then you're out. We don't have time for dilly-dallying. So, but, uh, but come on in and talk to us. It's like radio uh, show call-in. Heathen uh, Dog said that I will post that over here on, uh, on Rumble, and we will uh, see who we have calling in. And 
Sigma three thing up. I will do the present present. Boop, boop. And right there. Okay. All right, starting off here, off Patriotic Assault, thank you very much for the uh, $10. Uh, super thanks for the Friday night show. Oh, I'm sorry, the rando stream. It was a great rando stream this last Friday. Good panel of guests. A lot of good conversation. In fact, I had a lot of people, or I had a bunch of people send me messages saying, hey, that was one of the best ones that they saw. So sweet. I'm happy about that. So thank you. Thank you. I should probably do a real response to him since he paid, but I'll have to do that later. We're, we're in a time crunch now. Uh, I read that thought. This is the one that I want to address. I know this is not one of ours, but I already okay. warned Heathen Dog about this. Uh, that I want to address, and I Zoom did in a take... little bit. What's that? Zoom in as much as you can. I, yeah, the problem is, is the the header here for YouTube. Uh, give me just one moment. I think I lost. Of course, I did. Well, I had notes because I, I wanted to make sure I said this somewhat clear and concise. So anyway, you, let, let me read this first and then I'll let Heathen Dog respond first and then I'll do my response uh, after okay. that. Uh, using the material within this video to put an exclamation point on argument I presented in a different comment section on a different LM video months ago. Now, to be fair, Aaron the Relentless is, uh, is a guy that hangs out with Aaron the Pedantic. Uh, we like Aaron the Pedantic, although we don't really talk to him much anymore. Uh, he left, YouTube came back. But Aaron is one of those people that uh, I, and I'm talking about Aaron the Relentless here, is somebody that... I agree with strongly 50% of the time, and I disagree strongly with them 50% of the time. So uh, right now, uh, this is going to be the disagree. A nerdy ogre, you're going to stand by until this is done. So please be patient. But uh, a couple of hours into this video, there's a discussion that 5e players simply don't do tactics, risk, etc. Don't do any of the war game progenitor aspects of D&D. I think that's a mis misnomer myself, but okay. It's representation, at least. Yeah. Uh, I mean, somebody may have said that, but for me, that's, uh, I, I don't, yeah, anyway. Uh, this is what a prevalence of theater of the mind play gets you, Max. No. <laughs> uh, I know it's your preferred style, as you say that in the video, and having videos in the past, absolutely it is. But having it the core style current D&D brings to some degree the consequences we're seeing. I don't necessarily disagree with that. No, it's not as bad as the prevalence of wokeness, but I'm kind of tired of talking about that. This is why it shouldn't be supported. No! And mini figs play should still be the default. Again, no. This is why I say no minis, no mat, not D&D. You're 100% wrong. Because giving that inch grants this particular mile. He's not wrong in that part, though. But the problem is he's being absolutist about this, okay? Which is cool, because we do the same thing. Uh, it's just the first of many steps on the road to what is now considered modern D&D. In this regard, 4E is the best... Oh, Jesus. He's going to make me say this out loud? Yeah. 4E is the best of the Watsi editions, not even... No, it's not D&D for an entirely different, completely obvious reason, because there are no spellcasting classes, nor are there really any spellcasting, huh? Nor are there really any spellcasting classes. In that game, you just play very intricately designed chess pieces, but that's another discussion entirely, which actually, to me, is part of the full discussion. Anywho, mm -hmm. well, I'm getting my notes back because I want to make this as clear and concise as possible, but I have a couple points. I really have to make sure I get it. I'm going to let Heathen Dog go first on this one. Okay, so scroll up, like, scroll up the beginning of that. Oops. Uh, dang it. Down there to uh, do that. Scroll up to the beginning. Using the material within this video, put it, is that where you want? No, uh, read more. Uh, scroll, uh, read more. Okay, uh, the only war game, war game progenitor aspects, uh, tactics, risks, etc. Okay, yes. I, I firmly believe that people who play 5e don't do tactics or risk assessment because there's far less risk of dying in 5e than in previous editions. 
Got it. I mean, you, you have to die basically three three times in the same minute to actually die. In some cases, someone just says, hey, hey, you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. And you bounce back up. That can happen sometimes. It's crazy. So there isn't risk. So why think about it? I mean, only in the most dire of accidents will you actually not be okay. So, yeah, they don't do that. Now, the whole what is a prevalence of the, the prevalence of theater of the mind and the whole uh, the whole idea that uh, minis are necessary. Or even why? preferable. Per, even preferable. Why? Why do people need to know? precisely and and see with their with their eyeballs exactly what's going on all over a battlefield at every second of the combat number one that's not that's not what happens in combat and number two you can't explain that in the game why they have such perfect information well because it's just a game heathen doug it's just a game you're playing a game yeah but the thing is if you have access to perfect information now you're playing checkers and chess that that's what makes it a board game. You want to play a board game. If you want to play exclusively with minis and mats and all that stuff, you you want to play fantasy chess or fantasy checkers. I mean, the years ago in the early 90s they they had a Star Wars chess. Go go play that. Go play that now. If you're not imagining anything, you're not role playing anything, you're just playing a tactics game. Go go play Warhammer. Go play Warhammer. That's that's for you. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm not I'm not saying you're bad for no man. Warhammer's fun. Go play it. But if you're if you take a role playing game and make it exclusively only you must play it on a board with pieces, you have turned that role playing game into a tabletop game. Not a tabletop role playing game, a tabletop game. Okay, now I'm playing. Uh, shoots and ladders version, <laughs> ver- version seven, also called systems failure. You know, you can do that. <laughs> no, I, can, I do can that. tell you, that in my experience, Heathen Dog uses maps even less than I do. It's true. I, I, I'm the one that harps on it all the time. He uses them even less than me. <laughs> I will try three times to explain the scene, to to describe the scene, and if someone still doesn't get it, I'll be like retard and then i'll draw it out but i'm gonna be mad at you and you're not gonna get as much experience because you because you're you're too dumb to to picture this in your head is that is that mean yeah yeah it is so i'm okay with it i'm live with it what's what's next what's next Uh, oh okay uh some degree Uh, consequences uh no not as bad prevalence of weakness but many things play should still be the default but you already answered that still still be the default still 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 well okay so it was never the default after what advanced dungeons dragons well to to be fair it it came from war gaming from that doesn't mean it is war gaming it came from from right so there were a lot of people who still played and play a d and I don't know anybody who did second edition that way. To be fair, no, I don't know anyone who did who did second <laughs> edition. I don't even know first, someone who yes. did first edition that way, but first someone did. might, and I get it. But going back to the default, which it never was supposed to be the default. It was supposed to be an evolution from a a matted war game to a role playing game. You want to devolve back into that? 
de-evolution never never works out. Okay? It never works. So lose that idea. That's just dumb. No minis, no mat, not D&D. No minis, no mat, not space chess. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. You're no longer playing a themed chess or checkers game. But if you require a mat, that's exactly what you're doing. It, it, it's now a board game. You're playing a board game. Congratulations. You, you've ruined the role-playing game by turning it into a board game. Well, so, so here's the thing. And then there's a video where you and I talk about what is role-playing. And you and I actually disagreed to some degree on this one. It wasn't a big disagreement, but it was a little bit of disagreement. Because you're adamant about, this is not role-playing. Where I'll say, it is role-playing, it's just not good role-playing. Like, mm. having your mini on the board and moving it from here to here, as long as you're that character, you're playing that role, that's how vague it's allowed to be, you're technically role-playing. It's just it's just not good role-playing. So, And that part, we'll, we'll disagree a little bit, but I conceptually, I still agree with you. Because right here, he says, um, but giving uh, because giving that inch grants this particular mile, I do see that. I see what he's saying there, but that's when a good game master comes in and says, learn to effing role-play. Play your character, not your character sheet. Okay, let's let's move on from this because. Uh, well, I have I have my whole thing. I have to go ahead and bring a nerdy ogre, and I'll do yeah, my because we'll he's been waiting. But I've got my response. I have to bring to this. So. Okay, sorry, nerdy ogre. I wanted I wanted to bring you in here. Uh, oh no, that, that, that's fine. Uh, yeah, but, uh, Max Max has to has to go on a tirade. So if you have, you smoke him if you got him. <laughs> well, uh, um, you you didn't touch on the um, on the I, I think you're overstating the uh, um technology the electricity the bugs ability to travel because uh, you're saying you're, you're you're saying that you know mankind's lost because you know you've taken away the technology well no haven't taken it away it's still there uh, back in the back of the book there's uh organic technology you know because yeah. mankind has developed the bug motels and, and, yeah and, yeah uh, well, no, not even splicers. Splicers. I'm, I'm not even talking about the, uh, the the um the, the the genetic messing around with genetics i'm just talking uh, you know bug motels they've got them where they trap in you know they lure in the bugs the bugs ooh you know juicy text nope they check in but they don't check out no that that that's fair i just don't think that any of the strategies that they have are are winning i don't i don't think any of them is a winning strategy i haven't seen it i don't think i'm gonna Man. i think the humans are just dead well, just you're gonna, they're gonna take a long time to die, but they're gonna die. I mean, well, th no, think about it. Think about it. Best, worst case scenario, worst case scenario. Uh, the bugs obliterate all free humans. The only humans that are left are are bug brained, and they're they're uh, they're repairing the infrastructure, making sure the the spice flows right. And right. then after after all the natural resources are gone, and the electricity is running out. They're going to jump to somewhere else. And humanity is dead because the bugs are bugs. You know, the bug brain people are left behind. Well, yeah, that's worst case scenario. But but most likely scenario is this. The humans survive. Free humans survive. They can't win. They can't overthrow the bugs, but they survive long enough for the bugs to use up all the natural resources and leave. Or develop some sort of weird science that yeah. we're still fucked because now we're left in a world with no more wood, no more coal, 
no more oil because the bugs bugs turned it all into electricity and shot it into their veins like the fucking crackheads they are and it's over and we didn't have all the time to to uh to research the renewable options because we were too busy trying to stay the fuck alive and we're all we're all three generations from death or 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 three generations from such a degeneracy in society that we're now hunter gatherers again well, right. that, this can't be a back and forth. So go go ahead. This is last. This is no. This is this is the last thing. you're wrong. But but before you leave, I I I will say that your argument does have merit. They 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 do have ideas that work in the in the local area, but from there it could be stepping stones to create new plans that work in a more global structure and may actually win a war against the bugs you're right that is possible that is entirely possible but that's up to the game master to do the 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 game itself di didn't give any 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 win scenarios for humans at all didn't give any wins the idea of a win is supported everywhere but there is no we have a plan this will work or it might work no they don't even have that they don't have a plan to win the war so, well, I mean, I that's the trademark with all Palladium games. They don't have a, in, in none of the Palladium games, there, there, there is no uh, winning, human winning scenario. That's, you know, up to the game master and the players. That, the, that is that's, fair. That, that is that, fair. That's on par with Palladium games. That, that is a fair assessment. I'll, I'll give you that one all day. All right. I just, but yeah, <laughs> look in the back for the uh, um, organic technology. They have, they are developing, they have developed you know, technologies to, to create to create, you know, electricity energy and, and uh, to, to fight the bugs. And it's not, it's not the, the, it's, it's not the spicers, the, the genetic way it's, it's through, you know, technology, actual technology. All right. Well, so, thank yeah. you for a nerdy ogre. <laughs> so, thank you. Uh, have a good one. All right. Uh, Sorry, I knew that was going to keep going on. So. It was, it was. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, uh, yeah the whole, the whole uh, creating organic technology is great for NORAD and a couple of places in the world, but there's no way to mass produce that to enough levels to where it's going to win the war uh, in, in any hundred years. So, yeah. But it is effective. He's right. So back on this one here, because I definitely wanted to address that, uh, this, uh, I'm going to focus on one aspect of it, and that's this one right here. Uh, discussion that 5e players simply don't do tactics, don't do any of the war game uh, progenitor aspects of D&D. &D. And this is what a prevalence of theater mind play gets you, Max. So this is where I'm going to focus. And this is where you're wrong, Aaron. So here's piss-poor role-playing. Uh, my character can walk six squares and, and run 12 squares. Uh, minus one for going over the fence uh, and half movement rate for the hedgerow over there. So uh, I can move nine squares. So that should put them right on the other side. If that's how you play at your table, that's piss poor role playing. Not saying it's not role playing. I'm saying it's piss poor role playing. If you enjoy it, have fun with it, do it, continue to have fun, play the games how you want to play. That's not going to be allowed at my table. And that's crap. To me, that's crap. And I'm sure somebody in comments, I can't see the comments right now, but I'm so sure somebody's putting their, oh, Max turn into Shauner. Well, Shauner actually has a lot of things right. Unfortunately, he's way too puritanical about it. So here's something better. He also, he also looks like he eats souls and hasn't had a meal in a while. 
<laughs> maybe okay uh so here here's better role playing i'm not saying it's great i'm just saying it's better to move this along it's like uh i can't move forward so i'm gonna i'm gonna roll over this low fence as flatly as i possibly can to get to the other side when i get there i'm gonna raise my smg because i got to defend myself because uh, i think there might be some enemy there and i'm gonna crouch and i'm gonna start running towards the hedgerow uh, i hope to get to the other side of it and then from there, the game master says, so somebody like me, because I don't do exact measurements, exact squares, because that's nonsense. You don't know exactly how far you can get through that turn. If you're jogging, running, you know, stopping to look a different direction or whatever, tripping over a rock, whatever it happens to be, you don't know that exact movement. I'll say, you know what? Roll me an agility check. Because that's right on the edge of where you think you should be able to go. And you know, like, maybe you do make it, maybe you don't make it. It adds much more intensity to this. So yeah, and. You know, and uh, on on that vein, uh, it's it's the difference between a role playing game and a tabletop game. Perfect information in a role playing game, you you as the your character does not have perfect information of the environment. Just like you said, you think you can make it, but you can't be sure. Whereas in a in a in a you know a board game, you have perfect information. You know whether you can make it or not. You know how many squares you can move. You know exactly what happens to you in the environment. That's not role playing. That's 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 playing chess. And even if you know, well, every square is five feet. Great. I, again, I don't care. I am not going to tell you the size of the room. Exactly. No, I, I cannot. I cannot perfectly determine what's five feet away from me. I, I can't. Hope, I hope I can neither do that can pretty closely. But yeah, like, yeah, but a hundred. Can sure, you can't. Yeah, but you know there are spells and technology, depending on what game you play, that markers could and yeah. information, but only in your line of sight or field of view or whatever, not over the entire, you know, the the entire skirmish or battle or or whatever. Right. This is why when I was in the military, we used ranged markers because we didn't know exactly what a hundred feet was. Hey, that big tree over there, that's 80, 80 meters away. Great. That uh, that building that you see over there, that's one hundred and fifty meters away. We had range markers because we yep. didn't know exactly how far. Hey, can you run from this DFP to that DFP? Probably, but I don't know. If all of a sudden I splash into the mud, I fall down, uh, bullets are flying over me, so I have to crunch down, you know, whatever, that changes your movement. And I'm not going to go just, but what the book says, but no, that slows things down. Now, uh, ultimately, what I was saying keeps the situation more fluid, more realistic, more narrative, while still remembering it is a game. We rolled the dice. We checked to see if you could get there. Now, we often bust Condor DM's balls for his nonsense, right? Sorry, violence, but I'm mentioning his name. Uh, but one thing he's absolutely correct about is the superiority of theater of the mind. <laughs> Shauner gets way too puritanical about it, and he has this weird idea that RPGs should be movies. But conceptually, or should I say philosophically, He's on the correct path. Takes it to a crazy extreme, though. I would never play in Bruce's game. Bruce Lombardo. I'd never play in his game. At least not the way he uh, runs it online, his Pathfinder game online. Uh, there's next to no interactive role-playing. Are they role-playing? Technically, yes. Yes, they are. And I would even stand up against Heathen Dog. Heathen Dog's like, no, no, they're not. I, they're technically role-playing. Are they having fun? Sure, it looks like it. So they're free to play however they want, even if it is an inferior way to play. I'm going there today because uh, it is role playing. GM's Alcove, on the other hand, can take a horrible game like Pathfinder 2 and allow people like me to actually role play in the game. 
being tactical without mentioning squares or number of actions. Watch them. They're on the video. He's got me recorded playing that game. And I don't go into that stuff. For my first action, I move five feet. No, I play fluidly. Uh, I mean, this doesn't mean that... Uh, now, this doesn't mean that game concepts are never, ever, ever mentioned. That's stupid. Uh, again, Shauner's too puritanical about it. There are times when the game aspects have to come up. Watch Heathen Dogs Call a Cthulhu game. He's got it online there. He could probably send you a link to it. Watch RPG is Dumb when he ran us in the Rifts games. Those Both of those games are much superior to Bruce's game. At least for my style of play. For the theater of the mind style of play. It absolutely is. And it's much superior to play than anything a battle map can provide. Now, with that said, I do use maps in my game. More so than, am I still below you? I can't see you. So I hope I'm still yeah. below. Um, I, don't, I don't use battle maps, though. Battle maps are training wheels for people who have not developed the skill to make reasonable and fair rulings, narrate a situation effectively, or who still believe that RPGs are nothing more than single-unit war games. The hobby's moved on from that. Now, if you still play it that style, that's your business, and you can do that. I hope you're having fun with it. I Like I said, Bruce's people have fun in those games. Aaron, you probably have fun in your games as well. I get that. But it is definitely, you can keep that stuff back in 1974. I, I don't want that today, okay? If that's the way you play your game, it's fine. It is role-playing. I stand beside you saying it is role-playing. It's just piss-poor role-playing. If you're having fun, keep doing it. Uh, um, and ultimately, I expect a bit more from my role-playing sessions, which includes interactive role-playing. It also means being in the headspace of your character. Uh, it's not just minis on a table counting squares. The fog of war is real, and I'm going to make that real for you. This is one of the reasons, I'm going to say this as well, Palladium is superior to Dungeons & Dragons. While it does have actions and it does have time frames, it is, way, it is much more cinematic and isn't a square-by-square square move. When we did Earthdawn, technically we could have done uh, hexes. Did I ever, well, I, may, I actually did bring out the hex board a couple of times, but I, did we ever count hexes in the game? No, you could move a certain number of yards. That's what we went with. And sometimes you got exactly on that number. Sometimes you went a little short. Sometimes I'll let you go long. If you're sprinting, I'm going to slide into home base. Maybe you get that. Roll your agility. Or in that game, dexterity. But you get what I'm saying. So, yeah. The exacting nature of some of these games is too gamified for it's, me. It's detrimental to role-playing. The, yeah. the, the more specific you become on a table, the the uh the less the less uh, your imagination is going to let you do amazing things yeah you play you, you a character sheet instead of a character exactly you play a character sheet instead of a character then then all of the surprises are gone you know all of the all of the wonderful things that can happen all the all the all the happy accidents that, that happen when when people do dumb shit or push themselves are gone because your game is just numbers that's not fun and uh, I want to take this comment here. I didn't read all the comments, but this one, I, I quickly disagree with this comment in some aspect of it. I never ran into this until third edition. Yep. Yep. When, and, when Watsy got a hold of, got, got their, got their little, little penises into, into D and D they, they ruined it. And as they most of you it. know, and heathen dog to some degree, this is him as well, but I played all over the world. And I've said it on the Friday chill stream a few times where it's like, I feel very lucky that I played all over the world and almost always found people that role play like me. It's only been since I've been online that I found out that we might be in the minority on that. But 
great. You know, the group you know, he was in with Andrews wasn't my first group from the Air Force. That was in uh, what state was that in? Uh, Maryland. Maryland. Uh, you, you know, your New first Mexico group was in Kunsan, right? And uh... no, my first group, well, first Air Force group was yeah. in Kirtland. Actually, oh, my first Kirtland. Air Force group was when I got in trouble at Lowry Air Force Base because we were playing D&D the day that I got my Article 15. Oh, so, nice. uh, Patriotic Gestalt puts $10 in here. Appreciate that page. And I said thank, thank you to you before, um, if you can, but I'll put it up here again. Thank you for the super chat there, or super thanks there. Really, really appreciate that. You've been a good supporter of us. Thank you. So let's so let's move on to things that are relevant. Oh, did you go ahead and take that off? I, I think we clicked at the same time. Um, Halsen, thank you for these comments. I'll try to get Heathen Dog or I to comment on some of them. Like, I don't even know what this is. What is this? <laughs> but, uh, uh, I in, but, but I do appreciate it. There's Conan. Okay, Coriolis, this was last week. I agree with Patriarch. Oh, look at that. You need to organize a live game to demonstrate the mechanics. No, I'm not going to do that. But what I will do for you next year is a bunch of people did ask for example uh space combat just like i did the example uh ground we'll call ground combat i will do something like that next year okay when we get into 2024 i will i will do some example combat uh space combats for coriolis uh from lack of advice in the entire yeah this is where actually i agreed with them i agreed with them completely it's like yeah i agree with them. and then i was like no i don't agree with you and uh this but this is what makes the hobby fun this is what makes people in the hobby interesting to talk to is you learn different things uh we cover systems failure and splices at some point well hey interesting about that huh i said we covered splices here and there you go you're covering system failure today uh so i usually don't comment on these where are the ones from last week? There, oh, oh. Still playing Rift to this day. Managed to get almost every book. Nice. Yeah. I'll give you a little clicky click there. Uh, Nerdy Ogre, New, New West. Do you really want to see? Fine. <laughs> I am. A, okay. Did I, did I do that in the game? I am a board. I'm digging a hole. <laughs> it's the diggy diggy hole song. Oh, diggy diggy hole song. Okay. Uh, did one of us actually do that? Uh, Anyway, we'll get to that comment later. Call of Cthulhu, this one's for you. Here we go. I'm enjoying these Call of Cthulhu archetypes. There's never enough Call of Cthulhu and BRP. I don't know what BRP is, material on YouTube. What's BRP? I, I, I immediately don't know. It's not Delta Green. No. Uh, it's not Beyond the Supernatural. I don't know what Delta no. what, what that is. But Chris is probably watching right now, and he can... Yeah. Uh, Tell us. Oh, basic role playing. Oh, oh, yeah, I did that too. Yeah, I did that in the Legion Myth live stream. Yeah, long time ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kevin, uh, Kevin got it. Ba basic role play. Yep. Yeah, that's where I saw. I can barely see the text up there. It's so oh, big. okay. Uh, how how did Juicer stack up against Bane from Batman? Is he just standard Juicer, or would he be considered a better, worse version? Uh, the the comic book version of Bane is a Juicer. The movie version of Bane is just a steroid pump freak that's it but a, a, a juicer would ruin the movie version of bane a juicer and the comic version of bane uh would be would be on would be it'd be a fight i mean the 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 juicer would be faster but bane would be stronger so if, if bane got the first hit in he might win if the juicer was able to sever the cord then the juicer would win Uh, I'll get back to that. Crap, I can't. Uh, comment response video when it hits YouTube. Hopefully I spelled most of that right. Uh, now where are we? 
Patriotic Assault with another $5 there. Thank you very much Thank again. You. Any plans to broadcast? Okay, not an actual play, but... But 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 the the uh, the step by steps of how to do space combat, I have no problem doing that. I mean, I mean, I could Heathen Nugget, I could probably simulate something that's close to an actual play. But uh, I, I every time I think about it, you just cannot convince me to run a game online. You just can't convince me to do it. Play one, I suffer through, but run one, it's just not my style. But how tos? We're gonna do a lot of how tos next year. So section of the book has a lot of FTL faster than life. I really. I mean, I played that game. I, I, I guess because you're jumping from one system to the next, you don't know necessarily what you're going to... You know, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Do you play FTL at all? No. Okay. I don't think you'd like the RNG of it. Uh, more riffs. Sorry, but uh, we got to stick on our... Uh, space comic can be really fun. This is Ron Neobody. He's commenting a lot of our Free League stuff, and I appreciate that. I'm glad that there are people who are happy... If not with our coverage of it, but at least happy with the with the free league stuff. Ran a game where the PCs boarded the enemy ship after several turns of mostly missed attacks. Oh, you have my Coriolis dice. Uh, fought the way to the reactor, planted a breaching charge, and then fought to escape the enemy ship before it blew up. That sounds like a perfect boarding scenario, doesn't it? You? Other than yeah. trying to well, take over I the would ship. Say, yeah, I, I would want to take the ship rather than blow it up. But barring that, yeah, that's that's uh, that's plan two. Plan plan B. Plan B. I got it. It's the big bright orange book, so it's got to be. This is the prelude to look at that big bright orange. Oh yeah, that's crazy. That's what happens when you sit in the sun. Um, the last voyage of the Ghazali. This is like the prelude into Mercy of the Icons uh, story. And uh, yeah, you'll be boarding a mad ship. You'll be boarding a Vent Horizon. Oh, <laughs> good no. luck with that. <laughs> I don't want that. Oh, this is for you. Call of Cthulhu. Okay. Yeah, this sounds similar. Oh my God, this sounds similar to a type of NPC that I use as a GM in other games. I call the Fixer. I think we all know what that is, but he's the guy with the knowledge, connections, and insight to get things done. Unfortunately, he's expensive and not always available. This is for yep. which concept is that? The scholar. It's for the for the problem solver. Problem solver. Okay. Yeah. Which I get. The a, a Fixer is is usually someone who can get you things or take your things which you have may have gotten legally or illegally and distribute them and get you money. That's usually what a fixer does. A problem solver doesn't deal in things. He deals in ideas and actions. So it's the same concept, but different impl implementation. Oh, uh, I, I do picture. Oh, remember uh, questions for, um, Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to party buying a ship and how old is it? Oh, three days. Okay. When it comes to a party buying a ship, sci-fi game, not in perfect shape means less expensive <laughs> and smart players take ship repair and operation skills to crew the ship on top of whatever your primary role is. Keaton dog talked about this in one of the palladium system. You need a stick and background skills. Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with this generally at the same time, when you're building the ship to start the game, you use the core money. You're not buying, you're not role-playing buying. You could, but you... Yeah, I mean, for for example, I mean, uh, if, if you as the game master make 10 ships and say, okay, this is it. You can either choose to use your starting credits to build your own ship, but you will pay full price and you will have, you will, it will be fully financed, which means you're going to owe basically almost the entire total, whatever. Or you can buy used cheaper but you must choose from these ships i've created go yeah. i would do that that might be fun yeah it's your game absolutely yeah. you could do that yeah 
Uh, just remember, the game sets sets it up simplistically so that you can get into it. But uh, yeah. as the game master, you got all you types of options. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. Uh, Kevin here says Heathen Dog Spartan up. Also Heathen Dog. That sounds dangerous. <laughs> Dude, that, that, that's true. Yeah, I said Spartan up. That doesn't mean I'm a Spartan. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, hey, sound you to Spartan up. <laughs> You're the Spartan, not me. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm a cheerleader on that. <laughs> you go. Yay. You can do so, it. Kevin here also says building ships GURPS three space is a chore. Balancing all the components in your ship to stay underweight and volume against cost. In 4E, they simplified the vehicle design so if you want to create a spaceship, you pick the mass volume that tells you how many... Oh my god, how long is this? Because uh, this is a GURPS... Uh, uh, tells you what you can put in, what yeah. you need to put in. Bridge module, cargo, crew quarters, yeah. Yeah, engine module. Uh, the cost of your components. I'm not looking at the spaceship book this very moment. Lazy Tiger, don't get your... Uh, no, no, I, I, okay, so he's t saying that, okay, that GURPS has, has, a, has its own construction as well, and you get to pay attention to components. I mean, to be honest, so does Hero System. Hero System, you know, using the same point values you used to with, like, uh, uh, Champions, has right, ship right. construction as well. I never got long and laborious, and, and he says that in 4E, they streamline the shipbuilding process to make it easier and uh, faster. Look, okay, that's great. I love it. I I don't mind point build point style games like Bessem, Hero System, GURPS. If the if the all the effort is up front, that doesn't bother me to spend a couple hours to build a ship. What bothers me is if I have to spend a couple hours to build a ship, and I'm looking at you, Battle Lords of the 23rd Century, and then I have to spend a couple hours trying to fix the ship, and then a couple hours trying to figure out how much it costs to put the thing back on the ship to rearm it. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, and talk about upgrading the ship. I'll oh, get out. Yeah, right. Get out. So. When it comes uh, when it comes top trade there are skills or talents for getting better deal yes you can use uh, any of the social uh was it manipulation what is it in that game culture i forget what it is in coriolis off the top of my head but it's the typical manipulation skill in the year zero engine that you can use for that yes uh but not to start if that's what you're asking you're in debt for a reason so but after that fact yeah buying and selling if you especially if you guys want to go the merchant route there's an entire template for going the merchant route so i think i feel here's the thing that i'm like i don't know how heathen dog sees this but i'm always looking at the player's angle and the angle that i see kevin trying to do here is always trying to i want i want a cheaper deal on the start no <laughs> okay no you're you're getting screwed on the start now after that it can all work in your bed it can all fall into place for you it, it can all come up kevin but in the beginning no it all it all comes up how someone always wins yes uh and that's an older one thank you house oh no it's not an older one because love this book for all the dog boy info you get yeah every, people people love dog boys and i don't i don't get it because you know i don't like anything that is human and not it causes nightmares and i want to murder it but uh they like it okay I stand corrected. Kevin says he wasn't trying to say to get deeper. Uh, again, I don't trust players. He openly yeah. says it. I don't say it as often. I openly say it. But yeah. I, I'm always like, what angle are you going for in this one? <laughs> the only thing you can trust a player to do is to ruin your story. That's <laughs> so, the only thing you can trust a player for. I don't worry about that. So it kind of sounds like min-maxing to me. What is this about? How oh, dare you say? Uh, what was this yeah. about? Oh, the, uh, the, the whole concepts in general and, and saying uh, these are important stats, these are unimportant stats, and the, the kinds of skills you should get. 
if you want to call it min maxing, then you have to, you have to, I have to talk about, you must always go the extremes, Yeah, which is not true. I didn't say that at all. I didn't even hint at that anywhere in this whole thing. You should have these skills. And say you have to have these skills. You have to have precisely these skills. You should have these kinds of skills. If well, there's there certain things concept. that if you're playing a fighter type, you should probably know how to fight, right? If yeah, you're, play, you if you're playing fight. in, but you know, you don't have to fight in a certain way that that makes the most sense, that hits the most, does the most damage overall, is the does the most DPS. No, screw you, get out of here. No, pick a lane, do what feels right, go with it. Go forward. Dog boys are the bestest boys. Okay. Well, Crafty would agree with that too. Uh, oh, hey, Halcyon watched your Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. See, I, we were talking about before, he's run Call of Cthulhu. If you've stayed watching this long, there you go. You can see it right there. I, I can't slide this out here. Let me zoom out though. I'll zoom out. There's Shroom Fellas live play, part one of three. And you even responded back. So that's what you can look it up on our, uh, in our YouTube channel. YouTube playlist. And I would tell you that as much as Heathen Dog can piss people off with this concept of railroading and the whole story is so forth, and yes, even me, I don't agree with him on that. I have been in his games, not that one, but I've been in his games, and they are fun. So I would say that his games are more fun than anything that anybody's ever done by pulling out a battle map. And I'm not saying that to be snarky, I'm saying that to be serious. So... Uh, oh yeah, this he... is uh, yeah. Push their rolls and use luck points and stuff like that. I was playing with fifth edition, and and fifth edition do- doesn't have is not prevalent with a lot of that stuff. So I plus uh, a lot of people there had never played Call of Cthulhu any edition before. So I didn't want to add in any complexities, which to a new player would just hinder their enjoyment of the game. So I stayed away from all of the all of the meta stuff and it was just you, your skills and your roles and go for it. You know, and the only thing you have, the only thing you have to make you more survivable is your decisions. You make good decisions, you live. Maybe you make bad decisions, you die. Definitely. That's how it works. <laughs> I mean, it is Call of Cthulhu, right? Yeah. So uh, let's see if I can start that. OK, we got to be getting close to the end, right? Uh, nope. Group ship is the home base where the players are currently balancing uh, ship upgrades, paying off debt, and sometimes taking on even more debt. Yes. And yes, stealth tech is awesome when you just disappear from enemy sensors. Okay. He knows more about that than I do, which is good good stuff. Well, that's what I was saying. You know, I I want a ship. I don't want any guns. I just want all the stealth tech you could put into it. The best way to not get shot is to have no one know you're there to shoot you in the first place. Wow. The day you trust the players is the day you should just rip up your campaign and throw it in the trash. Again, if not wrong. Well, see, the reason that doesn't bother me at all is because I don't run. I don't run the rail. uh, I don't have like. So what is it you say you have the beginning, the middle and the end? Beginning, middle and end. I don't have that. I have the beginning and how the world's going to shape around you. And then you stop some of those things because I used what I call timelines. I got somebody really pedantic with me, but they're basically timelines. Things are going to happen and you stop some of them. You can't stop others. The world just keeps moving on around you. That's, that's how I do it. And you can choose to stop the vampire incursion or the orc raids or somebody trying to uh, summon a giant mountain to smash into the planet, whatever, you know, you, you pick and choose your battles and the ones you pick and choose. May, might get stopped um so you really can't ruin mine unless you're simply sitting at the table trying to be disruptive 
or trying. Which, you know, it doesn't matter what GM style is being used. If your players are purposely trying to be dicks, then your game's going to suck. Yeah, that's just the way it is. It, it it doesn't matter what style you play. Yeah. Oh my god, what, why does this keep jumping around? Nice session. Uh, okay, uh, I'm loving these deep dives. Thank you, DM James. Uh, if you guys haven't checked out DM James channel, you can check it out there. It's nice and big on the screen. I'm gonna scroll down. Uh, I think we're getting close to where we might be done. Okay, you're getting dragged, dude. You're getting anime. You're gonna have to check comments out because I'm not gonna keep sending you messages when people that are. Uh, but you, you, a lot of your older how content. How many is, years ago was that? Hey, look at how long he, he dude, wrote a Jesus he wrote a fuck, book, dude. You need to respond, but he used paragraphs. Give him credit for using paragraphs. All right, all right. I'm cool but with that. Damn, man. I mean, the it, back when I did that, I would not have expected oh. anyone to have that much to say about something I said on the internet. I would not have expected that at all. You already responded to Kevin, so I'm moving on oh, past yeah, this no, one. That, that's, one, that's one you should read. That was awesome. Okay, God damn. You know how long this live stream is today? <laughs> uh, it's long, yeah. yeah. I really, really, really have to pee. <laughs> so here we go. Um, my character in, in a, uh, okay, my character in a game many years ago, Selefen Reed, was a jock problem solver. Despite having the best investigation skills in the group, he replaced a jock who had been killed in the last adventure. The other characters called him a gun a gun-toting thug because he was always armed and was not adverse to shooting bad guys. All right. Jack was a World War One vet. Were you playing, oh, is this Delta Green or something? Or is, or is Call of Cthulhu naturally in the 1920s? No, no, no. no. It, the, it can go anywhere from the 1890s to the 2000s. Okay. Uh, Jack was a World War, World War One vet Chicago private investigator. He didn't have time for the intricacies of cult politics. He only knew that people who slit your throat and pulled your tongue out through the, wow, through the new mouth needed to die. Colombian necktie, yeah. Yep. Uh, Jack saved the rest of the party on several occasions because he kept trying to arrest or talk to cultists instead of following the clues to advance the thought of the plot. Sorry. Uh, Jack did not survive mass. Oh, so he died good. stopping the cultists from completing their plan instead of hiding in a closet, talking about what to do next, like the rest of the party. Does that not sound like the um, I already forgot the name of the 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 uh, what the hell's the name of the faction Coriolis? Now they just said, fuck it, let the people go and see what happens. Yeah, just somebody make a decision. You got my response. <laughs> Uh, that, uh, that's it. Uh, that is a jock boss. Some folk aren't uh, just aren't. Oh my god, I cannot read. Some folk are just too effed up and need to stop breathing. I'm fixed to help with that. I love it. <laughs> and I can't get over this. I'm examining the story for clues after World War One. So 1920s in Chicago. That's basically the Wild West. Mob control. Yep. Corruption. All levels of local government. He was the Batman of his day. There you go. Yeah. Uh. Jock player, I want to hit the Shogoth with my baseball bat. Yeah, uh, yeah, roll up a new character. Hey, you know what? Some some jocks are not long for this world, and this is Call of Cthulhu. So there you go. You know, some some people got to die. Some characters have to die so some players can learn. It's fair. The best have to die so the rest can live. Is are you are you really the going there? Have to die so the best can live. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this setting that I send players who think uh, who think having an invulnerable massive damage capacity. What is this? Oh, this is dead rain. Uh, this is setting I send players who think having an invulnerable massive damage capacity with an extraordinary physical endurance immortal mega hero who laughs at a Balrog. The smart ones basically run away. He's talking yeah, about dead rain. Yeah, yeah. The 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 zombies in Dead Rain are so hard to kill. I, I still think a mega hero is not gonna have too much problem, but yeah. Uh yeah, they're 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 very tricky. No, no, he's saying that he sends players who are used to having that there. Yeah, because the they're used yeah. Here. Now now you can see what happens when you actually are challenged. Uh, okay, that's more riffs. You you answered it. That's good. Coalition. Okay, are we are we yep, we're done. We're done. Okay. Good. 
Poof, that was a lot of con- well, it actually wasn't a lot, but uh, I really have to pee like crazy, man. Okay. <laughs> um, let's get this over here. Let's get this over here. Uh, anything in the comments that we need to bring up? Uh, besides Delta Green is a solid game. You're absolutely right. I might do that again. I did it already for the Legion Myth live stream, but I'll look it over to see if I can put a new spin on it. Okay. But we'll see. See, lead file. That, that was the motto of my basic training. 3701st BMTS, lead filer, get the hell out of the way. Okay, Heathen, though, give us some words of wisdom so we can head on out of here. Uh, next, just so everybody knows, next week, we should, uh, barring Kevin and Sean, have a standing penciled in appointment with us whenever they want. So if uh, Sean and Kevin say, hey, we're ready to go, they're here. So just know that's how we're doing it with them. Uh, with that said, the plan is next week is the last week of Coriolis. And then the week after that, we'll start uh, Forbidden Lands. So that's that's for me. And Heathen Dog probably doesn't have a clue what he's doing. <laughs> Not at the moment, no. I, I will moment. I will tomorrow. As long as I know by Wednesday when you I come home from work, Wednesday. then you I can... Sounds good. All right, give us um, some words of wisdom. Let us get on out of here. And uh, I hope every one of you guys has an awesome week. And where is my words of wisdom screen? Oh, it's that one. It's the thank you, of course. All right. A lot of today has been about GM style and game style. And whether you whether you sit either on either side or on the fence like Max does about, about what is role-playing, <laughs> at the end of the day, you don't need to convince me you're right. You don't need to convince Max you're right. You don't need us to say you're right. All you need to do to be a winner is to say, this is how I play in my table and my players are happy. At your table, you're right. That's all you really need to know. There's no need to be angry. There's no need to be offended. That's stupid. If you're doing it and you have fun, you're not, you may not be doing it the same way everyone else does it. But as long as it works and everyone's having a good time, then yeah, man, you're also doing it right.